Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey Podswafters, it's your boy Luke Owen here. Our Patreon exclusive podcast Wrestle Ramble Extra, now renamed to Wrestle Talk Extra, has just celebrated its second anniversary and we thought we'd mark the occasion by releasing one of the episodes from the past year into the free podcast feed. We asked our pledge hammers what their favorite episode was from the last 12 months and they responded with WrestleMania 20. So here it is in full our four and a half hour review of WrestleMania 20 where it all begins again. We've got Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle, John Cena versus Big Show, Evolution versus Rock and Sock Connection, a Playboy evening gown match, a main event where Chris Benoit looks to win the World Heavyweight Championship and the first meeting between Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, aka the not good one. So sit back and enjoy this in-depth review of WrestleMania 20. And if you like what you hear, why not head on over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk and become a $5 backer to get episodes like this every single ruddy month. That's patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. But for now, enjoy WrestleMania 20. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Twenty years ago, one man had a vision. It began here, and it would change our world. As the vision grew, we cheered it on, stood in awe, held onto our seats, and gave up our hearts. The boyhood dream has come true. We watched with utter disbelief. He walked in the Stunned silence. And sheer amazement. But above all, we've been inspired and enriched by the vision. Sometimes things are so special in your life that words cannot explain. The history alone in that place makes Madison Square Garden special. My family's gonna come there. My wife, my mom, my dad, my daughter. Everything that I've ever wanted out of life comes down to this one day, this one short period of time. My passion, the thing you dream about and consumes you. People are gonna remember this forever. People will say, you know, that match was worth coming back for. You haven't lived, you haven't breathed until you've danced in WrestleMania. Tonight will be like no other. Tonight is the showcase of the immortals. They will achieve the impossible and forge new beginnings. Tonight, men will hunt down their dreams. Tonight, no one holds back. And tonight is where it all begins. Again. Welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Extra Podcast, you beautiful, money-showering Patreon pledge hammers, our favourite of all the fans. We love you so much. I'm Ollie Davis, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, pledge hammers, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm good. I'm good. I thought I'd pause before I said your name mm-hmm. because we keep changing lineups recently, which I'm sure everyone is thrilled about. People love change. They love variety. <laughs> yeah. It's the spice of life. It's the spice of life. There was someone who commented on the NXT live stream 
this video is garbage. I want the old Wrestle Talk back. And I was like, it's a Wrestle Talk video. It's the, we do this video every single week. It's mm. the same thing. It's just live. I mean, we try when we oh, do. Also, it was Pete. Yeah, and it was Pete. I guess. Yeah, I guess that kind of nullifies what I was about to say. It was originally meant to be El Fagador. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to, a load of a load of annoying things happened on Thursday. Behind the curtain type things. Which which meant everyone had to play musical chairs. Yeah, it was a day when you <sighs> told me you had said to your girlfriend in the <sighs> morning, "I'm going to have a stress-free day today." Today, for the first week in many many weeks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, for the first day in many weeks, I said to her, I, can, I feel like today's going to be a stress-free day. Everything's going to come along at a normal pace. Yep, it's going to run smoothly. And within half an hour of getting in, it all crumbled, crumbled to the floor. The house of cards toppled. I would say even worse is that we had literally just finalized the plan for the day. And then not five minutes later... Did it all fall apart? Yeah, I said, well, I think I think we've got a bit of breathing space today. <laughs> so let's try doing our first ever live stream five minutes later. Yeah. Everything goes wrong. But you know what? Screw it. We're still going to do the live stream. We decided to do it anyway. But yeah, I think we're pretty good with change in that we do it gradually. Mm-hmm. Like we, we do do change, but we we change a little bit here. Then we change a little bit there and we roll it out. Uh, so I think we, we could have annoyed more people. Oh, yeah. No, 100% yeah. we could have done. Yeah. With no storyline, just boom. Here's all the... We've got a new channel. We've got new graphics. Yeah. Here's this guy called Pete. Mm-hmm. And someone, Deal with it. Someone messaged me yesterday going like, why are you doing live streams at 3 o'clock? I'm at work until 5. And they're like, ah, well, we should really move it to 5 then mm, to accommodate yeah, this one yeah. person. Well, you know, I did, I did put a, a message out on the YouTube community thread saying, when is best for everyone? Um, but what I didn't say is realistically, <laughs> it's only going to be either two or three o'clock starts. <laughs> so no matter what time zone you tell me, I really just want to know whether two or three o'clock works <laughs> better for you. I want a binary choice to yeah, be made. Yeah. I Do you want know. to leave or remain? Do you want two or three? It's not... All 24 hours are not up for grabs. (laughs) We're not getting up at 5 a.m. to watch Raw, doing the Raw videos, then going home, then coming back at 7 p.m. to to be live when you have your dinner. Yeah, no, it's not working that way. I Uh, wish we could. Yeah, absolutely. I wish we could. Um, I just realised, can you fill a bit of time while I get the Patreon back end loaded up so I can give you some stats about polls and stuff like that? Um, so oh, yeah just be be just really good about me. it though so like make it seem very seamless okay so oh man why does my brain freeze every time you say you are very bad at this phil uh phil 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 don't say phil stopford again uh, i'm de- there's not there's nothing there's nothing my birthday my birthday <laughs> is well i guess when we're recording this, the I've got, first I've got part it, I've got of this, it. thank God. <laughs> My birthday's next week. We're recording this on a Friday. Yes. Seven days away. Absolutely. I'm going yeah, to be 72. <laughs> I'm excited. It's nice when your birthday rolls around. Uh, although you haven't really thought much about it because you've been have, no. you've had so much other stuff on your mind. Wait, Not the least of which it's WrestleMania in like two weeks. Launching a channel, WrestleMania, yeah, and, and the marathon. week after is a marathon. Yeah. And Literally... Not- 
two marathons. <laughs> and not the, not the Snickers bar either. No. Uh, so this uh, episode is going to be WrestleMania 20 because, yes, we are in WrestleMania season, which usually means, and I say usually because it was last year, Double Mania month. We did two WrestleManias last year. It was a WrestleMania heavy poll um, this month. Few people uh, are starting to suggest that we should only uh, we should have a month where we only suggest pay per views pre 1995 or pre 1998. Some people saying pre 2001 because they're sick and tired of the same sort of time frames being discussed. But my argument would be every time frame. It's like if it's the if it wins in the poll, then clearly that's the most popular choice. It's an it's like an attitude era. It's very attitude era focused because yes. I think. Uh, that's when we were formed as wrestling fans, myself and you, mm-hmm. and when a large bulk of the audience were. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to your, your boring 1993 <laughs> pay-per-views, Phil, <laughs> when we've run out of all the other ones. Well, yeah, when we've done every Attitude Era pay-per-view, then we can go back and do, I don't know, something from 2004. So uh, we had on the list WrestleMania 1-3. Uh, yeah, WrestleMania 20. Yeah. Okay, it's 2006 then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had WrestleMania 3, uh, 1, 3, 14, 15, 19, 20, 24, and 26 suggested, including as well in that the ROH 10th anniversary show, Progress Chapter 1, which has now Ooh. been twice because that came up last year and did not win. It got 3% of the votes. I did not make that show. Mm. That was the only chapter of the like first 20 that I didn't make, and I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but again, it was right around my birthday time. A girl that I... Have I told you this story? I believe you told this story on the podcast before, yeah. Have I? Yeah. Oh. But you can tell it again. There are new girl listeners. that every podcast is someone's <laughs> first podcast. Oh, it's such a seamless Stanley impression. It was perfect. A girl that I was seeing uh, for only two weeks surprised me with a trip to the Cotswolds. And, you know, a, a thing that she'd all paid for. And, you know, it freaked me out a bit. And we went and it was lovely. But then when we got back, I was like, Arr. so I didn't text her for a week. Hmm. Hmm. I'm an asshole. Yeah. I was an asshole then. Also suggested. And I missed progress. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> also suggested TNA Lockdown 2013, <laughs> um, which were, that was an Aces and Eights pay-per-view. Um, it featured Team TNA versus Team Aces and Eights. The Team Aces and Eights. Do you want to have a guess who was on the team? Team Aces and Eights. Yeah. Crimson. No. Bubba, obviously. No. Had, 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 had he not been revealed yet? Uh, no, Bubba he was in. Revealed. Yeah, but Bubba had his own match. He was defending uh, the title. See, he was in, he was taking on Jeff Hardy in the so main event. So it's a bunch of jobbers. <laughs> it was because yeah. Ace and Eights is just lost every week. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bram. No. Gunner. No, unless he was Nux. No, he wasn't Nux. How was he? many? How many people are in this team? Uh, so there's five. Go on, tell me. Uh, Devon. Uh, I was gonna say Devon. Doc Gallows. I was gonna say Doc Gallows. I'm just gonna say that for every yeah. person. Nux, who I just said then. Ken Anderson. Wow. And Garrett Bischoff. Of course. And Team TNA was made up of Eric Young, James Storm, Magnus, Samoa Joe, and Sting. Hmm. Wes Briscoe also has a match against Kurt Angle. TNA. Also suggested was uh, ECW Living Dangerously 1999. uh, That could have been fun. uh, WCW Uncensored uh, 1998. 
um, which was a, a show headlined in 1998 by Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. God's sake, WCW. Like, yes. I wouldn't have minded watching that, though. No, I, I, I was fun. every single pay-per-view that was suggested, with the exception of some of those early WrestleManias, because WrestleMania 3 is a boring show, uh, I would have been happy to do. But anyway, WC, WCW, WrestleMania 20 won the poll with 38%, suggested by Colin McLean. In second place was WrestleMania 26 with 14% of the vote, which was suggested by Lendl Brenson and, of course, Dan, because he loves that pay-per-view. He thinks it's his favorite WrestleMania. It's the one with Brett versus Vince. Oh, Dan. But, you know, it's also got Rey Mysterio versus CM Punk. You know, it's also got Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Mm. It's also got John Cena versus Batista and Edge versus Chris Jericho. It's actually a really good card. It's just yeah. mostly remembered for Brett versus Vince and the awfulness that it was. Yeah, God, that second Shawn Taker match is, is quite something. Yeah, it's, it's way better than anything else on that card because that card has also got uh, Triple H Sheamus where they were going to re- you know, establish Sheamus as the top guy. Then Triple H beat him. Worked out well. And then they were going to do, and it was Randy Orton versus Ted DiBiase and Cody Rhodes, so they could establish them as main eventers as well. So Randy won. Um, Learns from the best. (laughs) Learns from from the best. But we are talking about WrestleMania 20, which took place in Madison Square Garden, where Ring of Honor and New Japan are going to be this year on March 14th, 2004. Mm. So 15 years... Yeah, 15 years ago. Yeah. Crikey. That seems way too long ago. That's crazy. Where were you uh, for WrestleMania 20? Well, I would have been 16. I was not in the wrestling bubble. I was not a fan at this time. I was at at school. I was mostly making uh, Dr. Lapine's life a living hell in history class, which was just... He had no control over that class. We had a double period Wednesday afternoon. Everyone had already given up on learning. So we just went there and it was, I mean, like looking back on it, I feel very bad because he would, our teacher would often leave the room just because he couldn't deal with it. But personally, we all had so much fun. Yeah. Um, We were having nice fun, I would argue. Very annoying if you're a teacher, but nice fun. Whereas the boys at the back... They were a bit too, you know, rough, rough fun, rough mm, fun. Oh mm, dear. Fun was good. Um, but we would sing happy birthday to him at the start of every lesson. <laughs> Which is the sort of stupid hijinks that we used yeah. to get involved in. That was the extent of my rule breaking. <laughs> Being like aggressively nice. <laughs> what were you doing? Uh, so this would have been just before I went to university. Uh, 2004 um and so i was working at sainsbury's at this time as my little weekend job and i was what, at in, in what department groceries um yeah so i was like stacking I, shelves stacking shelves uh, facing I, up well i know we didn't really well we did a lot of that as well i suppose but i was more like the the stacking shelves guy. very busy saturdays because i used to work the crisps aisle which is always very popular mm. fresh drinks i like fresh juices that was always really popular as well and sometimes loo rolls which wasn't quite as busy as you'd imagine but you get the big the big steel cages don't you yep with the fun wrapping yes and you pop pop the wrapping yeah and around this period as well was when me and my friends um uh, we just bought a camera so we would often just film us messing around and stuff. Trolleys. Trolleys. Ample supply of ample trolleys. Supply of trolleys. We did that after hours. We would do it while we were at work. And we would just like stack up some boxes. And then you would just climb up something and then just dive on top of the boxes. Um, that was always good. 
um, throwing people into the produce um, so they smell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun times. A um, friend of mine got fired because his uh, our manager was just walking around. I was walking around the warehouse and he was just there cracking open a bottle of uh, Pepsi that he'd just taken off the shelf. That's not so bad. I <laughs> thought you were going to say, like, cracking open a bottle of meth. No, it's just the visual of it really makes me laugh. But just <laughs> looking at the produce, sipping away his Pepsi. <laughs> Look at this. The magic of going, what are you doing? <laughs> Fired over a can of Pepsi. Yeah. Surely just dockies pay a little bit. Well, it was, I, I think it was the indignity of stealing stock as well. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, so I so I was out of the wrestling bubble as well. Uh, out of by 2002, I'd say. WrestleMania X eight would have been my drop off point. Same, yeah. The NWO came in and Triple H was champion again. Yeah. Got lost interest. Actually I think it was more the month after when Hogan won. I think Hogan won the belt like at Backlash or something like that. And that's when I was like, Yeah, I'm done, I'm tapping out. But um a friend of mine at that job was still into wrestling. As as far as I he never really talked about it though, until it started to come around to this period of time. Because he loved John Cena. He thought John Cena was so awesome. He's like, there's this guy called Brock Lesnar whose finisher is the F5. So John Cena called his move the FU. It's like a big FU to Brock Lesnar. He's so cool. He's a rapper. And I was like, okay, I mean, doesn't sound like The Rock. But yeah, I guess he, he might be cool. The FU is a great name. Yeah. And then they na- they renamed it. To the Attitude Adjustment. Uh. And then just the AA. Uh, but what was key to this point, because I watched this pay-per-view live. And it was because The Undertaker was coming back. as it all begins again. As the dead man. The Undertaker was returning as the dead man, and he told us this. And he was like, yeah, Undertaker's going to come back as, like, as, you know, proper Undertaker. And I was like, oh, okay. I might watch this show then. So I went around to my friend Graham's house, and we ordered the pay-per-view, and we watched this live. And I'll be honest with you, the only things I remember from this show, well, the only three things I remember from this show, the rock match because it was The Rock and Man- and Mick Foley, and I wanted to see them wrestle. I didn't care about the other three. Um, I just wanted to see Rock and Mick Foley. Uh, the Undertaker's return, and the last moment at the end of the show with Benoit and, uh, and Eddie. It's the only three things I remember. I don't remember a single other thing about this show until I went back and rewatched it years later. And I was like, God, I don't remember this Christian Chris Jericho thing. I do not remember half of this stuff. But I do remember those three things I remember. And I, I, if you'd have asked me, sort of like as the show finished, who did Rock and uh, Mick Foley face? I was like, couldn't tell you. Absolutely could not remember. But I remember that Rock was on the show and I was excited to see him. Yeah, I, I was completely. So I've obviously seen matches here. I really, really vividly remember the Rock's promo before yeah, yeah. the match because I've seen that in so many like best promo clips on youtube so i've i've watched a bunch of the big matches but i've never watched this pay-per-view top to bottom Mm. i was completely out at this time i wasn't back in until david pollard told me in the sixth form common room that eddie guerrero had just died oh really and i was like what you still watch wrestling (laughs) and he was like yeah i was like Huh. And then, and then, like you know, unfortunately, because this is—it's quite an interesting time. We'll get into it more in the actual meat of the review, but this is really the last year of steroid rampant use mm. because the following year is Eddie dies. Is that? I thought it was yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six. I think he died. No, Benoit was two thousand six. I think Benoit was, Benoit was Benoit was two thousand seven because I was out of university. Uh, no, he died two thousand five, November <laughs> two thousand five, so late in the year. Oh, you're right, two thousand seven for Benoit. Yeah, my apologies. So okay, maybe it's near the end, but so it's like the last couple of years of 
unchecked mm. use of P P E D S. So it's in yeah, it's uh. Which is weird, because The Rock doesn't look as big as he does now. No. But Billy Kidman is enormous. <laughs> um, do you know what my other lasting memory of this show is? Because my friend Graham dropped out of wrestling fandom before I did. Um, he dropped out. Sort of like tail end of 2000, I would say, he sort of like dropped off. Maybe 2001, I think, was when he really lost interest in it. But when watching this show, he thought it was a complete joke that Eddie Guerrero was WWE champion. Mm. So he's like, he's, he's a European champion guy. Like, yeah. he's he's just not cool enough to be WWE champion. I had that same mentality. Yeah. And I, I, I thought the same thing. I hadn't been watching the product, so I didn't realize. It's only since going back and watching it and you see the sort of rise of Eddie that you're like, oh, well, this totally makes sense now. But like to eyes of someone who only watched it in like that 99 2000 2001 period eddie guerrero was a european champion guy you know he was lower mid card yeah lower mid card at a push yeah a mid card mid card yeah, yeah. yeah. a mid mid card yeah yeah uh, and same with benoit mm. he was just like you know i don't think well benoit was always in the intercontinental championship and he had that so match he was against defi- the rock yeah so he was definitely upper mid being able to break into main event but, yes but he never did yeah but to, to take on triple h and hbk who were big time yeah huge it was a, in the following year uh well like a few months later when we were talking about wrestling again again neither of us were really watching it but he was talking about like he tuned in to watch smackdown and how rubbish it was and he was like yeah this is a guy called john cena who's got the worst finishing move i've ever seen like you just land on your back mm-hmm. like that doesn't hurt like that doesn't look like it's painful and he goes and like Bradshaw's WWE champion. Yeah, that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, he was, he was like, and I was like, what from the acolytes? And he was like, yeah, yeah, he's champion. And I was like, that sounds awful. Yeah, there's there's a reason why I'm not watching this anymore. Mm. Crazy times. Yeah, weird. But it is March 14th, 2004. Oliver Davis, what was number one at the box office? Mm. US. In US. 2004, March. Yeah, 2000, not- 2004. I got told off a lot on YouTube for saying 2004. Because you don't say 19 and 98. 2004, 2004, 2002. Said, I've always said 2002, but they would say, like, you wouldn't say 19 and 98. 2003. Huh. I've never thought of it. No. Never, ever. I don't know what I say. It's only until I started getting told off a lot for saying it in, the, you know, when I used to do, like, those history videos for the channel. 19 and 01. 19 and 01. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Uh, okay, March 2004. What was big in 2004? Crazy Frog. <laughs> was it? Uh, this is films, remember? Mm, and Crazy Frog, to my knowledge, did not have a film. Though I bet you they tried. I'm trying to think of what I would have been excited about. I remember. So I'm, I'm just casting my mind back to, mate, to to that history class and being very excited for Matrix Revolutions. Hmm. Major's Revolution of 2003, I think. Ah, uh, damn it. Don't do a quick check of that. What franchises started? I mean, it's maybe like, it's, it's not a franchise. It's not a franchise movie, I can tell you that much. It's yeah, 2003 after, is Major's Revolution. So it's after Oscar season. March is typically a slow month mm-hmm. because all the really good films were released late December, January. And this was a big, big blockbuster movie. This was? Yes, the one that was number one in the box office. It made $62 million on its opening weekend. That's nothing today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a soft opening. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, we really cracked the bed with this 62 million opening weekend Absolutely. movie. Yeah. Can, can I have a clue? I'm, I'm uh, it stars me. Brad Pitt. A blockbuster with Brad Pitt. Ah, yeah. oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, no, historical. Historical? 
wow, I've got, I've got no idea. It is the film Troy. Nearly 3,000 years ago, the passion for one woman ignited the greatest battle ever fought for love. I want her back. Will you go to war with me, brother? Ah, I wouldn't have got that in a million years. No, yeah, the film... By Oliver Stone. Uh, Yeah, well, well, from uh, Wolfgang Peterson was director, yeah. Uh. Um, it was produced by Oliver Stone. I think it wow. might have been, yeah. That was a, a big cast. Didn't really catch a light. I, th- I feel like it was commissioned after the success of Gladiator. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, also with Diane Kruger, Eric Banner, Orlando Bloom, mm. or Blando Bland. Um, yeah, big cast. Big, big money as well. Big cast at that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pre- Few of those people have gone on to be box office draws. Main eventers. Yeah. Previous week's number one was Van Helsing. I saw that in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. I took Kaylee Byron to see that. <laughs> wow. I didn't mind that film. Yeah. Hugh Jackman. Uh, yeah, I remember quite liking it, but being strangely sad yeah. and just disappointed. I hadn't really, I liked every, it was a joke amongst my friends. I just liked everything we went to see at the cinema. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really developed my critical capabilities yet. Now I hate everything. <laughs> Gone the other way. Uh, for reference, actually, 62 million would only be 82 million in today's money. So even then, doesn't seem Still. like a big opening. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was number one in the UK? I would. I'd be amazed if you got this one. I, Sex I, lives of the potato men. Absolutely not. I, I actually forgot this film existed. It's a Mona Lisa smile. Slide. Contemporary art. No, that's just an advertisement. Quiet. Today you just listen. What will the future scholars see when they study us? A portrait of women today? There you are, ladies. The perfect likeness of a Wellesley graduate, magna cum laude, doing exactly what she was trained to do. Slide. A Rhodes Scholar. I wonder if she recites Chaucer while she presses her husband's shirt's slide. (laughs) Now you physics majors can calculate the mass and volume of every meatloaf you make. Slide. A girdle to set you free. What does that mean? Wow. With, with, (laughs) I want to say Kirsten Dunst. makes a smile. No, it's with um, uh, Julia Roberts. Oh, and with Kirsten Dunst, yeah, and Julia yes. Styles, Maggie uh, Gyllenhaal. What's and, it about? Uh, let's see. Uh, Catherine Watson, Julia Roberts, is a recent UCLA graduate, uh, graduate hired to teach art history at the prestigious all-female Wesley College in 1953. Oh, my God. That makes me want to cry with boredom. Determined to confront the outdated mores of society and the Uh, institution that embraces them, Catherine inspires her traditional uh, students, uh, including uh, uh, Betty, Kirsten Dunst, and Joan Julia Stiles, to challenge the lives they are expected to lead. It got released in... Stop it. It got released in December 2003. We got it in March, uh, a few months later. Well, they they obviously tried to get that as an Oscar contender. Yeah, Mark Newell uh, directed that. Mm -hmm. He did uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. 
um, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, and uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, objectively the best, and I'd say, yet yeah, best uh, Harry Potter Mike movie. Newell's a very good director. Mm. I think he's overlooked a lot. Yeah. But uh, Mona Lisa Smile, from what I get, like the, my only knowledge of Mona Lisa Smile is it's a joke in Dodgeball of when they're listing through all of the late uh, videos that he's got out, and it's a load of porn titles, and then Mona Lisa Smile. <laughs> Uh, what was number one in the uh, U.S. Billboard chart? It had been oh, number God. one since February 28th, and it would be remain number one until May 29th. This big is hit. big, big you know hit. What? I think I know it. Yeah. Hey, uh, no, no. Oh. I don't even know when that would have been. 2004. Mm, big, I'm 16. Big. I'm 16. I should know in, this. That was released in 2003. The Ordinary Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I only, only memory of the uh, the Ordinary Boys is that lad going on to Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Yeah. And Preston. Preston, that was it, yeah. Um, he writes no. songs for Justin Bieber now. Does he really? Yeah, he's a, he's a I think we've had a chat songwriter. before and I keep forgetting I've only got that. so many facts. <laughs> uh, I think that's 80% of the facts as well. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, uh, I'm 16 years old. It's a one-word title. And it's a one-word title that gets, says a lot. Is it a one-word title that's an acronym? No, it is a one-word title mm. by a one-word artist. Shaggy. No. Madonna. Uh, no. And this person would be in films. Britney. No, she's Britney Spears. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, he would also star in films. He. He, yeah. Iglesias. <laughs> I can be your, your hero, baby. baby. I uh, danced to that song at my year 11 dinner and dance with Julia Airy. And I got that dance because I helped her mate pass her maths GCSE. Shout out to Julia right there. Julia Airy. She was my uh, school, school day's crush. Uh, the one that got away, you might say. There's two of them that got away, really. What? The what? second, the second one hurt more because she dated a guy that everyone said looked exactly like me. So that 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 really hurt. That's awkward. Yeah. Um, one word. So, okay, so it's a it's a hymn. It's a it's it's a one word hymn. Mm-hmm. God, and it's not Shaggy. <laughs> it's not Shaggy. What other ones are? There? <laughs> uh, oh man, I I'm just yeah. This watching me flounder on air isn't fun. Yeah. It is. Yeah. By Usher. God damn it. Yeah. Hate Usher. Yeah, I hate that song as well. Oh, what are you going to sing about today, Usher? I thought I'd sing about myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay. I remember. Yeah, literally. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, me I remember too, how man. much I hated Usher. Hated that song. Still hate Usher. Yeah, never liked that song. The only thing I've ever liked Usher in is The Faculty. That's a good shout. By the way, when I say I hate Usher... I do not hate the person. Absolutely not. I despise his musical output. <laughs> Which is terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was UK number one at the UK? Now, I remember this very, very well because the two friends that I referenced earlier, uh, Graham and Scott, they loved this song and would sort of like, they would, it's a dance routine thing and they would they would do it every Last time. Last ketchup. No, it's not that bad. Um a dance routine. But it's, it's still played at weddings to this day. Well, this is like indie rock era. But it's of, not an indie rock charts, song. Chart dominance. Absolutely um, not. This, it, I believe this was even played at my wedding. Is it Show Me The Way To Amarillo? No, absolutely. Or was that no, later? That might be later. Uh, okay, g- give me a genre. What genre would you say? It's, it's a dance then? song. It's a, it's a dance song where they tell you the dance movements that you have to do next. Cha-cha slide. Whoa. By DJ Casper. Nice. Yeah. Everybody clap, clap your, your hands. hands. 
take it back now, yo. Do 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 do. This time, do 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 do. Two hops this time, do 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 do. Free. Yeah, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Everybody, clap your hands. So yeah, that was number one at the UK at the time. Nice. Um, yeah, good song, mate. Your friends legitimately loved that song. I mean, Genuinely a, loved it. It's a dance floor filler. It no is. One can deny. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's still. But to listen to that on the bus to work would not. I do don't it. think I'd, no. I'd but do like, they would do it if it came on because it was still the era when you would have music channels on. If you went sure. round to a friend's house, like you would just put the music channels on, mm. and then you would just sort of hang around and watch the music channels until a song you like came on. Or. And then that song would finish, and then you would hope another one would come on as well. Or just flick. Yeah. Oh. Flick. Flick the channels. Going around to my cousin's house, you go to the start, which is like, I'd say 401, which will take you to MTV. And then don't like it, click, flick, 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 flick till you get to SCUS and background again to MTV. SCUS is your last one. Yeah, yeah. Other ways to get into the nether regions of (laughs) of badly produced hip hop channels. Oh, yeah, there was all like produced by the (laughs) TV. The videos were like down in the bottom corner because there was all this other guff around it. I am. So me and my sister were just do that yeah and she had the complete opposite musical taste to me i was very much indie and rock and she was usher <laughs> and uh, but we both like we both like pop music like just catchy pop but i set up you know you could set up the favorite button <laughs> on her own yeah. control she'd press in blue <laughs> but so i was just like pressing <laughs> my ones and she'd be like do them all you're meant to flick through all the channels i was like i am i'm pressing the button <laughs> she gets so annoyed it was the mo- it was the worst thing as well because you'd be watching one music video and that would end because you've been flicking for ages and then ev- eventually that song will end you'd be like oh cool well, let's flick to another channel now and then it'd be like halfway through Alien Ant Farm Smooth Criminal you're like oh no I really wanted yeah, to see that one yeah. from the start yeah. oh good, good times good good times wasted wasted teenage days no no I I mean I I ended up working for those oh, channels so, you did. so it was actually yeah. a lot of research. <laughs> Uh, but of this show, because that's what people really want to hear about, Brian Alvarez would write, Who would have thought four years ago that at the end of the 20th anniversary of the most important wrestling event of the year, two of the criminally underutilized performers that Kevin Ash and WCW referred to as Vanilla Midget would be standing tall as co-WWE champions? It happened. The three Reluctantly. Way- <laughs> the three-way where Benoit won the belt saved this from being a below-par WrestleMania. The main problem was the show appeared to be just too long. About four and a half hours. Yeah, the problem was compounded by the Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar match, which the crowd hated with such a passion that it seemingly killed most of their heat for the rest of the show. <coughs> and then he talks about, and this is a very uh, good point, kind of to what we were talking about earlier. With Lesnar gone, Goldberg gone... Um, Ba, 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 ba. Hunter gone to film a movie, Rock gone to film a movie, Foley gone soon, Flair hurting, uh, Angle hurting, and zero major league heels to feed to take on the SmackDown side. The roster ended up in complete disarray Monday. As a result, it was announced on Raw that next week another draft will be held to mix up the two rosters. Um, here's an interesting one as well uh, from uh, Wade Keller. I think we've sort of come to agree that he sometimes has. Bad opinions. Mm. Hmm. They're his opinions, but... He's got a style of opinion that that is unwavering. He fixates on people that he just doesn't like, and then there is no way that they can do anything that will make him go, like, that was good. He'll just be like, no, I just don't like them. Mm. Therefore, I hate their match. 
Um, he would write of this show, this was a very good event. I wasn't bothered by the length of the show as others seem to have been. I have watched many three-hour pay-per-views that seemed a lot longer than this one. This felt like a huge show. The main event is going to be tough to beat match of the year. Everything that could come together for a match came together. Hunter had his best match ever and blew away anything since his first singles match against Shawn Michaels a year and a half ago. Shawn Michaels is back to where he was before he retired and in some ways better because he's more disciplined and has better opponents. And Chris Benoit put in a career highlight performance. Athletic and emotionally the match told a great story it wasn't too cute but it teased you several times with you with convincing near falls but here's what i wanted to um point out what uh, he would say about madison square garden because what would you you and i have talked about madison square garden and how we really like that venue because that's quite a unique little setup we talked about it royal rumble 2000s mm. right yeah you've got the an, an, a sort of entrance way opposite the hard cam they didn't use that entrance way they built their own quite flimsy looking lcd new york skyline stage yeah. which is more befitting of, of a mania yeah i would argue uh yeah it, it's weird it felt like a roar yeah i would say that as well but you still have that madison square garden entrance it's just now a video w- w- war where yeah. you have sort of like match graphics and things like that so we're big fans of that wait keller would say well i i mean i i thought it was it was quite uninspired i wasn't a fan of the set design no, 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 well, I'm talking about, like, in general, we oh, like the yeah, way yeah, Madison yeah, yeah. Square Garden oh, is laid yeah, down. Yeah, it's very yeah. unique, sorry. Wade Keller would say, Madison Square Garden always had that ugly, distracting tunnel right in front of the hard camera. <laughs> but this event, they blocked it with a video wall featuring the two wrestlers involved in the match in the ring. Nice touch. How? <laughs> I just... Every time when I read Wade's like review of the show, I was like, oh, maybe Wade's on side with this. And then he said that. And I was like, oh, no, here we go again. And yeah, wait till we get to the rock match. I feel like Wade Keller and Kevin Dunn would get on very well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here to sing America the Beautiful, the world-renowned Boys Choir of Harlem. kick off the show or the broadcast i should say with the boys choir of harlem singing america the beautiful which was very very lovely um i've always enjoyed how patriotic americans are particularly with this because the crowd pops when they sang america like when they just said the word america this crowd bloody loved it i like it too i'm kind of of the opinion where i wish i was that sort of blindly in love with something yeah but uh it also scares me when people <laughs> yeah. are that blindly in love with something yeah, yeah. to the extent where you can't criticize any mm. faults. No. So it's just like, I, I, I just wish it would cut to someone occasionally where they're laughing. Yeah. And I feel that would be a nicer balance for me as a cynical yeah. foreigner. Uh, like. Or someone just doing the Alan Partridge shrug. Yeah, because I feel like in Britain, or in when it's the English national anthem, which is predominantly sung at 
national football ma- international football matches. It's national sports matches. Yes, Rugby as well. Yeah. Sports. Uh, there is often at least one person not doing anything. Many people just don't sing because they don't care. Mm. And there's maybe a, a, a mascot standing in front of a football player, a football kicker, mm-hmm. just pulling a funny face. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When the camera that, pans past I, them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like. I, I don't like it, though, when you go past, like when you do the pan past the, the, the football um, doofers with the kicking, mm. and um, one of them isn't singing, and then they'll just become part of the news for the next week because they didn't yeah, sing yeah. the national anthem. Yeah, and, the and that's a problem. For uh, for not kneeling or kneeling. I can't remember which it's way round it is. You're, su- you're not supposed to. He take, took a knee. He took a knee took in a the knee. national anthem. Yes, as in a protest. The American, the American kick fl- one, yeah. Football, yeah. Yeah, football one. Um, as a protest, a silent protest, a peaceful protest against um, mm. police brutality, which the media quite cleverly spun into being about veterans and disrespecting the national anthem, and then he was just targeted for that. I mean, but looking at how into this song a lot of people are on this show, yeah. granted, you've got you've to put your mind into this. This is three years, three years less than after three years, technically. 9 11. Mm-hmm. So the, and it's New York. Yeah, and so the very, very passionate uh, sort of atmosphere still there around that. Uh, and yet, the, the. It's just like when they came after Vince McMahon. Mm. <laughs> and the Boys Choir of Harlem, you know, great rendition. There's so many of them. Yeah. They made the, the, the ring look pretty small. I thought, is that a British ring? 14 <laughs> by 14. No, it's a 20 by 20. And they do a montage of service people. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, which is, you know, fine. It's, it's 9-11. A uh, few shots of Big Show hanging out with the service people. Tori Wilson there with the service people. John Cena there with the service people. John Cena and Big Show are in a match that kick off the show. I don't know why Big Show's getting a baby face spot here. That's annoying. But, uh, yeah, they sort of move on from these clips of people to just look at all the cool stuff we have in our military. <laughs> here's an aircraft carrier. Here's a phone. Here's a camera shot from underneath a plane taking off from an aircraft carrier. Bases, tanks. And I'm just like, this is such a weird way. And all that stuff happened over the solo piano bit. Yeah. I thought in a movie, this would be like... Chugga, 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 chugga. You could go that way, but with the with the sad... Not sad, but the the solo, slowed down piano rendition of America the Beautiful with all this like madness of military might. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they use that tool to sort of undermine and point out how ridiculous all this military yeah. stuff if is. Yeah, do- if this was being done by Michael Moore, it yeah. very much would be done to point out why this is not a good thing. Um, I also, I'm unsure as well, is Amer- America the Beautiful is not the national anthem. <sighs> America... The one, National. oh, say hey, can you see? Yeah, the Star Spangled Banner. Da, 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 yeah, why so proudly we held. I'm going to need some excerpts. I found the Wikipedia page and, with and the lyrics. There's the bit where everyone has to go, yeah. and the home of the brave. Yeah. Vuvuzelas this year. <laughs> this year, Vuvuzelas. Yeah, it's just that like what it's one of my other favorite things I like about America is that you have a national anthem, but also you just have a song that's about America, <laughs> and often you just like to sing that one instead. 
it's cute. It's, it's, it is Look, cute. We're not down on you. No, it's not. It's just like that's not how we do things <laughs> over here. We have one song, and, and we're embarrassed. We're... <laughs> <laughs> we have one song. Footballers sing it. Look, this is not meant to be patronising. No. Patronising. <laughs> That's how you say it. <laughs> that is my favorite Jimmy Carr joke ever. Good. Is it, an American came up to me and said, like, I find you quite patronizing. I said, I think you'll find it's patronizing. Mm. Um, yeah, Brian Alvarez would say the boys' choir of Harlem opened up the show singing America the Beautiful. They did a, ba- a way better job than I would have done. I like Brian Alvarez with his little quips he adds in here and yeah. there. But then we have our video that you heard at the top of this podcast. About 20 years ago, one man had a vision. It began at Madison Square Garden, and it begin, begins again at Madison Square Garden. Then we get highlights of some of the... Delivered. Thank you. You had the weight and gravitas of the voiceover and, man. And the stumble of the words. <laughs> then get highlights of, like, great mania moments. It's all the ones you'd expect. Like it's, all, it's, it's all the mania clips we see every single year when it's time for WrestleMania. It's Liberace dancing. It's Hulk Hogan slamming Andre. It's the boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels. It's, it's all the clips we, we're used to seeing. But they even add in... Brock Lesnar's shooting star press, where he concussed himself and does not remember winning the title. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird one. To... Yeah. So was that the previous year? Yeah, it had been WrestleMania 19. Yeah, so I guess they just wanted to put something in there from that, <laughs> because they had all you know, all those great clips that you, you mentioned. And then they do the shooting star press and cut it, like a frame before his head is smushed. And they found the perfect angle to make it look like he hit that move perfectly and everyone loved it. Yeah, that is classic WWE. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're just going to rewrite this bit of history. You've got to imagine as well that this uh, promo package was put probably put together two weeks before this show because Lesnar was leaving and I don't think they would have wanted to put him over this strongly mm. uh, because he's on his way out. Uh, the promo then shifts to Madison Square Garden and how special it is to wwe and then you get this great shot of triple h holding the belts and then it like crossfades to chris benoit in the same pose but not holding the belt as if he's looking to his hands being like why have i there's no belt here but there will be a belt here and Mm. i will be the one to hold the belt i thought this was such a good part of this this loved it Uh, it was like different wrestlers on a sort of black backdrop just just looking and saying how much WrestleMania means. Like, you can do this thing here or that thing there, but until you've wrestled at WrestleMania, you haven't really made it. Exactly. And it's just all these, yeah, it was at Sean, Eddie, Brock, Foley, Rock, Cena, Flair, Triple H, Benoit, Angle. I'm like, what a freaking roster. Stacked roster, right? Oh, my God. I think it's Sean that says you haven't breathed until you've danced at WrestleMania. Mm. Great. And then you get the final shots. The one that I, I actually I really remember watching this, and it's Vince walking next to Shane McMahon, who's holding baby Shane. And I thought, oh, this was the time when Shane was going to run the company. Yeah. Yeah, this was when Shane was going to take over. This was so weird, because it starts off on Vince's face, and then it zooms out, and then there's Shane there. Yeah. And it goes, tonight, it all, all begins, begins again. again. And at the extreme part of the zoom out... Yeah, you see this little baby there. Baby Shane. Baby Shane. Uh, McBaby. Yeah, who would make his WrestleMania debut, um, what, like 17 years later? Because he came out with uh, for the Undertaker mm. Cell match. So he didn't look 17. No, he'd been like... Well, he'd have been like, been like just 12. born here. Yeah. 
<coughs> but I, I. Oh yeah, no, my maths was terrible. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, this thirty-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the business ages. <laughs> I, the road will kill you. I, uh, yeah, it was weird. It was so weird. I thought it was really cool though. I remember at the time thinking that's cool because that's like that's your next generation because mm. this company is never going anywhere. And at this time, as this sort of snapshot of history, this was the generational shift. It was going to go from Vince to Shane and then to Sh- Baby Shane eventually down the <laughs> line when he'll be hosting like a WrestleMania 55 where it all begins again. But it will be Shane handing off to Baby Shane who will be holding Baby Baby Shane yeah. as the next generational thing. But Baby Shane is still a baby. <laughs> yeah. so just the size of an adult. <laughs> But, like, how times have changed, I man, because... I want to book Sasha Banks <laughs> against Nia Jax. Because it won't be, won't be Shane taking mm. the reins. Or will it be? We, I suppose we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah, that Vice article that came out shortly before Shane made his return. Do you remember that? Yeah. Really fascinating reading about how there's kind of a, a dichotomy of Kevin Dunn and Shane on one side and all their various people and, and Stephanie and Triple H's contingent on the other. Mm-hmm. And how Vince is very aware of this and kind of revels in playing both sides off each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then Shane would... I mean, Shane... I've always felt really bad for Shane because he was pitching ideas that eventually the company would do and make a lot of money on. I think he was just... Because he pitched the WWE Network in, I think, 2001. Like, he, because we got this library, let's just host it all online and people can subscribe and they can just watch the, the entire library. He pitched NXT. That's right, yeah. He pitched a more MMA-orientated product. He wanted to do ECW as an online-only thing Mm. rather than take it to network television, like a streaming service, essentially. And Yeah, uh, it's always difficult when you say people are ahead of their time because I could say crazy things now Mm -hmm. and then have no way of doing it. Basically, like there's the BuzzFeed articles, like Simpsons predicted. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, well, did they predict no, or no, did they, they just, they just made throw a, a lot joke. of stuff at the yeah, wall exactly. and make so much TV yeah. that, of course, <laughs> yeah. something would come true? And like for every every person who's ahead of their time, there's there's hundreds who are just crazy. Yeah. So maybe a better way to phrase it is that he pitched a lot of ideas that WWE ignored and then decided to do it at a later date. Yeah, yeah. It's, when he left to go to China. Yeah, it, it, it is strange. And, and just seeing, like, I didn't watch this live, so I don't have that memory that you do. But to me, it's just immediately weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any, ah, oh, fun memories of when Shane was going to take over. I'm just like, that's strange. Yeah. Whoa. Because now that would be him with Stephen Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we get a typical mid-2000s trash song. I love it. I think it sounds like saliva. It possibly is saliva. I didn't actually look it up. But yeah, it is mid-2000s trash. 80% fact. Yes. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are our commentators for the raw side of things. And JR is fired up. Yeah. He is jazzed for this show. Probably too loud. I don't know if you saw the kid crying and <laughs> holding his ears two rows behind them. Yeah. The it poor thing. was big loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's so fired up that King is trying to calm him down. <laughs> uh, and then we cut over to Taz and Cole, who are going to be doing the SmackDown side of things. We don't... To show how important SmackDown is, first it's JR and Jerry. They open the show, Welcome to WrestleMania. Then the Spanish announce oh, yeah, team. True, yeah. And then they do their, their thing in Spanish. And then... Then it's... Then it's, then it's yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you lot over Taz. there. 
and your little boring show over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Taz is, a, you know, he's at home. He's a New York boy, so he's very happy to be home. New York. Made his uh, WWE debut in this building at Royal Rumble 2000, which well. we reviewed just a couple of months ago. And our opening contest is for the United States Championship, and it is Big Show versus Gian Cena. But it's not the John Cena that we know now. It's not John Cena. This is word life, John Cena. This is basic thugonomics. Basic is one word to describe him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he looks so young. Yeah. He, look, I've written it here. He looks like such a prick. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, this is the guy that my friend at work was like, he's so cool. He comes out and I'm like, is he though? Is he cool? He could not look more uncool. Yeah. Like to me, I don't know how much of this is colored by 29. my experience of Cena. Yeah, your 2006 yeah. sort of like despising of Cena. But like that that despising of Cena was a different Cena. Yeah, that, that was, was multicolored Cena, yeah. Yeah, happy baby face, overcome anything, hustle, loyalty, respect Cena. Yeah. This is weird, stupid looking chain, not convincing in the slightest when he raps, air quote, <laughs> It's just rhyming. Yeah. It's just rhyming beat poetry. He is not a rapper. Yeah. He is not a rapper. He's saying sentences that have similar sounding words at the end of yep, them. Yep, absolutely. It's so weird. Everyone's like, oh, he's such a great rapper. No, he's a good rhymer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, a good rhymer with a slight gangster accent. <laughs> yeah. That's all he's doing. Yeah. Um, Cole calls him <laughs> Smackdown's fastest rising star. And he, uh, I mean, he got over with me. He's wearing Super Mario sweat, uh, sweatbands. So, cool lad. That's cool. Uh, he calls Big Show a, because uh, he comes out and does his quote-unquote rap, uh, calling Big Show a gorilla and a King Kong ripoff. Does some, your local sports team. Uh, suggests that Big Show is smuggling plums in his shorts. And then he says he's going to beat him like a penis with an STD. Mm, itching to beat him. Yeah. I think Cena bit his lip during this as well because he's bleeding from the mouth. Well, get the colour in early. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's interesting as well because um, this has happened previously where we'll have recorded an episode based around a pay-per-view, finished it, exported it, pushed it live. Five days later, Bruce Pritchard will do an episode about it on something to rest and I'll be like, oh, probably could have gleaned some information from him, mm. that. This time, it came out before the record. Way. So I've got some Bruce Pritchard, quote-unquote, insight into WrestleMania 20. Um, which I think now those shows are going to sound very horrible because Bruce is on the road all the time and doing it over the phone. Yeah. And what oh, was that for yeah. this? Yeah. 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 Audio quality is not quite as good. Difficult to listen to on the tube. And I think he'll be even less forthcoming <laughs> with fun, juicy tidbits than he was before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you thought he wasn't towing the company line previously, yeah. oh boy, howdy, will he now? Um, but prior to this show at the Super Bowl, the Janet Jackson situation happens huh, with wardrobe malfunction yeah the quote wardrobe malfunction on purpose mm. wardrobe malfunction shall we say not sure we can call it a wardrobe malfunction when it was done on purpose no man that was uh <laughs> that just came off sometimes freak accident that was just a smooth detachment of a totally the, meant to be there the, <laughs> breast cup yes that's justin tim blake took off hey, hey he's he's a sexy man he doesn't know he's his powers of Unhooking bras are so powerful. Yeah. He was uh, he bringing sexy himself. back, mm. but he just brought it too much back. Where's the front? 
Yeah, that's uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And um, yeah, censors did not like it. Um, TV did not like it. Those parents group did not like it because women's nipples are more offensive than men ones. They're hideous. They oh, absolutely cannot be seen on TV. Don't want to see them, mate. It's disgusting. Mm. Um, so they started going after a lot of live sports to make sure that they were towing, you know, pra- standards and practice lines. And one of those companies was going to be WWE because they do live episodes of Raw every single Monday. SmackDown was a tape show, so that wasn't as much of an issue. But they did come after WWE to make sure that they weren't doing anything too risque. And Pritchard was saying that, yeah, we had to really tone down our product at this time. And then John Cena comes out and said he's going to beat someone like a dick with a venereal disease. And the Playboy match later on. Quite, exactly. This was the toned down version. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is toned down compared to that actual Attitude Era. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. There was no Miss Kitty just taking off her top here. Mm. And WWE actively promising nudity on a pay-per-view if you buy it. So I suppose it was toned down to a degree. Um, but yeah, he said that the people were breathing down their necks due to the uh, Janet Jackson situation. But I will say here... I thought Big Show looked awesome. Huh. Yeah, I don't think so. I have written down something different. He's not... So Big Show has different cycles of oh, yeah. weight gain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's... It's weird how I think he he looks his best now. Yes, he's when jacked he's, to the gills now with yeah, the like bald really and the big beard. Yeah. Mm. But um, here, I wouldn't say he was at his extreme weight. Although that would be a few years later against Aki Bono. But didn't when was the because uh, Eddie we we've done No Way Out 2004. Yeah, it was the month previous. Yeah, so Big Show there that he was huge. Mm. So he's lost a little bit of weight for WrestleMania, but he's still pretty big. And it's weird because I love different body shapes in wrestling. Like when people call Kevin Owens fat, I'm just like, well yeah, he's he's not as svelte and toned as everyone else, but he. I believe in him. Yeah. I believe that, and he moves around so agilely, and he can do flips and whatnot. I believe in him as an athlete. Yeah. I can't say the same about Big Show here. Hmm. Interesting. I, I and it's it sort of like maybe in the 80s, and particularly the world of sports 70s stuff, where you just have Big Daddy and giant haystacks. For me, I've never been into those guys. Those guys who are so big, but they also can't move that well. Yeah. Rikishi's different. Like Rikishi he was, was an big man. and he he could move around. Big Show, I just don't feel it. I I and like Braun Strowman now, he's a big guy, uh, but he moves so fast. I I feel like that body shape has been sort of phased out, and I don't miss it to be honest. Yeah. I, oh no, I'm, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I just I I find it hard to believe in in people who can't move around that quick. I would say, I think my comment more comes from the fact that I think the Big Show has always struggled with wrestling outfits. Mm. Like, when he was just wrestling in pants, he just looked ridiculous. When he had long hair, I thought he looked a little bit ridiculous because his hair, his, best look. his hair was so floofy. Yeah. And then they put him like in the Andre the Giant singlet and stuff. And then when he went to WWE, they put him back into the pants and had him like braid his hair and it looked really mm. silly. I, th- I mean, my favorite look of Big Show was, I think it was like 2002 when I went back and rewatched things, when he was just like wrestling in jeans, like a no top. And he looked really cool. He had the shorter hair and I just yeah. thought he looked much, like much better then. The je- the cutoff jeans. Was it cutoff jeans? I thought it was like full Wranglers. Oh, right. Like, you know, like Davy Boy Smith in 1999. Mm. Um, but I, I thought he looked cool here. It's the first time he's defending a title at WrestleMania, uh, which is uh, crazy to think. And but he they also say that he retired Hulk Hogan. Did he? 
Sure. Sure. Yeah, just pop that in. Yeah. Crowd are super into Cena. It's so weird. I've written so weird next to every time I write that there's a pop for Cena. <laughs> Uh, and there's a big it was a great crowd of course it is it's New York there's a loud big show sucks chant as well so as much heat uh, positive heat that Cena's getting yeah. big shows getting the negative Just as much side negative that. so that's, that's a great dynamic yeah like massive <laughs> let's go Cena chant and I just thought give it two years mate yeah. give, it two, <laughs> give it two years WrestleMania 2006 and you're going to be booing the crap out of this lad yeah but that's uh, not the audience's fault no, yeah, no yeah. It, well yeah um, um, but Cena's like Show starts working over Cena from the get-go and talking of stuff getting tired. Maybe this was a fresh match back in the day. John Cena gets beaten for the majority and then comes back because he's super Cena Never at the end. Never give up. Uh, and he comes back with it. There's a few mini comebacks that are cut off. You know, the classic, classic, the tired Cena template that we sat through forever. Uh, those, those, his comeback punches are miles away. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it, well, I mean, me and Pete were talking about this on the NXT review a couple of weeks ago, but Cena's punches are just awful. Mm. Like, really, really bad. Um, Big Shoes chops, however. Oh, hello, <laughs> mate. Absolutely. Although, he does... Okay, so I, I quite like Big Show in this match. It, it's a very... It's a very... It goes for a long time mm. as well. Surprisingly longer than I think it probably should have done. Um, but I, I liked Big Show smiling as he stands on Cena. I thought he had like he had quite good sort of heel uh, sort of presence about him. But he headbutts Cena, and Cole says, "quote It's like being hit by a typewriter." It's a weird. That, yeah, I was like, "Huh, okay." Do you I think mean, he's just saying what he can see. <laughs> he's looking around. It's like being hit by a fan <laughs> yeah. barricade in the head. Yeah. I just I was thinking like oh, typewriter's heavy. I don't know. Well, I wouldn't want to be hit in the head. No, absolutely one. not. But it's not where my mind goes first, yeah. though. Concrete slab. You know that Brick. would be yeah exactly. Yeah. Typewriter. Weird. Um, yeah, lots of uh, Big Show dominating. Cena making slight comebacks, and like he goes to make a comeback, and he lifts Big Show up for the fu, and he hits it. But Which is very Show, impressive. Very impressive. And Big Show kicks out, and I thought. Ah, probably should have been the finish. Mm. I would have liked that to have been the finish. Uh, the and it's it's like I feel like Big Show kicked out at the wrong time as well because it's one two kick out. It's yeah. not one two three. Oh, kick, kick out. out. Yeah. Like he that was that was quite a a big moment. And according to the commentators, that was the first time someone's kicked out of the FU. Yeah, it won't be the last though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then Cena goes to the corner and he grabs his chain because he's, you know, from his chain gang. And uh, the referee stops him and then he tosses the chain across the ring to distract the referee. And he then grabs brass knucks and he punches Big Show, hits a second FU for the win. It's, he becomes the new United States champion. I thought it was a fun finish. Um, it really made Cena. I thought it made him feel like a really big deal. Um, and it's crazy to think that in a year's time, he'll be WWE champion. He'll beat John Cena. John Cena. He'll beat JBL. <laughs> He'll beat himself if he could. He um, it wouldn't put himself over. He uh, he beat JBL for the WWE Championship one year from now. Yeah, that spot throwing the chain away, the referee goes and Cena sort of plays with the crowd, does the shrug. Well, here's the brass knucks though, and uses those. You can hear the crowd laugh, like in a good. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Like that, and that's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's a it's a nice moment, and you're like, ah, yeah, you should have made that the character rather than just going the route you did. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, uh, that's nice, but you know he did cheat. Yeah. 
he did cheat. That is yeah, very it, different. But he's, from... it's basic thugonomics, mm. man. Brian Alfreds would say, crowd went crazy for the finish and Cena sold it like he'd actually he'd won the US title and it actually meant something. Definitely better than I expected. Two and a quarter stars. Promising... <laughs> That's pretty low. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Promising Torch would say, Wade Keller, not a match anyone will need to see a second time to catch all the action, but it worked. Star and a half from Wade Keller. What say you? I haven't actually given any stuff. No, have you not? No, no, no. I wasn't oh. really thinking Are you about retiring it. the douchebag rating scale? Uh, maybe. It's just it's just so hard to keep consistent. <laughs> Depends on how much I've eaten. Uh, I'd say, I'll give it one and a half, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't really that into it. In I've line with seen, Wade. I've just seen my uh, another bit. So the bit where it, Cole says the first person, Cole says Big Show was the first person and I've written to ever kick out of a modified fireman's game. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being sarky of my notes here. What's up, boys? Hey, Tommy, hey, Cole, Johnny, man. You look good. It's been a long time. You guys look good, too. Listen, I got to run. Right. Stay well, though, okay? Play up. It's all good, Play dog. What's up, baby? What's up, man? Hold up. Wait a minute. Put a little WrestleMania in it. Represent. No, uh, you're always represent. I got to run. I got to run, okay? Holla. I'll check it. I'll check it. Boss, what's going on? Johnny, what's up, man? What's going on? Listen, you want to see me? Yeah, Coach, I wanted to see you. Listen, I've been hearing a rumor. Okay. I heard The Undertaker is here in Madison Square Garden. I hear there's all kinds of strange noises people are hearing around the arena. I want you to do me a favor, Coach. I want you to go find The Undertaker. Boss, the, uh, The Undertaker's on SmackDown. I know that, Coach, which is exactly why I want you to go find The Undertaker. I do not want to get scooped by SmackDown. I don't really feel comfortable going to look for The Undertaker. Get comfortable real quick. Go find The Undertaker. All right. You're the boss. That's a good man. Backstage, we see Jonathan Coachman walking around, and he runs into Tom Pritchard. And, uh, Is that who that was? Yeah, that's, uh, and he's standing next to Johnny the Bull Stamboli. Um, and Johnny the Bull Stamboli. Yeah, who's who? What is what oh, is that? Uh, well, he was a wrestler. I seem to remember. I think he was an OVW guy, but I seem to think he might have had some stuff in like ECW towards its late end of its run. If you feel for me, I'll do some googling live on air. You see, with that kind of name, he sounds like he should be an all-time legend from the 60s. <laughs> wrestling in the Cow Palace. Ah, championship wrestling. Sorry, I do apologize. Not ECW. Mm. Um, yeah, and then he came in he was part of the uh, the FBI. Ah, so yeah, he, he's a coachman, a fresh-faced fresh-faced coachman. Says, good good stuff, coachman! <laughs> I'm not going to yell in your ears too much, but for the sake of a spot. Uh, walks into Teddy Long next. He does indeed, or as my nose are written here, Teddy Hart. Mm-hmm. Very different person. Incorrect person. <laughs> and then he walks into a room to see, of course, the raw general manager, Eric Bischoff. Because this was in a period of time when we had authority figures. Mm. Very different to the modern oh, era. Oh, nothing like today where we are the authority figures Absolutely, as fans. Yeah. Um, but but so, so Eric Bischoff was the raw general manager. Correct. Coachman was kind of his lackey. Yes. There right. is John Jonathan Johnny Jonathan Morrison. Johnny Morrison ah, but being he's not, the crow. He's not Johnny Morrison here. Yeah. Or John Morrison. Or even Johnny Nitro. Or Eminem. Or no. He is Johnny Blaze here wow. at this point. Had yeah. previously been Johnny Superstar. Yeah. Still and to this day. 
he is still changing his name <laughs> based around Johnny. Johnny Impact. Johnny Impact. Johnny Lucha Underground. Johnny Pornhub. Uh, and he, yeah, he, he just. So Eric Bischoff is the general manager. What's Stone Cold doing? So Stone Cold is also general manager but of he's Raw. Like a sher- no, yeah, he's like a sheriff. No, he's the sheriff. He's Sheriff Austin, yeah. So that is a butting of heads of authority That's figures. That's right, yeah. And Paul Heyman is the GM of SmackDown. Good grief. Yeah. It's crazy to it's think convoluted. that you, you had like the head honcho of WCW heading up Monday Night Raw and the lead guy for ECW heading up SmackDown, mm. while Vince McMahon is sort of like this omnipresent figure across all of them as the WWE. Well, yeah, where he's just like, it all begins again. He just walks in sometimes <laughs> and goes, it all begins again. I found this segment to be rather confusing, though, because Bischoff says that he's heard The Undertaker is here and he wants Coachman to find him because he he's a SmackDown guy and he doesn't want to be scooped by SmackDown. Mm. But he doesn't really say to Coachman to do anything when he finds the undertaker or report back to him and this leads to exactly one other skit and it's never brought up again yeah it is it is weird it it has no payoff ultimately in the rest of the night and of course taker's gonna be there he's advertised for a match against kane yes but kane thinks that he's dead and and we're all supposed to think that the undertaker is dead because kane killed him yeah, it's just and Coachman says that he's uncomfortable doing it because he's a because he's a raw guy. It, yeah, super weird. And then Coachman agrees to go and look for the Undertaker. But still, I don't know why. No, like no why Coachman agreed or why he has to do it in the first place. And Coachman walks off, and Bischoff tells Johnny Blaze hey, he's a good guy. Yeah. What's happening? I've no why, idea. Why are they a mob? <laughs> It's like the Mafia. I've no idea. Uh, But we then get another interview backstage. Here we are at WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again. Now, Mick, isn't that ironic, where it all begins again? I mean, right here in Madison Square Garden is where I established myself as the new hardcore legend when I took you out. I beat you back to this very point, Mick. And I kicked you down these stairs. But you couldn't let it end there, could you, Mick? You couldn't let it end there. You had to come and challenge me for my intercontinental title, only to realize that you were overmatched. And what did you do, Mick? Walked away. Then you decided you were angry and you came back to challenge me again, only to have me spit right in your face. There you go! Now, I appreciate the fact, Mick, that you're trying to hang on to some shred of what you once were. And you don't want to acknowledge the fact that your time has passed. But it has, Mick. It's just life. It's just... It's just evolution. Hmm. We've passed you by, Mick. And we've proved it time and time again. Night after night. Beating after beating. 
Quite frankly, Mick, we were getting a little bored with beating you up. <laughs> and I guess you were too. So you decided to go call Hollywood for help. You called The Rock. And we beat him down too. So here we are, the great rock and sock connection versus evolution at WrestleMania 20. And how fitting that on the biggest stage of them all, we can prove to the entire world that Mick Foley and The Rock are nothing but a couple washed up has-beens whose time has passed. It's our time now. It's Randy Orton's time. It's evolution's time. And nothing can stop us from making history tonight. It all began last June here in Madison Square Garden. And tonight at WrestleMania 20, it all begins again. That interview is killer. Like, I don't know if it comes across as well as an audio format, but visually, they're, it's, it's, it's Autumn flanked by Flair, gurning his face off, mm-hmm. and Batista on the other side, who just does nothing. You know, last month when we talked about the Elimination Chamber, and you, you always have one guy who's in a pod just... And you can't take your eye off them yeah. because they're really acting. That's what Flair is in Evolution. He's just like, I'm Ric Flair. I'm going to smile for a bit. Act like a... You know when cats just randomly react to something? That, yeah. And everyone's like, what, what spooks that cat? That's what Flair's doing. <laughs> he'll, he'll just turn his head suddenly and start smiling over there. Yeah. Probably watching a woman off camera. Probably. He's probably got his eye on some assistant. Mm. So you liked this promo? Then? I thought it was excellent. They're standing in the stairwell. The, the reason being because Evolution threw Mick Foley down a stairwell uh, a few months prior, or maybe it was even a year prior. And the camera keeps cutting from different angles. So it really gives a filmic quality that I think evolution really suits hmm. because they're such a they're they're promoted like such a main event act. Yeah, Not main, that's the wrong word. Main event act, just like business, big time, <laughs> big time, a Hollywood act. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I didn't like the camera cutting to various different shots because it made it look so staged and hokey. But but it, it's a stage but, but, hokey promo. Yes, but I get, I get what they you mean. They weren't going for realism. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, and Randy Orton was very, hello, I am Randy Orton. Here are some words. Mm. You, Mick Foley, I threw you downstairs. And then at the Royal Rumble, I did this. And then on Raw, I did this. And then. And then. <laughs> it, it, it very much was, it was one tone throughout and this went on for seemingly 20 minutes i think they just got the wikipedia rundown <laughs> of the a bit like that i yeah. didn't need to do any research for this randy orton gave me uh, the bullet points that, that i needed but for me who knew very little about this storyline i just remember the the segment with the rock backstage before they come out mm. uh, i i thought it was terrific i i, I really do I, I enjoyed the content i enjoyed the presentation if not Orton's delivery. I enjoyed Ric Flair tremendously. Well, yeah, Flair, was, Flair was great. And uh, I get yeah, the content of 
Orton's going to prove that the Rock and Mick Foley are washed up has-beens. Mm. Yeah, uh, and he goes, and it's it's nice that we get to do this uh, in this building here because it's June is where it all started, and this is where it all begins again, tying into that mm. the theme of this show. Consistency. Consistency. Yeah, but I mean, I got from this feud, or at least this recap of the feud. Also, Foley and The Rock are winning, right? Mm. Like they've got to win at this point here because they've lost consistently throughout this feud. Yeah, they've, Foley. They have got to be winning tonight. Not just lost, but humiliated yeah, and beat down <laughs> time and time again. They've got to be winning here tonight, right? It's Madison Square Garden. That would be a really nice feel-good moment for Mick. Yeah, hometown, well, relative hometown boy yeah. Mick. Uh, but no, it's actually to build up a much better match the following month. Yeah. Uh, which Mick also loses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, but to, to be honest, that's perfect for Man- like Mick's character. Yeah. He just he gets beaten up a lot and then he loses. Tell that to Wade Keller that he's selfish <laughs> is what he is. Uh, so coming up next, we have got a four corners oh tag my team God. match, and it is for the okay the World Tag Team Championships. It's not the Raw Tag Team Championships. I think I believe it's the World Tag but Team. But they're on Raw. But they're on Raw. Yeah. It's La Resistance versus Jindrak and Cade versus the Dudley Boys versus the Champs Booker T and RVD, who have horrible entrance music mm. because it is a mix of one of a kind, Rob Van Dam's one of a kind, and Booker T's Can You Dig It from the WWE original soundtrack, which is a song that he performs. No, it's not that. It's it's a song, it's a very, it's a completely different song. But it's, they combine the two together. The problem is they're both very different tempos. So it's just like Booker T going, can you dig it? One of a kind, can you dig it? And it doesn't, Mesh, it doesn't mesh together at all and it is so jarring and it made me hate this tag team because I had to listen to this song I think that kind of sums up the RVD Booker T act though like it, I, this wasn't a time where I was watching uh, I don't think they really gelled to- <coughs> excuse me, mm. gelled together in Vince, McMahon, Vince McMahon's eyes they probably do because hey they came from a company outside WWE. Sure, they can just be thrown together. Two different companies. <laughs> two different companies, two completely different styles of yep. performer. But, you know, there's there's usually an argument two different styles actually end up complementing each other. Yeah. I don't think that's the case with Booker T and Rob Van Dam. It's uh, this, this whole, that tag team and this whole match stinks of WrestleMania Battle Royal these days. Oh, yeah. Let's get everyone on the card for something that doesn't matter. Absolutely. Uh, Pritchard even admits this on the Something to Wrestle podcast. He says that a match between Booker T against the Dudley Boys would have been so much better, or Booker T and RVD versus Jindrak and Cade would have been so much better. Like, just a tag team match would have been so much better, but you've got to get everyone on the card to get everyone get a payday. And I... that. That, to me, is such backward logic. Yeah. Because surely it's not just to give people a payday. It's to put on a good show. Like, just giving people... Pay your talent better, then. Like, mm. if that's if you, the answer is you have to make a bad show and a bad match in order for them to get paid, there is something fundamentally wrong there. Yeah. Who's... Who, who, what is WrestleMania made for? For everyone to get paid backstage... Or for the fans to enjoy it. <laughs> it all begins again. Yeah, sure. There's there's an argument for both of those things. Yeah. but not everyone has to be paid. Or no, yeah, like, like you said, don't make them independent contractors so reliant on uh, pay per view bonuses. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a four corner tag match. Um, I do remember La Resistance because I think I'd watched the SummerSlam, possibly the year previous to this. 
it was when Kane became Uncle Fester Kane, as that's as much as I can tell you. And I think La Resistance were a, a thing then because it was meant to be the the French did not want to get involved on the, in the war on Iraq, so WWE made a tag team to make fun of the French. Can you remember the French Prime Minister of that time? I do oh no, not. sorry, the President. I do not. It was Chirac. Jean Chirac. Jean Chirac. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually who I would have guessed. Boom. <laughs> um, and this is, I don't know. Do you, is there anything you want to say about this match? Uh, just that Jindrak and Cade look like they've walked out of the creator wrestler mode oh. from 2K. These are two wrestlers that Vince would have loved. Mm. Look at them. They're so tall. And so built. And so white. We can definitely make main eventers mm. out of these. It's a body shape, as we alluded to earlier, that will not be so commonplace <laughs> in a few years' time yeah. after after certain steroid things were put in place. And Jindrak, lest we forget, could have been Randy Orton mm. because he was originally in Evolution. It was going to be him with Batista and Flair and Triple H, and they shot promos for it and everything. And then, yeah, they went with Randy Orton instead. Wow. Jindrak would eventually be released the following year in 2005. He was CMLL champion last year. Oh, good on him. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, that's good. CMLL are good. Absolutely. It's not, it's yeah. not AAA. So, no, <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't really remember much about anything of this match, really. Um, RVD and Booker T win. I can tell you that mm. much. Um, I've got some other notes for you about some of the other people in the match. Did you get bored in the match and then start looking at people's Wikipedia? Yeah, that's pages? exactly what yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah can you, how can you tell? <laughs> because you've got no notes about the action. <laughs> I have just... got some notes. I've got monkey flip. Uh, oh, Booker T booted du- uh, Rene Dupree right in the face off an RVD mm. monkey flip. The, the problem with this is uh, Booker T and Rob Van Dam weren't that over as a tag team. The crowd, you can tell from the crowd reaction, but the Dudleys were. New York. It's New York, where they're from, and also tables. Yeah. And people start chanting tables right away. And there is, like, at the start, there's quite a good showdown between Bubba and Booker. Mm -hmm. And the crowd got, like, it felt like the air changed. There was a bit of tension in the the stuff now. (laughs) There was tension in the stuff. And they, it just got sapped away by having four other guys in there that were just so generic. Like, look how colourful the Dudleys and Booker T and Rob Van Dam are. And then these four guys who are exactly the same, bar a few different colours on their, yeah. on their generic trunks. A bit of palette swapping. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was one note I wanted to, for a commentary, when uh, JR called Caden Jindrak young and hungry. And Jerry said that they remind him of him being very young, but also of JR as in very hungry. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was Rob Van Dam got a good hot tag after a very boring, not very boring, but it was absolutely nothing to write home about main bulk of the match. Uh, He's pushed off the top turnbuckle by Devon. Booker nearly gets three deed, but one of the resistance save him. Why? (laughs) Why wouldn't you just let him get three deed and then take out one of the Dudleys? Uh, low blow, Booker, scissor, t- scissor kick, and then a frog splash. The frog splash, still a thing of beauty. Still a thing of greatness. Uh, much better than Eddie's. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. The five-star frog splash. To retain the titles. Yeah. So I wrote, it. Uh, they win, it was what it was. Completely disposable. Did not need to be on the card. 
exactly. Figure four would give it a star and three quarters and called it forgettable. And Pro Wrestling Torch would also give it a star and three quarters and write okay for what it was. Uh, Garrison Cade was released in 2008. <laughs> um, JR said uh, he made a major league mistake when utilizing bad judgment, and that was instrumental to his departure. Well, that's a wordy way to say someone screwed up backstage. Yeah. Someone coughed in front of Vince McMahon. Uh, and he would sadly pass away in 2010 at the age of 29. Good grief. Good that's grief. way too young. Uh, Rob Conway, he would get a new gimmick, uh, I believe, the following year, where he was, just look at me, which was uh, a great gimmick where he was like a bit of a, a ladies' man, mm. uh, but he hated legends and then would just get beaten up by legends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would still get him over. He was released in 2007. Um, You're right there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've got this tickly cough. Got tickly cough. Uh, He would lose the NWA Mid America Tag Team Championships in August 2017. So still going well. Uh, Sylvain Grenier was released in 2007. He went to TNA for a bit as a French commentator, starting a feud with, of all people, PCO. Wow. Yeah, who was also a commentator, the French commentator for uh, TNA. Um, here's a fun little fact for you. God, what a, what a career PCO's had. Crazy, right? Ride him off for yeah. a decade and a half. And now he's going to be like defending the tag titles at a, the New Japan G1 Supercard show in Madison Square Incredible. Garden. That guy's amazing. <laughs> he is indeed. I'm late to the party there because you were raving about him last year. I bloody love PCO. But it, it, it's taken Ring of Honor Weekly TV recently for, for me to go, bloody hell. <laughs> uh, in 2012, in Noah, he beat Zack Sabre Jr., PCO? No, Sylvain Grenier. So you really, you really did read <laughs> every Wikipedia article on these guys. I was curious to see where they went. I was going to go back and do Johnny the Bull Stamboli, Stamboli, but I didn't care enough. You got any more uh, sort of irrelevant notes, or do you want to get onto this coachman payoff? Uh, he was also part of the lawsuit in 2016 against WWE for traumatic brain injuries. Who wasn't? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We um, yeah, we we cut backstage where. Coach is following some strange noises. Uh oh. Coach still looking at the What were the noises coming from down here? Freakish noises right over there. Oh, right there, that door? Yes. I hope, I hope Coach finds Undertaker. Listen to that. Look at the pins out here. Coach. Coach. Mean Gene? Yes. Mean Gene Oakland. Yes. What are you doing? After, well, after, I'm here for the Hall of Fame ceremony tonight. You no, know that. No, 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 no. What are you doing in there, Gene? Well, I've been checking out the pipes. You know, this is Madison Square Garden. We're down in the bowels. Oh, pipes. Yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hey, how you been? Wait a second. You, you, you two were just in there. No, it's not what you think. Him and I. No, we were... Guys, I heard you. We were playing cards. Yeah. Poker. Poker. Yeah, poker. poker. We poker. were playing poker. He was poker. dealing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, I, I think I heard other voices in there, guys. I want to know what's going on in there, and I want to know right well, now. Nothing in there. Going no. Oh, no. Oh, 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 oh. Ah! Mula, 
<laughs> what a small world. Hey. I can't believe it. Hey, hey, hey. Nice seeing you again. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, they're barking. They're barking. No, thank you. This is me, a muscle. This is me, a muscle. Oh, no, baby. Come on in here with me. Come on in here with me. I loved this. This was great. This was among my favorite things on the whole show. Mm. This made me laugh so, so much. Yeah. 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 It was great. So, Coachman. Um, he hears these freakish noises. Which he's are, looking for the Undertaker. Yeah, which is like moaning uh, and slapping noises, like like bits of meat being slapped together. Mm. I don't know that. I mean, that isn't the sort of noise I think about when I think of the Undertaker, because he, he's quite a silent and strong guy, isn't yeah. he? he? Doesn't you, even moan. If you'd have heard like wood being nailed together, I mean, maybe that's what he was also mm. hearing. Um, then you would assume that it was the Undertaker making a casket. Yeah. But for some baffling reason, Coachman decided this could be where The Undertaker is. Uh, he walks over to, what, like a steel grate door? Yep. And Mean Gene walks out of the door looking very disheveled, half undressed. And he's just like, oh, uh, brilliantly, by the way. Oh, mean yes. Gene is fantastic here. And he's got kisses, like, all over his head, like li- lipstick marks. Yeah, and he's like, oh, uh, sorry, I was just, uh, just checking the, the pipes. pipes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. And then... Bobby Heenan comes out, also very disheveled, almost like falling over himself, oh covered in lipstick. And he goes, oh, no, we, we were just playing poker. Yeah, mm. we were just playing poker in uh, in, in there. He, he is, yeah, playing cards. It's, there's something about Bobby Heenan. It's the same thing with Bill Murray, the same thing with Will Ferrell. I just have to look at them. Same thing with Steve Martin. Yeah. I just have to look at them. And it's their deadpan sort of... Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just immediately i'm prepared to laugh you yeah. just have to say a noise and i'm i start laughing absolutely Did you, bobby heenan's something special but i was i was like so they were having sex <laughs> what where are they going with this at first i thought it was pat patterson because oh, i didn't quite yeah. recognize uh, bobby <laughs> heenan. I said, jesus christ <laughs> Uh, but no, they were not having sex with each other. Instead, the fabulous Moolah and Mae Young uh, came out, probably from trying to fleece them for cash or something. <laughs> and they just start grabbing them and being like, come back here. And just start sort of kissing them and, and hugging and like dragging them back in. And he ends up, no, I've not been very well. Yeah, uh, dragged back in. Uh, when, when they both come out and it's that's the reveal, Gene just deadpan goes, what a small well. <laughs> It was so funny. Uh, and then, um, that like, as they're being dragged in, Bobby Heenan has his arm out for ages. <laughs> yeah. He's sl- flailing it around, and he's closing the door as he does, yeah. but also flapping it around. Even when Coachman is, like, turned around and he's doing another bit, the arm is still flapping. Yeah. It's absolutely. This is just very, very funny. And I, this is the first time I've ever noticed this, but it might just be because I was listening to it with headphones on. And I don't know this for a fact. I think you can hear Vince McMahon laughing during this. That's cool. Go back and watch this right at the end. Very low. You could just hear someone going, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and it sounds like the Bruce Pritchard impersonation of Vince McMahon laughing. 
I was like, I think that is Vince. Vince watching that on the headset and laughing so much that it's either traveling all throughout Madison Square Garden or it's just being picked up on someone's headset. I have to tell you, I know this whole thing started off as a bet, okay? I know it was one big joke. I can nail Trish before you nailed Lita. Is that so? That's so. Well, I got one dollar. Canadian says that you're wrong. But the joke was on me, Trish, because somewhere along the way, I really fell for you. All we were talking about, the feelings that we had, the moments that we shared. I don't think I've ever felt like this before. I can't stop thinking about you. Night and day. All the time. I can't stop thinking about you no matter what I do. I don't want that to stop. They're all real for me, Trish. I don't blame you if you never want to talk to me again. I don't blame you if you don't believe me. I was a total jerk and I apologize so much, Trish. I just want to be a part of your life. Where the hell is your head? Oh, come on. You've been showing all this affection to Trish, and you've been getting nothing, absolutely nothing in return. I think we can have a good relationship. So we can be like really close friends. I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings. I'm saying this because I'm your best friend. Trish does not care about you. She doesn't care about you. Good news is, Trish, he feels the exact same way about you. Are you the last thing on his mind? That is what you wanted, right? And I figured, you know, since you and Chris are just friends there's no reason why the three of us can't have a healthy relationship you know i'm gonna give her this rose as a happy belated valentine's present and i'm gonna tell her how i really feel trish you look really good tonight i think you might be making a mistake all right i mean really yeah i mean who is to say that trish isn't interested in somebody else you think trish is interested in somebody else I, I, I don't know i'm just saying i'm gonna tell trish how i really feel i want to be more than just friends want to know something chris jericho is no friend of mine so i've got an idea for you and i hope your best buddy chris jericho is watching it will be christian jericho's best friend against trish in this intergender match i'll lay down and you just cover me one two three and that's it it's that easy okay and there's the cover and i guess it's going to be over that elementary and christian kicked out pretty aggressively the last thing i want to do is hurt you okay look at whoa good god almighty what the hell I don't think that this should be in any way a competitive match, all right? I think we both know what happened. Look at this! What the hell now? Wait a minute. Not the walls of Jericho! Come on, let go of her! Let go of her, damn it! He was gonna lay down for her if she would lay down for him! Christian's actions tonight against this young woman are absolutely reprehensible! Now, Jericho, you're worried about your little girlfriend. I just want you to know... I did this for you! I'm your best Trish Stratus ruined your life. Trish ruined our friendship. So I had to take matters into my own hands. It's called tough love, Chris. And you know something else, Chris? It's not. Wait a minute. What the hell? Chris Jericho is here. Hey, look at the expression on Jericho's face. Hey, he's running! He's running! And Jericho taking down Christian, his former best friend! Jericho beat the hell out of Christian here! You better get out of there, Christian! Christian deciding that he didn't want to stay and fight tonight. I can't believe they're going to fight at WrestleMania! So I would say, based off how much I know you and sort of your reactions to the show thus far... This was your biggest surprise of the whole show. When did this happen? <laughs> when was Chris Jericho, Christian and Trish Stratus involved in a love triangle? Well, Christian and Chris Jericho were a tag team. Vitamin C. I don't even remember that. <laughs> You're going to have to backtrack a few more steps to, to when I go, oh, yeah. 
that was a thing in my memory. But I mean, you and I weren't watching around no. this time, man. So I'm not sure I can backtrack enough to a point where, because like when I was watching, Jericho was like undisputed champion. Yeah, imagine if you stopped watching WWE between Royal Rumble and this week before WrestleMania, and think of all the stuff you would have missed and been like, what? Ronda Rousey's husband was a part of this for one point. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have a clue. We missed four years here, really, of not watching week-to-week WWE TV programming. So, yes, so, this caught me by surprise. From what I can gather, going by the excellent video package that accompanied this... It got me into the match. Yeah, Jericho... this is a stupid feud. Christian bet Jericho that he couldn't nail Trish before he nailed Lita, and they bet one Canadian dollar, which I think the joke is that like that's worth about I don't know 20p. Mm. Um, I have often mistaken Canadian dollars for real dollars. Mm. Not that they're not. I mean USD dollars. Yeah. Uh, which means not as much money mm. from uh, Canadian firms <sighs> for little WrestleTalk News sponsorship plugs. <laughs> Um, and then it turns out, though, that Y2J developed feelings for Trish Stratus. And in a brilliant, she's all that romantic comedy style fashion, the lie is, the lie becomes known. And the feelings that he once had were then thrown asunder because Trish found out about the bet. And this was more than just a bet. And it culminated in, because Christian suddenly has feelings as well. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I, yeah, I was confused by that. He suddenly developed feelings for Trish, so he then started to try and get between Jericho and Trish. Mm. And then Tr- uh, Eric Bischoff made a match between Christian and Trish on Raw. And Christian said, "Hey, look, I'll just lay down for you in the ring, and you can just pin me." And then he kicks out. Hey, and yeah, he kicks out and then some. He's the <laughs> crap out of Trish. Absolutely. Wouldn't get this on today's WWE TV. No. <laughs> Wallops her with a clothesline. Like, what a stiff... That was a Benoit-level clothesline. <laughs> and then he, like, locks in the submission The walls brutally. of Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I, I liked... This seemed like a good character piece because I when Christian started advising against... Jericho going out with Trish. I didn't so much think, ah, Christian likes Trish as well. I started thinking he's the jealous friend. Mm. And when he finally turned on Stratus, I th- I more felt he was protecting Jericho in a very misguided motivation. He did it for the Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he said that uh, Trish ruined their friendship. I've written here in my notes, I loved this so much. This is the best. It was. like, But if this was in the hands of other people... You know, you've got Christian and Jericho, who are very, very good performers. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. No, I, I agree. But, uh, you know, you can give Jericho pretty much everything, anything and he'll make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I loved how wonderfully smug Christian was when he walked to the ring. Like, he's just sort of bopping along. It really, really made me laugh. And... Um, Clearly, there's a rib as well because Jerry starts make, like saying that, oh, Christian's got some really good looks. Like, he's mm. a really good looking guy. He is a good looking guy. I know, but Jerry's their heel and we're not meant to agree with him. So that that's, clearly was a rib. Jerry says that re- wrestling and women don't mix. And then JR starts calling Christian creepy looking because mm. he's the babyface commentator and we're meant to agree with him. Um, right out the gate, this is like super. Like this feels like an actual feud as opposed to like when Triple H and Randy Orton had their WrestleMania match and it started off with a, a lockup. Lockup. Yeah, no, this is just like no, no, no. This right out the gates, this is like stiff right hands and crowd are super into Jericho. I just thought this was really cool right from the start. 
Yeah, and and they had they had like a really nice counter match because both guys it wasn't so much a battle of physical strength although that was an element it was more of a, a battle of wits mm-hmm. i'm gonna go one up on you i'm gonna reverse your move it's like i see both of these guys as smart guys yeah and i didn't get that from the cena match <laughs> i just got cena's being beaten up for 10 minutes and then he wins yeah and i struggle to relate to people whose only plus point is physical strength. Hey, well, you know, Jericho and Christian, they were a tag team, so of course they know each mm, other. They know each other yeah. very well. Plus, they're both Canadian, so they're bound to know each other. Jerry says at one point, Christian can have his own hit song, She Broke My Heart, So I Broke Her Jaw. That's a banger. That's a banger. Um, good match this, though. I really enjoyed this. Uh, although at one point, uh, Christian hits the, uh, the a reverse DDT out of the corner, and JR says, unprettier. <laughs> Jim, come on, man! He's been in the company now for years at this point. Get the name right. Yeah, it was. It was. There was like a. There was a moment where both men collided heads, and they did a double down, and it looked real. Yeah. Like it looked like they legit knocked each other out, uh, and they do a great punch exchange. And Jericho does the the fist thing, you know, the fist mm-hmm. swear word uh, before he does his comeback. It was just great fire and. I was just really enjoying the commentary as well. I know you were you were being sniffy. Oh yeah, being sniffy. But it but... is it is really good because they're talking about the match rather than what's coming up later yeah. or all the bits of the story that we already know. But I think it also complements each other really well because you've got JR calling the match and Jerry providing the story and Mm. how the story is affecting both men's motivation throughout the match. So I think that I think JR and King worked really, really well together in this. Um, I've I've also put a note here uh, off that unprettier off the second rope, which isn't an unprettier (laughs) uh, that I really liked. I was really enjoying the in-ring product of this match. And I thought, God, compare this to WrestleMania X7. Yeah, which is wrestling but it's a completely different end of the wrestling spectrum in the sports entertainment crazy mcmahon wrestling angle side of things where the the theme of wrestlemania 20 is it all begins again maybe they did before plans obviously changed have the idea of making it a more in-ring wrestling focused product Mm. going into a ufc age Mm, very interesting but ufc was still a few years away from gaining popularity on spike absolutely but yes they're having this really good match it's like a double underhook suplex from the top rope Mm. and out comes trish stratus jerry says she makes jogging a spectator sports (laughs) (laughs) and he also just says i like the puppies (laughs) like why why be just skirt around the issue just say it straight up she's got nice boobies yeah yeah um, Jerry always feels like he has to like just take one step back. Mm. Can't just be out front being Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Just in case you didn't get what I was saying. <laughs> I like her boobs. I like her boobs. Yeah. I like the way they move when she moves. Mm. Uh, and Christian, very uh, incredulous that, that Trish comes down here and drags her into the ring and sort of tosses her down. And then, so Trish is then sort of like trying to recover in the corner. Jericho knocks down Christian and he goes to help Trish and she throws an errant elbow (gasps) thinking it was Christian, but she hit Chris Jericho in the face instead. And that allows Christian to roll Jericho up and get the one, two, three. Christian wins at WrestleMania. Trish screwed up. Yeah, pretty weak finish, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, especially because they were having such a good match. But that wasn't the actual finish. The finish came a little bit after this, where Trish is trying to console Chris, saying, I'm so sorry. But 
Jericho is going for Christian, so she pulls him round and slaps him loads. Oh, didn't she just? She absolutely wallops him with these slaps. She just thought... That first one didn't make enough of a sound, so I'm just going to do a load more. Yeah, not like an, not ones where it has a nice sound either. Just full on thudding palms. Yeah. I yeah I. So this was definitely shocking. I didn't see Trish siding with Jarek, uh, siding with Christian, although I should have. Mm-hmm. But I just don't get why Christian beat her up so much. <laughs> Leading into this. It's a swerve, man. It's meant to think, make you go, now we're going a different I direction. Just, uh, it's, but you it's, can it's, have a swerve. Like, there's swerves, and you're like, ah, I, I missed that bit. It actually neatly ties into another way you could have gone. Or there's, no, you just told me a different story. And now you go the other way. You can't. You can't do that's typical attitude era booking. It's uh, Tony Schiavone in WCW at Bash of the Beach. There are swerves. Then there are swerves. And we've all been swerved. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I I I don't think the swerve holds up the scrutiny. In mm. the moment, it was fun Loved because it. it was like wow. But then you think about it just for a second, and like it falls apart. Trish is like insta heel here. Mm. Like all of a sudden, she is just like I'm a heel now, and I'm just going to carry myself differently around the ring. Because I am a heel now. I I loved it. I'll be honest with you. I really, really... I thought this match was great. And I loved the post-match as well. Finish, you could argue, was a bit weak. But nice to see Christian get a big win at WrestleMania as a singles guy. I I liked the match. I thought the uh, stuff afterwards was hokey and stupid. But that's why I loved it, though. I loved it because it was hokey. But you can have hokey stuff that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No. And this one didn't make sense. No, I'm not not saying you're wrong. Uh, I loved how JR and Jerry sold it as well. And then at the top of the ramp, Christian grabs Trish by their hair and they make out. And I think it's JR says, that CLB just pulled this beautiful woman. Uh, Christian certainly made the most of that. (laughs) He really went for that kiss. He certainly did. Tongue going everywhere. Uh, Brian Alvarez and figure four would say, that's right. Christian and Trish are an item now and poor Jericho got kicked to the curb. Five star angle, three and a half stars. <laughs> uh, the pro wrestling torch would say a solid fundamental match with good emotional intensity and a nice post-match twist. Three stars. Oh, come on, <laughs> Keller. Uh, he would actually add in sort of, cause they have like, I think I've explained this before. They've got two different versions of, um, like pro wrestling torch analysis you have wade keller doing sort of like here is the match rundown here is a brief thought and a star rating and then they have sort of like their actual round table where each of the writers put in more mm. you know i've got more things to say uh, wade would say trish's whole demeanor changed from sweet to quote mean and slutty end quote in a matter of seconds the trish turn uh, might be the right move depending on the follow-up her turn uh, her turn and pairing puts Christian in a position to be a money player. Trish morphed into a heel instantly after the turn. I didn't think I could dislike her because she's come across so nice and likable. She pulled off convincing me that she had a dark side without saying a word. The match was a highlight in the ri- was the sorry the match was the highlight in the ring of the undercard. Great sentence there, Wade. Uh, Jason Powell, another writer, would add: Christian became a star tonight. As much as I was hoping Trish would turn heel, I can't honestly say I saw this one coming. Yeah, because it wasn't a well-told story. <laughs> uh, I, but, you know, Christian, I, I totally agree with everything they said there. This really was sort of a uh, an upper mid-card solidifying performance from Christian. Yeah. He was, uh, he, he was really good in it. And um, nights after this, uh, Christian and Stratus were joined by, quote, the problem solver, Tyson Tomko. 
Tomko. Yeah. I, I used to like Tomko in TNA. I bloody loved him in TNA. Yeah. When he came in and him and Christian reunited their partnership, although I, you know, I wasn't watching when they were a team, I was like, oh, this is cool. And I like Tyson Tomko. He's really mm. good. Uh, I've got to do a shout out for about two thirds of the way through the match. Mm-hmm. It might not be the Attitude Era at the moment because it all begins again. But you can't take the signs away because Chad W is gay, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Chad W is gay. Interesting about this storyline. Again, you know, we weren't watching around this time, so we don't know. But I've just gone to Trish Stratus's Wikipedia page, which is usually very much in depth of like character breakdowns and character stories almost week to week. Mm. And... Um, after they in, uh, they write that the team of Stratus and Christian were joined by Tyson Tomko the next night on Raw, there is no mention of Christian ever again on her Wikipedia page. So I have no idea how this act was broken up mm. or where this angle actually ended. Yeah, it can't have been that substantial because I didn't even know this was a thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Wade, actually, that I thought this was the best match of the undercard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mick Foley's or, being... Well, I mean, well... Has the undercard now ended, though? Because I really like the next match. Oh, interesting. Well, let's get into that. But before we do, we've got a promo from Mick Foley. Mick, you must be extremely emotional tonight, being that this is your first match in four years. So what is going through your mind right now? Lily, it's more than just my first match in four years. It's WrestleMania. It's Madison Square Garden. It's the biggest night in the history of our sport. Fans have flocked from around the world to be here. So when you ask, am I overcome with emotion? Yeah. I just hope that the the hatred I have for evolution doesn't overcome me and get in the way of the plans that The Rock and I have made. Whoa, 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 Mick Foley! Mick Foley, you talk about the emotion. You got to let the emotion go. Let it go. Because Mick Foley, The Rock, hasn't said this in a long time, but finally, The Rock has come back! To New York City! That's what I'm talking about, Mick Foley. And The Rock says this, Finally, Mick Foley has come home! Mick Fo- hey, Lillian, no, 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 what are you, don't look at the people's package, Lillian. No, 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 the buffet is closed. You see, Mick Foley, this is your night. This is your night. The Rock knows it. Lillian knows it. Hell, the camera crew knows it. Let The Rock show you. Come here, come around the corner. Oh, look, we got, we got the Hamburglar and Grimace. They know it. They know it. Put the hamburger away. Try the Chicken McNuggets, your best son, bitch. Look at this right here. We got two legends. The Superfly, Jimmy Snooker, Don Morocco. They know it. They know it. Follow the rock. You see, Mick Foley, you see. And, 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 and above all else, the people know it. Oh, no, 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 no. The rock said, we are live, New York City. The people know it. And it's not good enough, Mick Foley, to hear the people. We're going to see the people. Follow the rock. Get a shot. Get a shot of the millions. Come right back. You come right back. You see, Mick Foley, it's our night. It's our night. Let's go out there and electrify as only you and the rock can. Let's go out there, slap the lips off those evolution sons of bitches, whoop their candy asses. If you're some man. What the rock and sock is cooking? Who is being interviewed by Lillian Garcia, and she notes that it's his first match in four years, and that this is—he says it's mania and MSG, so he's really overcome with emotion. And then the rock steps into this huge 
pop. He does the big finally. Finally. Mick Foley has come home. Don't look at the people's package, Lillian. Everyone knows it. The camera crew knows it. Points to Hurricane and Rosie, calls them the Hamburglar and Grimace, and mm. then says, quote, try the chicken McNuggets, you fat bitch." Yeah. And he, they are, the Hurricane and Rosie are eating hamburgers yes. right there. It's great. And then he turns around. There's Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, there's Don Morocco and the Murderfly. Mm. Um, he said they're also here. The people know it. And he takes the camera crew out of the old Royal Rumble entrance. If you smell what the Rock and Sock is cooking, great promo by the Rock. It's a yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Lillian Garcia though is no better than the interviewers today. Yeah. You know, like you look back on those days and you think you, with rose-tinted glasses, oh, all the interviewers were really three-dimensional. Nah, nope. Garcia is. Several tiers below Dasher. I think when people say, oh, they used to be three-dimensional characters, they're just thinking of Mean Gene. Yes. Because Michael Cole was not a three-dimensional backstage interviewer. Neither was Kevin Kelly. Neither was Jonathan Coachman. Neither was Todd Grisham. Oh, I th- I th- I'm going to go to bat for Coachman and Kelly, my boys. Mm. At least they added, and Cole added something as well. I mm. think just by being a bit of a rent boy. <laughs> with, with his dyed with hair his frosted and his tips. little ear piercing. Uh, Brian Alvarez right. not sure if anyone's ever noticed, but Rock sure can cut a promo. Mm. Yeah, it's an amazing promo. Uh, but, and I, I like how Mick was next to him, mouthing along with each of the, the bits. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I kind of teased this earlier about how Wade Keller always seems to have a bee in his bonnet about something. Mm. Previously, when we did the Royal Rumble review, it was Mick Foley because he was being selfish in having a match with Triple H at the Royal Rumble, just being a selfish little dick. Mm. Here, though, his um, target of annoyance is at The Rock. Ooh. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch would say, uh, Rock said he came, quote, home although fans are buying that less and less coming from quote mr can't rest mr can't mention wrestlemania on this night show three days before the pay-per-view i mean that is a legitimate grievance yes because the rock was on uh the tonight show to promote walking tall and wrestling fans and wade took umbrage that the rock's agents and people told him to promote walking tall because that's what he's being paid to promote on the tonight show walking tall and he wasn't paid by wwe to talk about wrestlemania and they just took umbrage with that i just think that some of these people like they don't like when people go on to talk shows they're there to talk about one specific thing and everything is like agreed upon before you start the interview like interviewers and interviewees will go over questions before they record so when they say oh we pulled this up from twitter and the person goes oh i can't believe you brought that up they know it's coming because they will have given that to them stop exposing the business luke (laughs) so it's all like pre-planned so of course the rock wasn't on there talking about wrestlemania that's not the plan that wasn't the point of him going on the tonight show he should have though (laughs) because it's three days before mania yeah yeah uh, so yeah, that does lead us into our next match, which is it's a two-on-three handicap match, and one of the matches I remember most from re-watching mm. this um, when I was at university, I watched this pay-per-view again, and this was a match that really stuck out in my mind uh, of Evolution versus the Rock and Sock Connection, and I'll tell you why it stuck out with me because bloody Evolution won, and I thought they were boring. I wonder who Wade's rooting for. Um, hmm. Well, obviously against the rock <laughs> and mankind, two people he detests. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. But yeah, I thought Evolution were, were boring. I, I, yeah. Watching this as someone who wasn't watching at the time, I thought these lads were a boring act with nothing interesting about them. And I just wanted to see Rock and Mick Foley win. 
Yeah, it's weird. I, I definitely enjoy Evolution more in retrospect than I do at the time. Even though I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, I've of course gone back and caught up with various bits. Not with Jericho and Christian, obviously, it seems. But yeah, Evolution, that they have a really nice presentation and feel, just like they're, they are a, a gang of mob bosses. Or like it's the it's Ric Flair's 80s act done in the early noughties. And, you know, the success of the faction is unquestionable. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of everyone else on Raw. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, living through it, no good. But watching it back without the frustrations of week-to-week programming... I, I dig evolution, especially like when Ric Flair is such an inspired touch to this faction. Yeah. Because he is in full, I'm Ric Flair mode. Exactly. Woo. I'm a Ric Flair and it's WrestleMania. I better be like on my A game here because it's it's a bizarre match. This I did enjoy, it, I will say, but I thought it was a bizarre match in that it feels like it's a comedy match because Rock and Flair are just doing comedy spots. Yeah. But well, it's also there to put over the younger guys as like this is the next evolution of pro wrestling but they're involved in this comedy match where they beat the comedy guys i don't think it's totally comedy i think that yeah it's i but i get what you're saying because yeah. mankind it's not just about the young guys either it's about mankind is having this or mcfoley is having this sort of last comeback and it's quite emotional as well mm. whereas rock and flair are wrestling a different storyline well Pritchard uh, would say on the something's wrestle podcast that it was designed to be comedy mm. like it was designed to be a fun match it certainly was and it certainly was um yeah and it's because the rock is just being the rock and there's a moment where you have a rock and rick flair square off and i just thought to myself god what a match that would have been yeah like a one-on-one match and it makes me even more angry when i think but think back to the invasion and what could have been mm. of that show um but yeah i mean there was some good stuff in this but it was amazing it was mostly heels would work over one of the baby faces that baby face would tag in the heels would work over the other baby face and you'd do another hot tag rinse and repeat until you get to the finish but you had Ric Flair being Ric Flair. Yep. And he's just, he's always doing something on the apron. He is the guy in the Elimination Chamber pod, <laughs> just taking all of the match, goofily selling. Uh, it's weird how small Rock looks. Yeah. It's weird how much smaller he is back then mm. in uh, sort of the prime of his life. Yes. Compared to now. Hmm. Well, he's a much older gentleman. He wasn't on the pancake diet. The pancake and chicken uh, filler yeah, diet, yeah, I'd day, imagine. Yeah, day, exactly. For me, the funniest part of this match was Flair doing the people's elbow. Yes. Really, that was very good. really made me laugh. Uh, I, I thought that was really great. Because he's doing it complete with the Flair struts. Yes. Like he is being jet riding, limousine flying. That's, that's the way I said it. It's, you know, son of a gun, Rolex wearing, doing the big old struts and stuff. It, I'm, I was in stitches watching him. But that's a great spot because, it. I mean, it's first of all, it's Batista's spine buster that sets up the rock in yeah. that position. So you've got the spine buster into the people's elbow anyway. And then, yeah, Flair goes for the, the flare elbow, I suppose. Yep. Comes off the rope, does the strut, but the rock kips up and starts punching uh, 
starts punching Rick. The crowd are so into Flair, though. Yeah. They boo The Rock. This happens all the bloody time for The Rock. When I think back on Rock WrestleMania matches, WrestleMania X7, when he was a babyface against Steve Austin, everyone booing The Rock because they wanted to see Austin win. The following year, when he faced against Hogan, even though he was the babyface and Hogan was the heel, everyone booed The Rock. And here we are at WrestleMania 20, where he's the babyface and Flair's the heel, and everyone's booing The Rock. It's because he is a bit of a dick. Really. <laughs> I mean, like, the, even The Rock as a babyface is an asshole. Mm. And he's an egomaniac. He's and, just very charismatic. And people, I th- there's, it's almost impossible to boo Flair. Yeah. It's like when TNA brought him in and they made him a heel. I was like, why? Because mm. people aren't going to boo Ric Flair at this point of his career. Same way that people aren't going to boo Sting, TNA. Stop trying to make him a heel. Well, just the, uh, this, this, is an all, this is a weird crowd. This, WrestleMania 20 has very significant crowd issues, and the traveling audience. That, traveling I mean, audience that, that becomes, in New York. That's very evident when they do like a package of like the people that mm. came to this show. Uh, mostly people from Birmingham. <laughs> it seems. Yeah. And they, so they 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 cheer Flair going. Cheer, they cheer heel Flair doing the People's Elbow on Rock. Boo the Rock for setting up the People's Elbow on Flair, but then cheer the Rock. When he hits the move on Flair. Yeah. <laughs> they just won their spots. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, get a hot tag to Mick Foley, double arm DDT, and he sets up a Socko, but walks right into an RKO. Orton pins him. Gutted. I, I, I think it's the wrong call. Mm. I don't think that Evolution gained anything by beating Rock and Sock here. But it's a three on two handicap match. Well then, don't book yourself into that corner. Mm, but I don't think that I don't think they gained anything from this victory, and I think. Orton gained so much more by beating Foley in the hardcore match, which would come later, than the following month. The following month than, than they did here, um, especially because you then had to like got like five minutes of Foley just looking sad in the ring. Yeah, he got a really good ovation. It's yeah, I, it's not it's not a home run. I I did enjoy the experience of watching it because you you you've got weird parallels in there. You've got Rock and Flair. You've got Foley and Orton, Orton yeah. but most the, like from a 2019 lens, Batista and The Rock, yeah, squaring off against That's each other. That's true, yeah. And how many little flourishes that Batista does? I'm thinking the shoulder tackle in the corner, mm-hmm. the way he sort of flicks his heel, the spinebuster as well. They're very Rock flourishes. Yeah. So I just I, I enjoyed seeing those two in the ring together because I can't think of many other moments where they have shared the ring. No. And I think I'm very much looking at this from 2004 eyes. Yes. I just wanted to see Rock and Mick Foley win because they were the guys I liked and I wasn't watching, so I didn't know who this Orton and Batista lad were, so Mm. I didn't want to see them win. And looking at it through 2019 eyes, I still think it's the wrong call with the power of hindsight. But I appreciate that I'm probably very much in the minority on this because Brian Alvarez right. That was freaking awesome. And Foley's reaction was incredible. It wasn't that, oh, what a total fluke look. It was a, God damn it. He beat me. Look, God bless Mick Foley. Good guys got a big ovation afterwards and there was a loud Foley chart. Rock then led the fans to another ovation before giving Foley a big hug. Sometimes wrestling is so great. Three and a half stars. Yeah, I mean, I've written down here, great booking. Hmm. Because I, I think you get the win for three guys on two, which, you know, should happen really. 
and you give Batista and Orton wins, really, over Mankind and Rock, particularly Orton, who got the pinfall victory over Foley, really, really gets him over. Like, we talked about how much Triple H owes Foley for his mm-hmm. career and solidifying him as a top, top, top main eventer. Yeah. It's interesting how much Orton also does. Yeah, yeah, because Orton becomes a, a huge star off the back of this, this Foley feud, mm. absolutely. Yeah, and, and just, like, to have them all, like, get that get the victory, walk off. But I don't feel like Foley and Rock lost anything because they're, I mean, the Rock's the Rock. He didn't get pinned. Foley's in there. The whole crowd love him. I thought this was great booking when you factor in that post-match ovation. I'd also argue as well that it's WrestleMania 20. It's in Madison Square Garden. Give Mick something, for God's sake. Jimmy Snooker got something. Well, yeah, quite. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch would say that match was what it needed to be. It wasn't remarkably better than expectations, but it met them, all things considered. It had some nice spotlight moments. Three and a quarter stars. But Wade would add, wonder if Rock stuck around to watch the main event, and if he did, <laughs> whether he misses being a part of a match like that. Hmm. Uh, Wade, obviously not a fan, The Rock decided to go off to Hollywood. Bit of a sass. Sass move. Very sass move. Uh, We get a Hall of Fame recap package. Welcome to the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. He eats T-bone steaks. He lifts barbell plates. He's sweeter than a German chocolate cake. He is superstar Billy Graham. I said good evening, you make it! Thank you very much for this honor. Arriba! No one deserves more respect for being a man's man than Harley Race. God gave me the talent to work in this wrestling business. And there's not a better spot on earth than under those bright lights. Doesn't get a whole hell of a lot better than this. In 2008, maybe we ought to put a wrestler in the White House. Thank you very much. It's something that I will cherish. It's an honor, and it's a real privilege to be here in front of all you people and in New York City. And really, one thing's missing. I wish my husband was here. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Bloody hell, what a lineup this is for Hall of Famers. Billy Graham, Sergeant Slaughter, Tito Santana, Harley Race, Jesse Ventura, Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Including and Don Morocco and their big John Studd, Junkyard Dog. The some of Pete these Rose. Like, yes. <laughs> Pete Rose, the very first celebrity inductee. Mm. A lot of this feels like they would be headliners now. Like they would build something around just one of these being their headliner oh, yeah. and then put your sort of lower tier level like beneath them. But yeah, with like Harley Race, Jesse the Body Ventura, Bobby Heenan, Sergeant Slaughter, this is a stacked, stacked Hall of Fame. I was not prepared for the clip of Bobby Heenan <sighs> wishing that Monsoon was there. Oh my. Oh. I'm getting. I'm, I feel a bit sad just. Uh, yeah, me too. Just recounting man. Absolutely. That. I, that was like you know when you you just you just watching the telly, everything's normal, <laughs> happy cheering, uh, chirpily whistling along, and then an advert comes on, and it just hits you, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. why am I crying at an insurance commercial? That's what I got with Heenan here. Yeah, totally, man. Went from naught to crying <laughs> in two seconds. I went from like, crikey, what a stack lineup to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, mean Gene comes out to introduce the Hall of Fame mentions with the tr- bam, bam, ba, 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 music that I love so much. Nice standing ovation for everyone. Huge, huge class. Crowd chant for Weasel at Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, he, he's wearing an all-white suit. Yeah. And, you know, he's the first person. To, they're all standing in a line. And he's the first person to get the the name mentioned and they're chanting Weasel. And Bobby Heenan's initially celebrating, waving at them all. But then he mock has an argument with someone in the crowd <laughs> and he's pointing at them. no one in particular but he's just pointing at them he's going you know mouthing what did you say no you come over here and say that i just what it's <laughs> amazing the class act he was <laughs> uh lovely heat for pete rose as well um yeah. fun fact for you the son of big john stud took part in tough enough season four mm. according to wikipedia i couldn't find anything else out about him looks like Luke got bored again and started <laughs> clicking those hyperlinks. Hey, this is what I'm here for, man. I'm here to do some research. I massive respect to Greg Valentine and his beautiful hair. Oh, yeah. The Triple H haircut that he oh. would have for a couple of years. Yeah, he must be 65 years old and he's got those flowing locks. Oh, it is feathered beyond belief. Uh, Brian Alvarez was right. Uh, Oakland came out and introduced the inductees one at a time. Everyone got cheered wildly. Well, with the exception of Pete Rose, who got booed unmercifully. Oakland <laughs> said he was part of the, quote, celebrity wing of the hall. I see. Billy Graham may be pushing 70 with a myriad of health problems, but would still kick my ass. Yeah, Billy Graham slash Hulk Hogan's dad. <laughs> they look very similar. Uh, and it won't be the last we'll see of Jesse the Body Ventura on this night either. No, no. Uh, and just as a bit of weird foreshadowing, he said, 2008... Maybe put a wrestler in the White House. Yeah, yeah that that was his big thing at the time. Yeah. He was getting across his political yeah, career. This, this wasn't um ah oh, what who was it? It was the Chicken Wing. Come on, help me out here. Chicken Wing. Oh, yeah. Bob Backlund. Yeah, this wasn't Bob Backlund from the 2000 Royal Rumble. No, just saying I'm going to run yeah. for yeah. No, this was generally it's like no, I'm thinking I'm going to run for I'm going to run for the presidential mm. office. Now, if you saw the lineup just from a screenshot of this part of the show, you might go, huh. There was a woman there. No, there wasn't really. <laughs> she was there as a proxy for Junkyard Dog. Yeah. That's his daughter. Absolutely. Of course there wasn't a woman. Women weren't invented until 2014 by Stephanie McMahon. We well, know that. Well, we did get some women coming up next. No, but... no, no. These are objects. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're I was, I was about to say, they're not exactly doing a wrestling match. This is... This was going to be the only women's match on the cards um, up until... To, um, Molly Holly and Victoria had to work to petition to get a uh, the women's championship defended on the show because you see it's the fans' fault mm. that um, women weren't given a spotlight uh, on WrestleMania. I'm sorry, Paige. I'm, yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it is fault. it is our fault. Um, we did get a tag match. It's Sable and Tori Wilson versus Miss Jackie and Stacy Keebler in a Playboy evening gown match. What does that even mean? Well, Sable and Tori Wilson were on the cover of Playboy, so I guess Playboy then paid to get their name in the match. And it's an evening gown match, Mm. which means that you have to wrestle in your evening gowns. Uh, And an evening gown, it seems like to be some kind of see-through lingerie not a not a big Miss Elizabeth style dress. Well, no, because they are in evening gowns at first, but then. Whoever it is, well, we'll get to, we'll get to it in a second. This says that oh, this evening gown's too uncomfortable to wrestle mm, in, yeah. so I'd rather wrestle in my bra and panties. It, to be fair, it is more practical. Well, I yeah. imagine those dresses are quite restricted. Wrestling in those, we, we saw Trish Stratus last month trying to do the uh, the 
Trish Stratus thing with the heels on. Very yeah. difficult to do. Awkward. Yeah. I uh, I did, of course, Playboy Evening Gown match. A lot to talk about. But did it, did it feel like a weird cut out of the Hall of Fame segment? Yeah, I was looking to find what was advertised there, but no one talked about it in any of the uh, uh, the dirt sheets. Okay, so there was either an advertisement or that segment was filmed at the start of the show and they played it here. No, no, that is in order. Oh, okay. It, it, it is in order. So I, I'm guessing that they probably had an advert in there. Like last month, there was an advert for the chaperone mm. that was that was cut out of the network broadcast. Because like, I think a lot of people don't realise, but wwe network presentations are usually just the dvds that, that have been ripped and just put live it's not like the original pay-per-view feed has been loaded it, it's the home entertainment release has just been digitized and put onto the network and then had all the wwf bits smudged out yes i uh yeah that's a, that's a shame i thought because I, i'm a big proponent of intermissions in wrestling shows uh, I thought maybe they had an intermission there and they filled with something that they recorded earlier in the day. No, the, this was an intermission from the uh, the Rock and uh, the, the tag mm. match. Seriously, you can come back for this next big tag match. Uh, which, get, okay. Uh, it's, there's, so many, there's so many bad bits. I have far too many notes on this. Far, far too many notes about this. And a lot of them, I've got an entire paragraph on just the entrances alone. And Taz and Cole... Yes. falling over themselves to make their gross comments. Yeah. So it's kind of okay when Jerry Lawler does it because it's like, I expect my grandparents to say weird racist <laughs> things. I'm already prepared for that. What I'm not prepared is for Michael Cole to excitedly say, it looks silky to me and awfully sexy. <laughs> That's a quote. Michael Cole said those words. Yeah. Michael Cole. And his excitement was not genuine. It was too over the top. I would have, I would have. Pro- Why is Jerry the King Lawler not commenting on this segment? It's, yeah. an, it's an interbrand match. No, I know. Well, Cole does say they won the coin toss to commentate this match. Work the coin toss then. <laughs> it's professional wrestling. It's so. We heard this when we did No Way Out 2004 last year uh, for the Patreon podcast. And it was because that was opened by Tori and Sable because they were on uh, the front cover of Playboy then. And it was just Cole going like, oh, my, isn't this exciting? And Taz going, oh, my God, Cole, they look amazing in the ring. And it's, it's very, very gross and disgusting. Um, it's not I wouldn't say I so I didn't hear it as gross. I just put I just heard it as a massive turnoff. <laughs> like they, these these are four very attractive, scantily clad women in the ring. And there couldn't be more of a bucket of cold water poured over <laughs> me than hearing Taz and Michael Cole oogle at them. But I, and awfully sexy. I did giggle a couple of times, though, because I really do wish that it was J.R. and King doing this. But there are moments when Cole and Taz aren't trying to be, like, I, I don't want to say the word sexy, when they're trying not to promote how sexy this is and just giggling to themselves like a couple of schoolboys mm. that I did laugh a couple of times. Like Cole's talking about the feathers on Jackie's dress and you can just hear Taz giggling about what he's saying. And there's my favorite... <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like... <laughs> it's... <laughs> well, <Yeah>. gee, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Which again is a... 
is the bucket of cold water. It is, yeah. And there's like, so Sable says that she she doesn't want this to be an evening gown match. She's feeling uncomfortable. She gets Jack Doan to undo her dress and t- says Jiminy Crickets. And then Stacy wiggles her butt when she takes off her dress. Taz wants to get undressed too, but Cole stops him. And Taz, in his excitement, accidentally stabs Cole with a pencil. <laughs> yeah. And then Taz says, that wasn't my pencil. That was very and funny. It made me laugh. <laughs> it made me laugh a lot. And then I wrote in my notes, I don't want to be watching this at work. Mm. I because, So I was watching this at work on the IMAX, on the biggest screen that we've got available in the office. And in the office next to us, there's a new lady that's just started working there. And I thought to myself, like, this was her first day as well. And I thought to myself, God, I'm glad she's... Yes, let's haze her. And I was, I, I'm like, I'm glad she's probably not around to see this because it might just give off the wrong impression of mm. what we do for a living. And then I looked up from my desk because I can see where she sat and she wasn't at her desk. And then I caught in my eye them walking past our office with the big window. Yeah. And I thought, oh, there is every chance that she's just seen what's on my screen. And this was just when the four of them were just taking their dresses off. It wasn't even the wrestling part of it. So I shrunk the window down to as small as I possibly could on the iMac to try and hide my shame. I might knock on the door tomorrow, on their door, and say... <laughs> Hi guys, hi. I'm sorry to ask this. It's a bit weird, but I think one of my employees <laughs> has been watching porn at work. Have you have you seen anything like that? Okay, no no worries, no worries. But so they'll just the seeds will be planted. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna keep saying, Hey Luke, can you just watch this Attitude Era segment for me? Yeah. To keep, I need you to get some images for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this, honest to God, there's no wonder this show's four and a half hours long because it takes them kin ages to take all their dresses off. This goes on for a long bloody time. I would prefer that than them wrestle, though. <laughs> because they're not very good at wrestling. And yeah, the wrestling, I would say, is more degrading. Um, yeah, maybe to a degree. So so they all they all undress, but of course Jackie won't undress. So um, Sable and Tori sexually assault her. Yep, and, they throw and, her into the ring. Yeah, and, and tear all her, her clothes off. Um, Stacy tags herself in, and, you know, she gets in the ring a few times because the way Stacy Keebler gets in the ring is through the second and third rope, and she bends over. The first and second rope, you mean? Oh, the, no, it's the top and the middle, isn't it? Yes, you said second and third. Between the second and third. That would be, that's one and two. Top rope, Where do you middle go? rope, bottom rope. Yeah, but I I go first rope is the bottom, second oh, rope okay. is the going, middle. I was going the other way third around. is the top. I'm pretty sure it's it's one, two, three rather than three, two, one. The middle and top rope. There you go. She gets in and she, uh, and she cartwheels and her legs are like Doc Ock and... <laughs> The, re- the reverse roll-ups have a lot of bum. I've just put this in a great match. <laughs> just... Look, Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson, I was I was just in love with. I was in lust with, more appropriately, as a teenager. And those things don't leave you, as we, when we saw a picture of Sarah Michelle Gellar the other day. Yes. And we were just like, we were transported back to that time. Yeah, no, and, and I can appreciate that. I mean, this, this match is designed to do one thing, and it's to, to titillate people. Mm. But, um... Kevin Mahan of the Atchidera podcast always makes an excellent point, which is like, these matches are all sort of like great in idea, but 70,000 people cannot jack off at the same time. 
because you're in a public place. Challenge. So what are you then supposed to do? And if you're watching this at home with a group of friends, you can't all just then go off into your own separate rooms and then come back again. So you just sat there awkwardly and then 70,000 people also just sat there awkwardly not being able to do anything. Uh, what's his, sorry, Kef? Kevin. Kevin. What's Kevin? Kev, Kevin sounds like a man who's never just enjoyed a beer at a strip club. <laughs> you do, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to end in anything. But I would, I would you argue. You just have to drink a beer and there's some people dancing nearby you. But I would argue that strip clubs are terrible places because <laughs> it's a frustrating place to go. Because you pay like 20 quid for a lap dance and then. And then the, you can't do it. You have to. You can't. You can't do anything. Your mistake is paying. What you want to do because <laughs> at one point in the night, everywhere else closes, and you want to continue drinking. So you just go to a strip club and you drink. You don't have to partake in the activities. They're just there. <laughs> so it's like me and drinking games. Yeah, you just. You just the drinking have, games just happen around you. Yeah. And I just don't want to participate. You in just them. have a nice chat, and they'll come over and say, "Hey, get I'm not interested. I want another really expensive beer." <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think I haven't made a lot of notes. Terry does have a crossbody from the top rope, though, and Taz wondered if she trained in a dojo for this match. Yeah, uh, and Sable uh, does nothing. No, absolutely not. She it's is. all Tory. It is all Tory. I'd, I'd argue it's all Tory and Stacey in mm. this match, because even Jackie doesn't do a lot. But Jackie does take the pin because she's the uh, the, the only heel. <clears throat> she uh, Tory rolls her up, and they keep rolling around in various pin combinations to the extent where the referee slowly gets sort of caught underneath ro- rolled underneath them yeah. like the guy who's rolled underneath in a who Austin- killed <laughs> I was going to say who killed who framed Roger Rabbit yeah but yeah Austin Powers would also work Christian absolutely Slater. yeah uh, and yeah that it wasn't Christian Slater oh was it not no it was, it, was, it, was, it was a random guy yeah uh, and Taz and Michael Cole Kept on saying how they wanted to be that ref. Yeah. The things they'd do if they were that ref. Just laughing uncontrollably to themselves. Uh, Tori rolls up Jackie for the win, then starts spanking her, um, trying to like pull up her pants. The roll-ups were very gratuitous. Very butt-heavy. Butt-heavy offense, I would say. Brian Alvarez would write, uh, they proceeded to have quite possibly the most watched match in WWE history. You see, in 20 years, I don't think there has ever been a match that resulted in less people leaving the room to say, get a snack. It was li- <laughs> it was literally not possible to stop looking at the screen for even an instant. With that said, I don't remember who won, really. I think Tori pinned Jackie. Mm. Pro Wrestling Torch would say, Cole and Taz were the announcers, probably because there's no way Jerry could have made it through that, throughout through this match <laughs> without his head exploding. That was a healthy dose of TNA without being embarrassing in terms of the wrestling. Half what? a star. <laughs> half a star. And then writes half a star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Alvarez did not give it a star rating. We've just got to be clear there that TNA is not the promotion. No, it's T and A. And let's not forget as well that Vince Russo suggests the name TNA as a joke because it sounds like T and A and Jeff Jarrett took him seriously hmm. and named the promotion TNA. Do you think that Vince Russo is actually very misunderstood <laughs> and everything he's ever suggested has been a joke? <laughs> and, people... and she gives birth to her hand. They're like, love it, Vince. Uh, yeah, that's G- Give, give me more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Jackie storms off while Stacey's like, hey, what's up, friend? And you're, like, you're not even selling that you lost. No. And then Sable and Tori kiss each other on the cheeks at the end. Yeah. Undeniably a very, very titillating segment. Uh, but it's one no one feels good after watching. Absolutely not. Uh, we Women's then... evolution. <laughs> uh, 
We then get clips of fans coming to WrestleMania. I'm here at WrestleMania 20. Been waiting nine years for this opportunity to come. WrestleMania 20 is the place to come. I've been looking forward to it since September. I got my tickets in pre-sale. Um, I can't really explain how exciting it is to be here. Been waiting for it for months. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Undertaker back. The Undertaker, the dead man, is coming back, man. He's coming back. Travelled several hours on the plane from Birmingham, England. Since um, we got here, we've done uh, the brunch, the uh, where else have we done signings, signing sessions, everywhere, every, everything they've been, we've, we've gone. We've gone. It's WrestleMania 20, and it's going to be the greatest show of all time, and it's an honour to be here. And we came all the way from Ireland. We've been to Disney World, but this is ten times better. I'm just a buzz. The whole skin is tingly. I can't believe it. WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again. Right there. Sorry, I've just seen <laughs> what I've titled the next bit in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> just marks. Marks. Bless them. Uh, but then, like, again, the, 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 the titillating match with Cole and Taz's commentary. Like, how could I go from Sable and Tori kissing each other to English fans <laughs> talking about why they wanted to come here from it's Birmingham? It's taken me nine years to get here. Oh, it's like, oh. <laughs> That that was such a gear change. He's, it's just a lot of English lads very excited to be there. My favourite were the two that were just like dead excited to be here. We've come a long way to come to this show. It's been absolutely amazing so far. And you think, oh, those two lads have come. And then it cuts to a wide shot and they're with their parents. Yeah. And you think, oh, no, they're with their mum and dad. They're young. They're like teenagers. They can't afford a trip over here. I think it's a... Uh... A guy with his parents and, and the guy's a friend. friend. That's yeah. what I thought as That's well. That's the yeah. dream. Yeah. And the dad seemed like a big wrestling fan. These are our people. Absolutely. They're lovely people. Yeah. Uh, but they look stupid in retrospect. I've and written, they, they yeah. really turned me off after that <laughs> pr- preceding match. I've written here, though, these fans are not the worst. They could have found worse fans to interview. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Irish lads in particular were very good. And I, I thought, is this the first sign of the, the traveling audience? That has become known for WrestleMania now, with the, the, particularly the the big strong British contingency that goes across for WrestleMania, and they're the ones who have been sort of like, you know, they're the ones who've been. That, that's the reason it's so vocal at WrestleMania now, and it's like where a, you hear the true WWE fan base, particularly on like the Raw after Mania. Yeah, I think when we watched WrestleMania X7, they had a few like Brummy accents in there. Yes, but this felt like. Very English heavy. Very English yeah. heavy. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch would say they show clips of fans at Madison Square Garden with various accents talking about how far they travelled and how excited they were to be part of WrestleMania. They couldn't have paid and scripted anyone to endorse WWE products' international appeal better than these fans. They It did like it did seem like they were talking in bite-sized yeah. uh, buzzwords, could you but, just, but could... they felt genuine at the same time. Yeah, apart from when that lad was like, I've waited nine years for this championship opportunity. <laughs> They'd feel like that was probably a bit scripted, that one. Uh, we cut backstage and Eddie and Chris Benoit are working, well, I say Benoit, I suppose, is working out and Eddie's sort of like trying to rile him up. Yeah, Eddie's saying like, no matter what happens, I'll be proud of you, Benoit. Yeah. Which is the, it's the biggest match of your career, Chris. And no one really expects you to win. So I, I'm proud of you, whatever happens. Win or lose, I'm just proud you made yeah. it. And rightfully, Benoit flips out saying, hey, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. I believe in me. That's all that matters. 
I'm going to win the match. They are so close now that their noses are bending in because they're touching and being pressed into each other. And then Eddie's like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's the fire, oh, yeah. SA. That's what I want. Rapid Wolverine. So this was a good segment. I, I really like really this. Really nicely set up what the, the lovely moment that would happen later on. But it's all just goddamn bittersweet viewing. Yeah, isn't it just? Um, Alright, coming up next, it's the Cruiserweight Open, a.k.a. we need to give these lads a payday because we don't pay our talent properly. It's Chavo Guerrero versus Little Guido versus Jamie Noble <laughs> versus Tajiri versus Akio versus Funaki versus Shannon Moore versus Ultimo Dragon versus Billy Gibbon versus Rey Mysterio. Plus Chavo Classic. Plus Chavo Classic. This match only goes 10 minutes. There are 10 people in this match. I uh, Did you think the day where everyone's in the writer's room, it's like March, there's three weeks till WrestleMania, and they're all bouncing around ideas. How can we get this person on the card? How can we get that person on the card? And then someone goes, maybe we just have a battle royal. And the whole, the whole room just goes, good God, <laughs> solved it. This is how we pay people properly. We'll just make a battle royal for everyone else who doesn't have a match. Apart from you, Dolph Ziggler. Oh, he'll be there. He'll you st- reckon? Oh, yeah, he'll be like the big surprise. You know, because they, they give like four people an entrance. He'll be one of the people that gets an entrance. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. we'll see. So the rules of this are the last Cruiserweight standing will be the champion, but it's only ever one-on-one matches. So it's a gauntlet match. Yes, but it's called the Cruiserweight Open. And the story but it is, a, but, but rules-wise, it is a, a gauntlet. gauntlet and the rules were that Chavo was upset that he had to face off against ten people, but it's um, but he still goes in last. Um, Bruce Pritchard eloquently said, "Yep, it would have been better if it was just Chavo versus Ray, but we wanted to get everyone on the card." Hmm. Which is really weird because then when I was just listening to the latest episode they did about WrestleMania X7, which doesn't have everyone on the card. In fact, there's a lot of the undercard that are not featured on that mat, uh, on that show. And apparently, according to rumor and innuendo, they were all very much upset because they weren't getting a payday. Mm. And Bruce Pritchard then had the gall to say, look, not everyone can get on the card. <laughs> <laughs> Make up your mind, Bruce. Either they can or they can't. Which ones were recorded before he signed with WWE again, (laughs) and which ones after? Yes. I must say this, though. The match structure for the whole card is really quite great. You've got the the John Cena Big Show match. It's your your, your baby face gets beaten up and then overcomes with a feat of strength. Then you've got your four-way tag, which is, you know, a a different kind of match, not a good kind of match. Then you've got Jericho versus Christian. Storytelling. So Yes, yeah, solid in-ring stuff, but completely different style of in-ring wrestling again. Then you've got the the Evolution versus Rock and Sock. Really fun match. Future versus the past. And Ric Flair. Then you've got the Playboy Evening Gown match. TNA. And now you've got this... Not the promotion. This cruiserweight open of high-flying wrestling. I must say, it's... Because our, our criticism of modern-day WrestleManias is it's... More, it's it's better to have a longer card if you've got different styles of in-ring wrestling and matches to make it feel quicker. The problem with WWE is everyone really wrestles within the same confines, mm-hmm. so it gets very repetitive over the course of four hours, let alone eight. So I th- I was I really appreciated this card for changing the type of match. Then I will. So I mean I was around this point I was starting to lose a lot of will for this show. Um, just because I was I, I was a bit bitter about the which is my own fault about the evolution match 
and the Playboy Bunny thing really did very little for me. And then this, and I was actually quite looking forward to this, but I remember it being short, not the guys in the ring. I mean, the match length. <laughs> and then you followed that up with Goldberg Lesnar. So I was really starting to like, this was really starting to chip yeah, away at yeah. like my enjoyment of it. But I will agree with you. I think the variety really does help this WrestleMania card. Like, Because this is a four-hour show, but it doesn't feel like a four-hour show. It mm. feels very punchy and very, very well-paced. I, I take your point, though. The matches are varied, but those matches could could have still been better. Yeah. It still could have been Chavo versus Ray. It still could have been just Rob Van Dam and Booker T versus the Dudley. Exactly, yeah. Because if this was just Chavo and Ray, and you got 10 minutes to go out there and have a match, without all the entrances as well, I think you'd have had a, a much, much better time. Also... F this, F this version of it. They cut out Ultimo Dragon slipping over. I haven't said. I'm not aware of this. Yeah. So when Ultimo Dragon makes his entrance, this is his one and only WrestleMania appearance. <laughs> Big time Ultimo Dragon. You know, a legend of this industry. He comes out, slips on his robe, and falls on his keister. Oh dear. Well, he sort of like slips on his knee. And I remember me and my friend Graham howling with laughter <laughs> that this lad just fell over. And I was waiting for it. And instead, it's just a long shot of the arena, and you don't see him fall over. God, these days, that would be repeated oh, ad yeah. nauseum. You, and you'd hear Vince laughing at it. You'd have the three-way main event, and they'll cut into it and say, we've got to show you what happened earlier on in the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ultimo Dragon, look at this idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a guy in the crowd who not only is wearing an FBI T-shirt, he's got an FBI sign. He was massively into the idea that Nunzio was in this match. I love Nunzio. Yes. I really, really like him. He is Nunzio here, he... isn't he? Is he Nunzio or he's Little Nunzio Guido? Here, okay. Yeah. I'm glad he stuck around. Yeah. Like he wasn't one of the people who just got ditched. Yes. After the ECW buyout. Also, who is this man pretending to be Billy Kidman? Because that ain't Billy Kidman. Oh, he's a lot bigger. <laughs> I don't remember the, the, him like that in WCW. No. I mean, this is, like I said at the start of the show... The wellness policy doesn't exist yet. <laughs> he also has, objectively, the worst music of the lot as well. And there's some pretty generic music in this, but he has got very bad music. And then Ray comes out as the Flash. Um, it looks great. It looks great. It's a great costume. Absolutely looks awesome. Uh, apparently, uh, Cole says that the storyline was that Ray was supposed to have a one-on-one -on -one, one match with Chavo, but Heyman screwed him out of it mm. because Heyman is the... Uh, is the heel authority figure right this is very quick because they only get up sort of like 30 seconds each but um ultimo and shannon moore start they do some cruiserweight stuff uh and ultimo pins shannon moore noble's in next dragon misses a moonsault noble hits the neck breaker and locks in submission how's that next fanaki dies off the top rope noble rolls him through and pins him have i missed anything so far no michael cole plays that up like it's the fastest wrestlemania win ever and it's even more confusing coming off the back of that noble making ultimo dragon tap because there was no bell and it, it just didn't seem like it, it seemed like there was a slight botch there yeah hmm. uh, i think he says it's the fastest elimination in mania history right. rather than the, the, the quickest match uh guido's in next so, nuncio sorry um and then uh, he does some work with noble nice drop kick and clap by nuncio which i liked he does a big flip dive to the outside and then as he's on the apron noble uh, pulls him down and uh, he does this big old comedy sell for it and he gets counted out and then yep. kidman gets in and nuncio trips jamie noble and kidman senior <laughs> kidman I, I say he does a shooting star press or a springboard mm. shooting star press but holy hell did this ever look horrible yeah so this was from the top rope to the outside on uh, nuncio and noble 
and thank God for them. Oh, because God, yeah. he did not rotate all the way round. He was sort of project projection wise going straight into the earth like a lawn dart. He was Sasha Banksing this. Yeah. Uh like Brock Lesnar's shooting star botch the previous year looks safer than this. Yeah. And like Noble, but in particular, saved his life there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they really showed him. they showed so many replays, and each replay made it look worse. It really was bad. Um, he is a running Enziguri and a sit-out powerbomb from the top rope to pin Jamie Noble. Ray gets in, uh, and then a, he necks Akio from Akio necks him rather from the outside as Chavo is distracting the referee. But Ray does a sunset flip powerbomb and pins Kidman. Tajiri comes in. Um, Tajiri versus Rey Mysterio. Oh, yes, mate. Absolutely. Again, it's too short to mm. really get into it. The only spot they do is the tarantula, and Taz just falls over himself trying to reference the race dressed as a superhero and <laughs> trying to talk about Spider-Man. But the idea in his mind <laughs> is not connecting with his mouth. So he's like me doing a podcast. He's like, Spider-Man, Spider-Man! And it just, it, before he knows it, the match is over. Yeah. I, I, Ray is, like, we love Ray now. We didn't like Ray for a few years back in his first, well, his last WWE run. But here, he is so fast. Yeah. He is so slick. He's not as fast, like, he's obviously slower today and he's a smarter worker today. But all the stuff that he lacks in, like, experience back then, he makes up for in speed. He's, he's incredible to watch. I remember playing one of the SmackDown games. And it was around the time I wasn't watching, so I didn't know who a lot of the people on the roster were. And I remember doing my creator wrestler, and you come up with your finisher. And I selected the 619, because I was like, well, this is the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life. Because you'd like do the big kick through the ropes, then you jump up to the top rope, and you do a big Hurricane Rana flip thing, and you get a pinfall. So it's a pin move. That's always the best thing in, mm. in those old wrestling games. But I remember thinking to myself, I mean, this is all for a video game. There's no way a lad's doing this in real life. Bloody Rey Mysterio, mate. Like a video game come to life. <laughs> Sorry, Taz just walked into the... Yeah. Uh... Hey, I was doing your spot. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... Um... So Jerry hits the green mist on Rey Mysterio, it... but he ducks and it hits Akio. Yeah, and then Ray pins him off the back of that. And they also announced that uh, Akio is also eliminated off the back of this. He doesn't even get into the ring. Doesn't make sense. Absolutely not. And, <laughs> like, so Tajiri... Oh, it... Yeah, Tajiri kicks Ray after he's eliminated to mm. knock him out. And Cole says, that's unfair. And Taz goes, why? And Cole says, because he was just eliminated. And Taz replies, yeah, I guess that is a bit unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ta- ta- Taz is a good commentator, but... Uh... He needs he needs he needs motivation. <laughs> yeah. Crowd are very quiet for this. It's a bit like two hundred five live in twenty nineteen. Hmm. Uh, Raid knocks down Chavo Classic and they because like, he's trying to stop Ray from diving onto him. Um, and he dives over the ref and lays out Chavo Classic. That was a cool spot. That was cool. Yeah. Um, Ch- Chavo raced to catch him as well. Chavo Senior, that is. And then Chavo Junior rolls up Ray uh, and Classic helps him to get the pin. Chavo retains. I think, based on the reactions to this from the dirt sheets, everyone was expecting this to be like the show-stealing match. Really? Yeah. Did they know it was a 10-man? Yes. Right. But, um, I mean, Brian Alfred said this was the biggest disappointment in Mania history. Well, maybe not, but it did make me sad. Star and three quarters. Mm. Um, Pro Wrestling Torch would say, The wrestlers did just fine, but the booking was so ludicrous that it lacked any credibility. Why damage the credibility of wrestlers and cheapen the meaning of pinfalls just to fit everyone onto a pay-per-view for a disrespectful 30-second cameo in the ring? Negative one star. Whoa! Down yeah. into the negative territory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't argue with it, though. 
Like that, I totally agree with what they're saying. Yeah. It's, I'm not as invested. I'm not invested in this storyline, but they obviously were around that time. And you know, this was Ray and Chavo, part of that SmackDown mix in 2004. They were beloved figures and had a lot of fan support behind them. So to get them. To see them have such a short shrift of it. Yeah, it's, it's a real it's frustrating. Um, Alvarez would add, uh, Ultimo Dragon has to be the greatest wrestler I've ever seen who can't work. Uh, <laughs> at least Dragon got to fulfill his dream of working at WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden. He can go back to Japan and be a star now. Four hours of pay-per-view time and they had to rush this match. Kidman damn near killed himself with a springboard shooting star pressed to the outside. That move has to, has to be retired right now. This also eliminated, and then he would write about the Tajiri spot. This also eliminated, this also eliminated Ikio, by the way. Welcome to WCW. Yeah, it's unfair. Why? I guess it is a little unfair. (laughs) Uh, So there's a lot of heel victories so far. Yeah. Apart from John Cena, we had Christian winning. That's true, yeah. We had... uh, Hey, Tori and Sable won. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm just not really counting that. Evolution. um, Chavo. Well, I guess Rob Van Dam and Booker yeah. T retained. So it's actually even. It's actually pretty even. Yeah. I felt like there was a lot of heel <laughs> uh, They cut back to King and JR, and King says that the tag match was a slobber knocker, obviously referring to the Playboy evening gown match, and then says uh, he provided the slobber and they provided the knocker. That was great. That's a very funny line. It is funny. Yeah. It's even funnier because he doesn't actually finish it. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. just says, I provided the slobber and they provided the... You know, which is because before he would have just said tits. <laughs> I'm talking about tits. Ah, right. Well, then we get the match that perhaps this pay-per-view is best known for. It's Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg with Stone Cold Steve Austin as the special guest referee. The Royal Rumble is about to start any minute. You are the number 30 entrant, Goldberg. That gives you a pretty distinct advantage, doesn't number it? Number 30? Who cares what number Bill Goldberg is in the Royal Rumble? Didn't you just witness Brock Lesnar retaining his WWE Championship? That's all that matters to me. You should be conducting this interview with Brock Lesnar. What matters is tonight, after I go in the ring and I smash every single person involved in that Royal Rumble, and I get the opportunity to go to Mania to gain my title. Goldberg is on fire. Wait a minute. And Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. F5. F5's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Goldberg, what the hell is this about? Lesnar's not in the Royal Rumble match. And that's all. Oh, I want to come and talk to you about something. You know, SmackDown's got a thing you coming up to San Francisco here in a couple of weeks. Don't know way out. But you know the main event is, right? Eddie Guerrero battles Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. See, I haven't a good buddy in San Francisco, and he sent me this ticket. Now, if you take this ticket, Bill, and you're sitting on the front row watching Brock Lesnar, don't do anything I wouldn't do. What the hell? Because of you, Bill, I 
can't sleep at night. I am begging you, Mr. McMahon. Please, at WrestleMania 20, give me Goldberg! Goldberg is a ticking time bomb. In the state of mind Brock Lesnar's in, the 82nd Airborne could not maintain order in this type of match. Therefore, I regret to inform you. If you want to see Bill Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, give me a hell yeah. All right, it's Goldberg versus Lesnar, and Austin's a guest referee at WrestleMania. But before you go anywhere, let's find out what kind of a guest referee you can be. Oh, my God, I've got us. It's Brock Lesnar. Oh, Lesnar. Brock Lesnar from Stone Cold Steve Austin giving Goldberg that ticket, I would still be champion. The only thing that matters to me is revenge. talk about like the storyline that was leading up into this but really i think that i think we just want to talk about like the uh the sto- the outside story that surrounds this match there's yeah there's a lot to get into really isn't there a lot to unpack for this goldberg lesnar match two men who would have one of my favorite feuds and series of matches in recent times and their excellent wrestlemania match a couple of years ago yeah. god damn that match is amazing their their excellent royal rumble encounter yeah their brilliant survivor series one minute 26 second match whatever it was yeah i it's it's weird yeah yeah and of course like adding in the stone cold element so stone cold as the sheriff of whatever uh he, he sort of manipulates the parts so Brock Lesnar and Goldberg face off on SmackDown for No Way Out. It was Goldberg who helped Eddie Guerrero get the win uh, that month, and Lesnar lost his title. So the video package becomes more about Austin versus Lesnar. Yeah, right? And uh, when it's always Austin versus Goldberg that people wanted to see. And I know Austin isn't going to wrestle, but... Well, he's not going to wrestle Lesnar either. Well, yeah, but it's... Yeah, you would you would think of the two dynamics to play up. You'd want it to be the Goldberg dynamic yeah. with all that history there. So, yeah. But this really is a time when Vince just decided, based on what, you know, interviews and things like that, and Pritchard talks about this a lot as well, that he just decided that 
no one cared about WCW. No one cared about people from WCW. So it doesn't matter. We'll just do they, they only care about them if we created them. That's why he felt that a match between Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff would not sell pay-per-views. I mean, surely that writes itself, right? Yeah. Like and Goldberg versus Austin. Like that writes itself. But he just thought, well, no one cares about Goldberg. No one cares about that old WCW history. No one was watching it. So why would anyone buy a pay-per-view based off of that? I don't know, well, Vince. You tell yeah, me, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is weird because you're right. that This does feel like this match was building more towards Lesnar and Austin. And Goldberg is the third wheel uh, in this match. Um, yeah. And then... So this is Goldberg's last match. It was always going to be his last match. He didn't want to sign a contract extension. He didn't have a fun time in the year that he was in WWE. Cannot blame him whatsoever because they did not know how to tell a Goldberg story. Well, they looked at how successful he was with his (coughs) relatively quick squash matches, his unbeaten streak in WCW, and thought, that's a man who should be having 15 to 20 minute matches. Do you know what that man needs to do? Sell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people buy into a a John Cena-style guy who sells the entire match and just gets out the victory at the end. And it's it's always that thing with Vince that makes me laugh, which is that he's always been very vocal about, like, WCW didn't know how to create stars. They didn't know how to, you know, create talent and book matches. He would always... Story is that he would always... um, point to big show as the example it's like they don't know how to book a giant if he came over to wwf i'd know how to book him as a giant the first thing they had him do was show up at like uh, saint valentine's day massacre cost vince mcmahon a championship uh, the the match with stone cold the steel cage match and then get stunned by um, steve austin and then beaten like the the pay-per-view after apparently you don't know how to book a giant at all vince then made him champion by the end of the year and gave him no matches whatsoever and made him a really boring champion same thing with Goldberg. I don't yeah. think that I don't think they knew what to do with Goldberg. Either that, or they didn't want to do anything with him, and they just brought him in for the sake of doing it. Mm. Yeah, I think they, they. Yeah, let's just do it. And what we saw, we we went to the evening with Goldberg, the Inside the Ropes hosted, and he was not complimentary about this year-long run. No, he was not. And he was like, and all, all this stuff seems to have been patched over now. Um, but yeah, he was very against Triple H as well. He seemed to be one of the main people he butted heads with backstage. Yeah, because Goldberg wanted to win and Triple H also wanted to win. <laughs> and one of those men won out eventually. And you got to th- you got to look back at that era and think Goldberg would have been a better champion in terms of mainstream appeal. Mm. Love Triple H, but he's never broken through to the mainstream audience in the way that Stone Cold, Rock, Goldberg, Hulk Hogan have. Yeah. John Cena... Uh, hey man he had the chaperone yeah well yeah blade <laughs> trinity <laughs> um goldberg actually does get a, like a pop coming out but very quickly the crowd turn on this match because it's not just goldberg that is leaving 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 sound, sound like taz trying to do commentary sometimes when he gets too excited it's also that lesnar's leaving i don't know how this story broke out but it broke out from the dirt sheets to the point where every single person in the building heard about it. That it's New York. It, apparently so. Brock Lesnar had said that he was leaving WWE. And this would be his last match for the company. He heard that one before. Well, yeah, quite. He 
didn't like the travel anymore. He'd bought himself his own private jet to transport him around places because he didn't want to travel with the rest of the group. That alienated him in the locker room. He didn't like taking the bumps, and he decided that he wanted to go play football. American football, that is. And, yeah, and he signed with the Minnesota Vikings, I mm-hmm. think, but then had, like, a motorbike accident, which injured him, and then he couldn't do that anymore. So he went to New Japan, which he wasn't allowed to do, and then ended up getting into a massive lawsuit with WWE yeah. over that fact. Did become IWGP heavyweight champion, though. Yeah, and set off a really fascinating split belt fiasco. Indeed it is, over yeah. Over there. Yeah, absolutely. Which I don't think he's ever lost. No. He just nullified the, the reign, but also created uh, two belts. They created new then combine them again that's it yeah um so we get loud you sold out chance to both of them the na 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 song jr even has to talk about there are rumors quote there are rumors that lesnar is leaving wwe yeah he would not have he would not have referenced that if it wasn't for the crowd yeah like that the crowd made it so noticeable that you couldn't not reference it exactly and these two lads went out there they had 20 minutes and i think based off this crowd reaction decided let's not do anything mm. I, this is because I, I've watched this match a bunch of times because it's fascinating Yeah. and th- I get something different every time I watch it this time I kind of felt sorry for Goldberg and Brock I'd be curious to know when they decided they weren't going to put on a, a match mm. I don't think it was before they got out there I don't think it was either I think they were in the ring and they were looking at each other. There's two minutes where they're just circling yeah. and mouthing off at each other. And Steve Austin just keeps like pointing fingers yeah. to the sensors, like, just get it on. And JR's like, man, when when these balls collide, oh, it's going to be a spectacle. Mm. I'm, I'm telling you, folks, when when they lock up, <laughs> oh, it's going to be something. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, because the, yeah, they, they stone cold motions for them to go at it. That's when the bye bye, na, 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 song starts up. The front row, so not the one opposite the hard camera, but the one that the side closest to the hard camera, you can see loads of middle fingers, just like really viciously at Brock in particular. Yeah. Um, it's and and then the, there's a Stone Cold Steve Austin chant, and Austin smiles, and both Goldberg and Lesnar look at him like, f this crowd. Yeah. And then that turned into a bulls, bulls chant mm-hmm. so it's like yeah like the first lockup is three minutes in so i i and the crowd boost it as and well it, yeah and they lock up for 40 seconds yeah and it's just them pushing against each other and that's it and then they just stop locking up and then uh, this match sucks chant yeah lawler mentions that the crowd are getting antsy because they want to see these two collide so oh, much. yeah and and when they do collide oh it will be a spectacle folks yeah because like you can sort of get the gist of the the match they were going to have based on a few spots they do later, which is effectively my move, your move. You do a shoulder tackle, I don't go do, down. I do a shoulder tackle, you don't go down. That five-minute match they had at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, it's that but spread out over 20 minutes. With no crowd react, with like the opposite crowd reaction. Yeah. Yeah, so I... It's, 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 a, it's a shame. Yeah. And I, I don't think this was premeditated. And... You've got to think. There's how many people were in the audience? Oh, I don't know what the attendance was, but, but it must let's have been... just say 35, 40,000, because yeah. it's Madison Square Garden, not a not a big arena. To have that many people, eighteen thousand. 
No. Eight, eighteen and a half thousand. Oh, I guess you. that was before the refurb, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, so to have eighteen thousand people, and I get that you're a heel, and you want this negative heat, but this is a different kind of heat. Mm. It's not professional. They still should have had the match, but I can definitely understand the human reasoning behind going. What? Why? I? Why? Why should I? Especially if Brock's like idea is I'm really hurting my body doing this. And now the entitled fans are being like this. Yeah, I, I'm not having fun anyway, and you're making this less fun. Yeah. I did like when the crowd sat chanting Goldberg sucks and Jerry tries to cover it saying, oh, it's the SmackDown fans in attendance that are chanting <laughs> that. <laughs> Good one, Jerry. Yeah. Um, there was one thing I did like, though. Like, there was a part, the crowd popped when they did a move. It's when Goldberg, like, pressed him up and then modified, modified it into a slam. Mm. And like the crowd, when they actually start doing some moves, do react to it like it's a match. But then they just stop again, and the crowd just both they just start booing it again. It's like this match sucks. Spear by Goldberg, Lesnar kicks out. Uh, F5 by Lesnar, Goldberg kicks out. Crowd just boo everything by towards the end. Well, well, they cheer the move, so like Spear will hit. Way boo. boo when he kicks out. Yeah, not even a kick out. It's like as soon as that move's pop is over, yeah. they're on the booing. It's a bit like when Roman used to win titles, and the crowd would pop because there's a title change, <laughs> and then oh no, we don't like it. Boo. Or, or when John Cena came back in the Royal Rumble, <laughs> yeah. and everyone was like, oh my god, he's back. Wait, Wait a second. second, we don't like this guy. Boo! Uh, but yeah, Goldberg hit another spear. Uh, the crowd cheer, then booed again. Jack Hammer win. The crowd cheer. Yeah. And then they boo again. Yeah. Yeah. What? What a what a bad match. <laughs> yeah. What a bad match with with bad spots and stalling, and neither guy wanted to be there, and a bad crowd. Bad, bad crowd. A bad, infantile, spoiled crowd. Yeah, this was this was no good. Uh, Lesnar flipped off the crowd uh, after the match was over as they chant na 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 at him. He gets the stunner, crowd pop for that, and then like crowd boos Goldberg drinking beers with Steve Austin, and then cheer when he gets the stunner as well. And both of them ride off into the sunset, ready to return um, back later on. Yeah, and like they were a lot of f bombs were dropped in this post match. Like Brock, was, there were a lot of f bombs dropped throughout the yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. Brock was just like f this, yeah. f the f in crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. For whatever uh, figure four would say, for, uh, not sure if uh, they wanted Goldberg to win, wanted Brock to lose, or just wanted the match to be over. This was something else, though, not for the reasons I would have thought one week earlier. Two stars. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch would say. Uh, that Goldberg played to the crowd and the crowd booed him. Goldberg didn't seem happy. It was one of the most memorable WrestleMania matches ever and the quality of wrestling wasn't terrible by any means. Yeah, well, I, I agree with yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's definitely a memorable match. And the the, the match itself, if you if you watch it on mute and maybe on fast forward, yeah. you cut, it out, would you cut be out all a, the stalling. It would be a pretty fun match, especially when they start to wrestle. Yeah. Like from those shoulder tackles, it felt like... Gold, but this is Goldberg Lesnar. This is a big deal. Yeah, uh, he would continue. Uh, but the spectacle created from behind the scenes stuff and the crowd reaction completely overshadowed anything in the ring star and a half mm. by Wade Keller. Uh, he would also write the reaction to Brock Lesnar is the big story on so many levels, including a reflection of the power of the Internet at this point. This was not a highly publicized story in New York, yet everyone in the arena knew Lesnar was leaving. Why? Because of internet reports just a few days earlier. The crowd response was such a strong endorsement of his claim that WWE fans are as loyal to the WWE brand as any product anywhere. 
there. He has built so much loyalty that a top wrestler leaving... Uh, talking about Vince here. Vince has built so much loyalty that a top wrestler leaving to try and chase their dream of becoming an NFL player immediately caused fans to write them off as dead and boo him out of the arena. Yeah, well, that's changed. <laughs> CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, Jason Powell, who's a torch writer, he was there live uh, and said, uh, the live crowd reaction to Brock Lesnar will go down as one of the most memorable moments of this event. It sounded like there wasn't a single person who hadn't heard the news of Lesnar's departure plans. The guy went from being the most celebrated monster wrestler of his time to being the most hated wrestler on the roster in just a matter of days. Austin on his podcast would call the match boring and he thinks the crowd, uh, they thought they he thinks the crowd thought that they were just going to beat her up, like beat each other up and, and do something, but that's not what it was. And he would say, quote, it was what it was. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, loads of pyro outside for WrestleMania 21. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to the Staples Center hey, in Los Angeles. It'll be a mania next year for WrestleMania Goes Hollywood and all those amazing film parodies that they recorded those for Those were it. great. So, so good. Eddie and Booker T doing Pulp Fiction. John Triple Cena a- and JBL doing a, uh, uh, the, a you know, you can't man. handle the truth. Yeah. yeah. And you had um, Triple H and Ric Flair doing, um, not Highlander, uh, Braveheart. Mm. Ric Flair was an absolute star <laughs> in all of that. And everyone doing the, are you talking to me? Yeah. From Scarface. Oh, Scarface Taxi Driver. I wish they did uh, I wish they did campaigns like that nowadays. Mm. Everything's so sanitized. But do you remember that Royal Rumble campaign that they did where... It's it's all like Royal Rumble, but it's it's done like West Side Story, and then that the, rings a bell. And yeah. then the end of it is Vince McMahon waking up from a dream, going like, "I just had the weirdest dream." Yeah, yeah, I think that stuff's fun. Yeah, it's kind of kayfabe puncturing, but in in <laughs> in your mind, why well, my mind as a kid when I used to watch this, I would just say, "Oh well, they're they're still fighting, they still hate each other, but they work for this company and they have to film adverts for it." Yeah. So like, I can I. I, as a kid, could get around that. Yeah. Uh, but it comes back to a The Fink in the ring announcing Vince McMahon, the chairman of World Wrestling Entertainment. And Vince walks out without any music. Yeah. And it's it, this is not Mr. McMahon. This is Vince McMahon, the promoter, the family man. Just wanted to come out and say thank you to the crowd. Humble Vince, quite frankly. Um, yeah. Without any of you guys, any of the fans... WrestleMania would never have happened. Yeah, so from the organization, from the talent, from the McMahon family, thank you guys. And that was it. Yeah, and I was just waiting. So where's the... Where's the angle? Gonna, when's he going to call me a worthless piece of crap? Yeah. <laughs> when's he going to say that he's got more money than me? Yeah. Uh, but no, no chance. Plays him out. Really nice moment. It was lovely. And then we got uh, another tag match of... Hey, we don't have the Battle Royal yet, so let's just get all these lads onto the card. Get them on the card. Basham Brothers, what you doing? You're in a tag match. APA, what you up to? You're in a tag match. Who are the other ones? Oh, the world's greatest greatest tag tag team. team. Yeah. I, um, I, so I watched this a couple of weeks ago now. I can't tell you a single thing that happened in this match. Other than that, the crowd were very quiet, um... Shinique was not with the Basham brothers anymore, as we talked about in No Way Out 2004. She is a striking woman. Yes, basketball player. She mm. was released shortly after No Way Out. Um, and pfft, Taz teamed with the APA at WrestleMania X7, which we've also reviewed in the archives. That's not even this match. <laughs> you just said things that aren't in the match now. You got distracted. You went into the Wikipedia hyperlinks of your mind. 
because you were bored by this bout. I've got one of my notes is Danny question mark Basham gets slammed. Yeah, I haven't. I'm not differentiating between Bashams, uh, but I can tell my Charlie Hasses from my Shelton Benjamins. Yep. And my Rikishis from my Scotty Two Hotties. Yep. Everyone else looks different from each other. The Basham brothers look the same. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of their gimmick because mm. they could do twin magic and, and the likes. Um, Bradshaw hits the clothesline from hell, but then Rikishi Samoan drops him. Hits the Banzai drop on one of the Bashams. I think it was Danny. They win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Short. So, yeah, it was it was short. What's interesting now, from, not just from this match, but from the whole pay-per-view, is that the crowd was struggling anyway. I would say. It was a bit of a weird crowd. Mm. And when that Lesnar-Goldberg match happened, they spent so much energy crapping on it. Yeah. And also they were kind of deflated by that being a bad match on its own that they never recover for the rest of the pay-per-view. Yes. Like, it's it's a weird atmosphere for what is actually an excellent second half. Mm-hmm. Like, the top oh, three yeah. matches are great. Well, you know, the... Yeah, they're very good. <laughs> there's a there's a spectacle in the middle of those two great matches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so but the the crowd are, are mostly dead. And this is the part where I was really starting to struggle with this show because you had that Lesnar Goldberg match which is very very boring. Although there's a lot to talk about, very very boring. Historically fascinating. An excellent way mm. to put it. Then you had the McMahon promo and then you had this and then you had Jesse come out and then you had the Molly Holly Victoria match and I was like this show feels like it's dragging now wrestlemania had you in a baron corbin headlock it, it really was baron corbin levels of, of of rest holds um scotty does the worm after the match taz says he's celebrating his worm that sounded weird mm. uh they did the dance uh brian Alvarez. No sunglasses no i don't think they did the sunglasses at this oh, point no. i can't remember no way out 2004 to be honest i just thought the, so the dance bit the lights went down Is that your impersonation of the Too Cool music? No, that's me accurately humming the Too Cool oh, music. Oh, sorry, I do apologise. But it just, it felt, when we watched this at the Royal Rumble 2000, when that spot happened in the Rumble match, yeah. it was insanity. Oh, yeah. This felt like a a band that had reunited after 10 years, but it's nowhere near as good Someone died. Oh, God, no, that's an awful thing to say, given... Oh, man. He hadn't died by this point. <laughs> I was just making a joke about ba- rock bands in general. Terrible thing ah. to say on this recorded podcast that someone, I'm not going to edit out. So, okay, someone had left <laughs> yeah, yeah. due to creative differences. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's the, 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 the... Not the Stones. Anyway, the Stones I'm, I'm not going to help you out here, to be who honest. Are the, who are the Manchester, <laughs> the Manchester band? Waterfall. I'm still not helping dun, dun, you out. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, absolutely not. Uh, Even if I was trying to help you out. Matt, if I just type in Manchester Stones, this is n- this is not relevant. <clears throat> it doesn't come up with anything still. It's just coming up with John Stones, yep. who is a football, football player. player. Uh, oh, Manchester, I can't just type in Manchester 90s bands. Oasis. The Stone Roses. Roses. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you say Fool's Gold, their most famous song? I was obviously struggling to remember many things. (laughs) Don't zero in on that bit. 
So I can't even remember what my original. Okay, so the stones have reunited. <laughs> the, the stone <laughs> roses <laughs> have reunited. Which they are still doing music together. And they they've had a fight so that one of them isn't around for the the big comeback tour. And it's a bit sad. And it's only four years later as well. Yeah. In terms of this too cool act. It just felt like they were playing the hits. And their hearts weren't in it. Well, yeah. Scott, that's a lie. Scotty's heart was in it. Oh, yeah. Rikishi, he'd, he'd tasted, he'd, he had been Icarus. He'd oh, climbed yeah. to the top of the Helena Cell structure. Proper main event status, Rikishi. He, he touched the sun. Yeah. He came crashing down back to earth with a choke yeah. push. Yep, yeah, well, it's amazing what will happen when you get a, a main event push and then you lose every single time you step into the ring it's just it sometimes it baffles me how some of these pushes get derailed just didn't work hard enough, it, really. it just absolutely the crowd just were not into him by the end so this does have a historical significance this match this four-way this four-way kind of because <laughs> on the, the i love that there's already a caveat to it the smackdown follow-up that friday paul Heyman put apa's careers on the line and they lost so before paul before Farouk and Bradshaw were fired. They went to Heyman and said, you know what? We quit. And on the next week's show, JBL. John, John Bradshaw, Bradshaw Layfield would debut and he would be WWE champion this time next year. Yeah. So, you know, there's this was the last WrestleMania appearance of the APA uh, and and JBL, Bradshaw rather, in his, in his old brawler character a fiery way to go out as mm. well he hit one clothesline from hell brian <laughs> he's, alvarez he's, great. he's a great he wrestler. is great yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely brian alvarez would say no heat especially following the last match basically exactly what you'd expect with everyone working hard nothing ready to it good guys danced afterwards star and a half uh, the pro wrestling torch would say cole said it was going to bring the crowd to its feet it didn't and cole looked bad for trying to sell it like it would scott and rikishi did their tired dance routine to little response one star yeah yeah uh, Edge is coming back. Showed a nice little video package for the returning Edge. A nice little video package or a video package that could have been 30 seconds rather than 60. Because they, yeah. they just had shots of him. Yeah, well, but the, he's but coming not like, back. Not like different shots of him doing wrestling moves. It's him standing there. The camera's sort of revolving around in bad boys style. Ollie, we've got four and a half hours to fill. <laughs> Quick, send out Jesse the Body Ventura. We've got time to fill this here. Was really, this, was, this was a bit much for a promo. I just I liked this it. was this should have been 20 seconds. I liked it. But yeah, we do have Jesse the Body Ventura coming out because he's got someone in the front row that he'd like to interview. Who is it? Who's he looking for? It's Jared? the star of the number one rated TV show on NBC, The Apprentice. Oh. Oh yeah. The hey. host of WrestleMania 4 and 5. None other than New York's own Donald Trump! All right! The Donald! The Donald! Yeah. Donald, great to see you. First of all, I gotta say the hair looks great. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesse. All right, Donald, what is you're here at WrestleMania. You hosted WrestleMania 4 and 5. What does WrestleMania mean to a man like you? Well, it means a lot. I was involved with with Vince for a long time. He's a great guy. He's done really an unbelievable job. I'm with my son tonight, and we're having a good time. You're having a great time. Now, I got to ask you, now we'll get to the personal stuff, Donald. You know, if I were to get back into politics, 
Could I expect your moral and financial support? 100%. 100% if I get back in politics. One, you know that, 100%. You know what? I think that we may need a wrestler in the White House in 2008. Hey! Yeah! Donald, thank you. Have a good I will say, time. his entrance music, Jesse the Bodies, that is, is wicked. He's got great entrance music. He's got great presence about him. He still looks like proper Jesse and not like the Jesse Ventura we're used to now. And there is a guy in the crowd that is doing the Ali G Booyaka Shah finger click thing, which really made me laugh because that guy went, oh, brilliant. Jesse's, Jesse the Body Ventura is here. Better do a quick finger flick here Booyah. in celebration of this and my appreciation can you do that no uh pete and laurie and i were trying to do this on a video i mean they i say we i was trying to do it they could do it quite well <laughs> that was a mark of pride back in the day oh wasn't it just Absolutely. i used to be able to do it with different fingers what can't anymore i'm pretty sure i used to be able to do it but then like i remember people saying like oh you'll get arthritis if you keep yeah. doing it that's pretty good. God, what an awful, awful thing. That's <laughs> very because back in the day, back in the day, folks, we didn't have the internet. I say it's very 2004. It's very 2001. Yeah. Yeah. It seems Out a bit out of date by the time we get to 2004. Makes sense for a wrestling fan who's <laughs> <laughs> come all the way from Birmingham yeah. with his mum and dad. Uh, but he's here to do an interview just like he did 20 years ago, and he finds future WWE Hall of Famer and President of the United States Donald Trump. Who at this point was just here to plug The Apprentice. Yeah. So we are not declaring any political allegiances here. We are being neutral on this show. But this is a thing that happened. Yep. And that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's crazy that this person... Because Trump has played a huge part in WWE's history. He's part of the reason that WrestleMania was a success and then helped uh, some of the other ones later on. I think four and five he was very instrumental in. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like... Jesse says to him, really weirdly, do I have your full moral and financial support? Can you do this support? in a Jesse voice? No. Can you? Uh, Jesse voice, no. Do I have your full moral and financial support if I decide to get into politics? This is Jesse Ventura. Get, get, decide to get back yeah, into sorry, politics. back into. And Trump looks so genuine when he says, of course you do, man. And like you read about all these things that Trump... When he's with you one-on-one, is an undoubtedly charismatic person and can make you believe what he's saying. That's the art of the deal. You know, mm-hmm. lie. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, exactly. And, and, you know, trick people into doing things for you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I, that it was... makes sense that he's had so many failed businesses, but is yet still a massive billionaire. Yeah. And and when I saw his expression there, I thought, yeah, I, I, I can see that. You look so genuine that I bought into the fact that you might seriously back... <laughs> Jesse Ventura with your money and morality. And it's just crazy that 15 years ago, Jesse the Body Ventura came out because we need a we need a wrestler in the White House, McMahon. It's pretty good. Thank you very much. And he wanted a wrestler in the White House. He was going to run for president. And he's asking Donald Trump for his financial backing. Fast forward 15 years later, and it's Donald Trump that is the president of the United States of America. And Jesse the Body Ventura is considering running again only this time now it's not for the republican party Mm. because when jesse's talking about it here he's talking about 2008 which is the election where i think he was was a democrat he couldn't have been a democrat vince hates them which is when uh barack obama was elected 
Prime Minister of the United States. <laughs> yeah. uh, king of America. Yeah, yeah, well, he was elected king <laughs> of the Americas. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, and uh, it, yeah, it's just weird. All four of them. All the way back then. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's so weird. So, so, it's so weird. weird. It's like I've, I've looked into an alternate timeline watching yeah, that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Pro Wrestling Torch would say Ventura's announcement got a half-hearted pop. Um, I also did some research into Ventura's political um, campaign that he ran. Uh, a poll commissioned by Twin City Station Fox 9 put him at 24% behind Democratic candidate Al Franken at 32% and Norm Coleman at 39% in a hypothetical three-way race. So I think he was a Republican. Ventura announced on Larry King Live on July 14th, 2008 that he would not run. Ventura's decision not to join the race was partly rooted for a fear of a lack of privacy for his family, a concern that contributed to his refusal to to seek a second term as governor. In late 2015, Ventura publicly flirted with the idea of running for president in 2016 as a libertarian, but in May 2016 decided not to seek the presidency, allowing his self-determined deadline of May 1 to pass. No explanation was given. He's going to try again for 2020, saying the Green Party has shown some interest. I haven't, I haven't made a decision yet because it's a long time off, McMahon. If I do it, Trump will not have a chance. For one, Trump knows wrestling. He's participated in two WrestleManias. He knows he can out-talk a wrestler, and he knows I'm the greatest talker wrestling's ever had. Here's a good talker. And isn't that what politics it's just all, is? All Who about? can cut the better promo? Who can promo? cut the best promo? Yeah. Absolutely. It's why Hillary didn't win. Yeah. She's a terrible promo. She's a promo. terrible promo. She's the Linda McMahon of politicians. I She's a terrible promo. Don't buy her in a fight. <laughs> She's so scripted. Exactly. Just, get, just give her some bullet points. Allow her to, to cut a promo on Bill. It's like Eli Drake says. It's just unbelievable for a five foot three woman to face off against a six foot four man. But it makes sense when Rey Mysterio does it. Rey Mysterio isn't a five foot three woman. No, he's just five foot two. Right. So, uh, do you want an, the second women's match on this card that wasn't supposed to be here today? It's Molly Holly versus Victoria. For the WWE Women's Championship. If Molly loses, she will get her head shaved. So, yeah, this wasn't supposed to be on the card. Um, and essentially, Molly petition to get the women's championship defended on the show and the only way she could do it was to say i'll shave my head on pay-per-view if you'll just let us have the match well played molly well played molly but it's our fault that uh women didn't get pushed mm. in, in this era um i'm sorry Paige. i'm so sorry Paige. we really should have tried harder it's funny though when molly and victoria tell this story on a podcast that they did they misremember who was even the champion. Because Molly talks about, like, <laughs> I wanted to defend my belt. And Victoria's like, yeah, and I really wanted to win the belt. But so Victoria's most definitely champion. Oh, yeah, 100% champion. Because I watched this match, then mm. read the interview and wondered if I'd got my notes wrong. Mm. And then went back and checked and was like, no, 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 Victoria definitely was women's champion. So I missed all of Victoria's WWE run, really. But I loved her in TNA. Oh, great in TNA, so yeah. so good in TNA. Super awesome, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's and it's funny because then when WWE uh, kind of retell the story, when Pritchard's telling the story, he's like, oh, yeah, it was Molly's idea. She was really game for it. And I'm like, yeah, she had to be. Otherwise, she wasn't getting on this card. And it's a very, very short match with two commentators. Doesn't feel short. <laughs> <laughs> two commentators who just talk about their underwear for the entirety of the match. Yeah, they're not interested. And Lawler has the most off-putting line of the evening. For, for me, 
And that's that saying something. something considering the match that came prior, prior uh, to this. So, of course, there's the stipulation that Molly might be shaved. And Lorna just says, well, she's such a good girl. Would this be the first time she's been shaved? Ha, 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 Hmm, yeah. Ugh. Although I do like Victoria's entrance music, the rip-off of Tattoo, or uh, the things she said. All the things she said. All the things she said through my head. Do you remember how that was such a big deal, like in 2000, I'm going to say two? Oh, yeah. 13, 14-year-old Ollie remembers. <laughs> because... They would. I mean, so if for any of our younger viewers who might be thinking, what the hell is a tattoo? They were a Russian duo of uh, schoolgirls whose gimmick was they kissed each other. Mm. And that got them to number one in the UK charts. It's and a banging tune. It's a banging tune also. But really, they got to number one because the music video had them doing a kiss and the Daily Mail freaked out about it. Because that's just the sort of thing you got freaked out about in 2000. Was it 2001 or 2002? I think you're underplaying how visceral <laughs> and titillating this was. It's because they were dressed as schoolgirls. Yeah, I, d- I don't think you can mock WWE. <laughs> I'm not mocking but, WWE. But for uh, doing the, lo- the Playboy evening gown match and then say, well, this was just a little thing at the time. It was two girls. It was 2002. It was two probably 17, 18 year old girls dressed up like 15-year-old girls, snogging in the rain for four minutes. (laughs) It wasn't four minutes. They were also singing the song in that music video. Yeah, but for brief clips, and then it was back to the snogging and (laughs) and sort of cascading themselves over a, a fence. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 1984 um, was when Eleanor Katrina was born, who was one of them. So she's a year older than me. So in 2002, she'd have been 18. Mm. Yeah, but she was made up to look younger. Yes, they were made up to look. That's they were 15 year olds. That's been my thing. People say schoolgirls are sexy, and I'm like, what? You know, like the schoolgirl party at like schools out parties, and everyone goes in fancy school dress. I mean, WWE did a lot of those as yeah, well. Yeah. I don't. I've never bought into this. I've I've always been like, but. But, they're kids. But they're kids. <laughs> Give me a sexy cat. I'll take five sexy bunnies, cats. Bunnies. Come bunnies. Bunnies over people dressing <laughs> up as school children in a slutty way. No, no, no. And I do what you mean. And I feel like I'm not trying to downplay the the outrage of tattoo in 2002. I just think that it's one of those funny things in hindsight to oh, look yeah. back on that it is it was just women kissing, women above age kissing, and it was like a big media storm that this was something and how like irresponsible it was to put it on TV. And then they went, they were part of the Eurovision Song Contest and that was even bigger because, well, they've got a record deal. They can't be allowed to compete. Yeah, they're professionals. They're... <laughs> they do this for a living. It's like the Olympics. You don't get the proper English football team going out there. Yeah. It's Team GB. I mean, do you want to talk about this match now? I mean, I, f- yeah, I feel I like we've, so... we've, we've done enough skirting around it. Uh, it's just, it, this... Look, the crowd was already dead. Yeah. This wasn't the match to bring them back. Even though it had the big head shave stipulation, this just feels like an episode of Raw. Yeah, it really, really does. Like my a favorite bad episode of Raw. My favorite part of this wasn't Jerry and King talking about panties for what felt like forever. It was when JR apologizes and then says, Can someone bring me a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> Because Jim could not care less about this match in the ring. But again, it's our fault. Mm. Um, I actually thought that for this era, the in-ring action was pretty good. 
for for with this era WWE women's wrestling. Yeah. Like especially compared to the tag match earlier. <laughs> oh, this, this was, was like this, this was Omega Ricarda Tokyo Dome levels. Yeah. But neither the crowd or the commentators cared. That's a big stipulation, and the titles on the line. I think, you know, and in, in an if this match was done today. Yeah. It would it would have felt like a bigger deal. Absolutely, but you would have can done. see people in the front row just chatting amongst themselves. Yeah, bored. no one is watching this match. They might as well be eating dinner round tables. Which is what Vince always wanted yeah. for Monday Night Raw. <laughs> also, Jim Ross completely turned heel on me, and I'm not sure I can ever forgive him ever again. And I might now have to reconsider his entire commentary run and say that he is among the worst commentators of all time. Because when Molly Holly, cause Molly Holly loses, Victoria hits uh, backslide and just and, a black a, 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 what, what's oh. that? A backslide. <laughs> a backslide. Come on, backslide <laughs> is an easy way to mispronounce backslide. <laughs> there's not there's not even there's no oh, context not, for I'm this not, match I'm to not be editing like this out God either. Um, but yeah, so Molly loses. She does sell the loss absolutely brilliantly, and she tries to run away. And Jr. says she's trying to escape from New York, but that's a bad movie. F you, Jim Ross. F you, Jim Ross. That movie is awesome. Kurt Russell's amazing. John Carpenter's amazing. You're a terrible commentator. So yeah, he turned heel on me. <laughs> I, I didn't listen to a single word he said after that. Well, good feet. That's that's good for for the rest of this segment because it goes on forever. Yeah. So there's actually I've got a quote from Victoria about this. Um, that guy that's standing behind the ref is actually Vince's barber. So I asked him, how do I do this? He goes, you need scissors. So I go, give me the scissors. And he says, we don't have scissors. <laughs> <laughs> that is... What, what, what? Okay, so... Wait, 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 wait. But and, the, you've got to picture the stage. The, there's a little barbershop area set up at yeah, the top of the ramp. With Vince's actual barber. With Vince's actual barber, who looks like Brad Maddox. <laughs> and you, you've got, like, the whole little... There's the barber's chair. There's, like, a little barber's stand with all these instruments. And uh, Victoria chases Molly up the ramp. And then there's a, a little bit of a scuffle. And Victoria nearly gets her head shaved. But Victoria comes back and puts Molly in, straps her in... And that and that's when Victoria asks the barber, how, how do, do I, I do this? this? Oh, my God. Because you can see she's trying to shave, and but very little is coming off because Molly's got very long, thick hair. It's not very long, but it's long, thick hair. And you can't just shave that off like you would do. With clippers. Like with clippers, like you and I, where we've got very thin, little hair, that could easily come off. So she would have to cut it off first before you can start shaving it. But yeah, the barber stood there and said, don't have scissors. Uh, <laughs> Victoria continues. Why did no one flag this up? Victoria continues. Then they're yelling at me, hurry up. We've got three minutes to get Molly Holly bald. And I'm cutting her head and I'm shaving her. And they're like, look like you're enjoying it. But I'm really not enjoying it. Oh, and that's, that's why depressing. they're there for so long they're there well into the set the, the match that comes up next yeah yeah because like it, it just the crowd don't care either when victoria is shaving the head and cutting the hair and she's posing with the hair and the title and then it just it goes on for so long and then it just cuts to taz and cole who also do not care <laughs> yeah. and they're just like here's a video package for kurt angle and eddie guerrero not even mentioning the hair stuff yeah it comes back from the video package they're still shaving their hair <laughs> it feels like they're there 
I, I want to know when they left during the Eddie Angle match. But anyway. Well, I can tell you, it's... um Yeah, Kurt comes out, and when Eddie comes out, you can see the runners run in and carry away the barbershop, <laughs> the barbershop set, as Eddie's walking down the ramp. Yeah, it's craziness. Oh, sorry, it's when he comes... Because Eddie comes in... In With a the low rider, yeah. Yeah, by the side of the stage, and you can see them quickly trying to get... Quick, there's a car! The crowd are distracted! <laughs> I mean, they weren't paying attention anyway, but quick! While well, they're not looking! Uh, so yes, we do have a WWE Championship match, and it's between champion Eddie Guerrero and challenger Kurt Angle. Many people have asked me, Why, Kurt? Why? I didn't attack Eddie Guerrero for me! I attacked Eddie Guerrero... For the fans of SmackDown for all the WWE. Eddie Guerrero is a former drug addict. A drug addict is the last person we need to represent us as the WWE champion. That's why when Eddie Guerrero won the championship, I couldn't just sit there and let Eddie destroy the morals that are the cornerstone of the character of this nation. One day you will thank me for the champion that you can be proud of. Wait a minute! Whoa, That's the whoa. WWE champion, Eddie Guerrero! Kurt Angle! You lied to just people from behind, so I'll tell you what, Holmes. I'm going to take the fight to you. Officers, I want you to arrest Eddie Guerrero! You're sending the night in jail! There's a poison seeping through the moral fiber of this country. Our WWE champion gets himself arrested, mired in scandal and disgrace. That's exactly what I feared would happen if Eddie Guerrero became champion. Would you feel comfortable if your children were acting like Eddie Guerrero? And Eddie Guerrero as the WWE champion will only bring disgrace and shame to this company for years to come. I won't allow that to happen. I am hereby demanding that Eddie Guerrero issue a public apology for his reprehensible behavior. Tell you I'm sorry. Now. Now, Hulk, I'm proud to be the WWE Champion! I'm proud to represent the WWE fans, Hulk! I wish I was in a position to beat some sense into you myself. You couldn't beat me if I had both hands tied behind my back. Let me just get this straight. You're serious when you say that, right? Your hands will be handcuffed behind your back. And your opponent, Paul Heyman. Oh! Eddie Guerrero shot to Paul Heyman. And look at Paul Heyman running away. Oh, my God. Kurt Angle? Taz, this is bad. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero's hands are still handcuffed. We have the greatest fans in the world, but they have no appreciation for what I'm doing. My match at WrestleMania is the most important match of my life. I'm not only fighting for myself, I'm fighting for the future of this company.
So Kurt Angle turned heel on Eddie Guerrero and he wants to give the WWE a champion they can be proud of, which we sort of heard really from this Eddie storyline, I feel. It was a very uh, easy road for them to go down in the, hey, Eddie used to be a drug addict. He used to be this. He used to be that. I'm going to give you a champion you can be proud of because the people like Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I think, uh, but I think this was a really well-told story. And Kurt Angle is the perfect Mm. foil for this. All-American. Absolutely. He's so much better at this than Brock Lesnar is. Because Kurt Angle is that, the three eyes, the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle, the America's hero. So it works brilliantly for his character. Yeah, and it feels like Kurt, in Kurt's mind, in Brock's mind, when they were building up this feud for No Way Out, Brock was like just saying all this stuff to get under Eddie's skin. When Kurt says it, that Eddie Guerrero is an unworthy champion, he's a former drug addict, I feel like Kurt believes that in character. Yeah. Like he genuinely thinks he needs to rid Eddie Guerrero from WWE so he can be the champion the people deserve. And that sort of deluded heel character is so much more engaging and three-dimensional than the Brock stuff, yeah. which really was a feud with Goldberg, yeah. which really was a feud with Stone Cold. So this, uh, there's so much meat here just between the two guys, Guerrero and Angle. I thought this was um, such a good video package. I love that moment when uh, Heyman calls out Eddie to make a public apology. Eddie won't say sorry. And he says that he could beat Paul Heyman with both hands handcuffed behind his back. So Heyman makes that match and Eddie gets handcuffed. And then Heyman runs away, and all of a sudden, Kurt Angle just walks out with this look in his eyes. It was like, you done effed up, boy. Yeah. And now I'm going to, you're going to pay the price. It's that there's something. He's so scary. Yeah, there's something really charged about someone with their hands behind their back. Yeah. And to to have, it's, it's it's not just Kurt appearing at the top of the ramp like he is. Uh, evil possessed mm-hmm. it's also eddie's selling of it yeah where he is scared yeah he realizes the situation he is now in yeah and it's just it's just incredible but eddie still fights back in that angle and he spits on kurt's face and yeah it's it's such an intense awesome dramatic video package that gets over this really quite brutal story that plays on real life between angle and guerrero and it cuts back to Taz and Cole still laughing <laughs> at Molly's head getting shaved. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Brian Alvarez was right. Right before the ring intros, they cut back to Molly, who was now shaved bald. On the bright side, she's got a pretty enough face that she doesn't look too hideous. Silver linings. Silver linings, absolutely. Uh, Kurt Angle is your favourite wrestler in the world, so I thought I would let you uh, take this match. Although I do want to say that Eddie comes out in a low-rider pickup truck that pops up and down, which is the most 2004 thing on this show. The era of Pimp My Ride. Oh, and people loved that show. I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of it, but people loved that show. My favourite thing about Pimp My Ride was the meme that came afterwards. Oh, yeah. I heard you like... I heard you like cars. No, I heard you like TVs. So I've put a TV in your car. In your, I'll put but a TV in... on your TV so you can watch yeah. TV while you're watching TV. And it's just like you replace TV with many different things. Oh, early day memes. I heard you like maths. So I did this and did that. And you can divide by zero. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that was one of my favorite meme templates. I, I wonder if there is an article out there that is like caught up with people who had a Pimp My Ride car. 
like 10 years later and what they're doing with their cars that have got jacuzzis in the back or or a barbecue or whatever it was. Just living it because they've had to sell their homes. <laughs> Most of those people's homes were foreclosed in the 2008 <laughs> financial crash, I'm afraid. But, you know, thankfully they've got a car that's got a PS2 hooked up to it. Yeah. Complete with SCART cables, which will, <laughs> which, cables! which will always be needed. So Such a sturdy connection. <laughs> That's not just going to get kicked out, is it? If you kick that cable, the TV is coming down <laughs> with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Kurt Angle's your favourite sure. wrestler. Why don't you run us through this? So, Eddie's so great, coming off that No Way Out win as well, which we reviewed last year. And it's just, both guys look so serious. And I know the last hour to hour and a half of this pay-per-view has not been great. Yeah. But the the varied match style continues because this match feels like a sport. This feels like as close to MMA that you're going to get around this time in WWE. And Cole just has, like, the commentators switch gears into that mode cole is saying how guerrero needs to stay vertical he needs to attack from the air he can't get stuck on the ground with kurt because that's where kurt rules and taz is putting that over as well really like everyone's in on fire for this opening part of the match and it's you like sometimes when you get these blood feuds you think you've got to start off with a brawl right away but this might feel like a blood feud and it is, but there's also an element of who is the better wrestler. So when they start off with a tense lockup and trying to feel each other out with wrestling moves, that doesn't betray the ferocity of everything that's come before it. Nope. So yeah, I just it, it was it was such a good match. I'm not a huge fan of the finish. Oh really? Because I, I just I you, part of the story is Eddie isn't worthy. So for then Eddie to win via cheating. But he lies, he cheats, he steals. I know, I know. That's, he suckered Angle in. I know. But I don't agree with that side <laughs> of his baby face character. Okay. It always jarred with me back in the day as well. Hmm. Like, I, he lies, he cheats, he steals. Get behind him. I'm like, no, because he just... And in kayfabe, why isn't the referee more on this guy? Oh, yeah, you'd he think by now. He literally tells you in his entrance window, <laughs> I'm going to lie, cheat, and steal. So the referee just said, yeah, I'm just going to treat you like a normal competitor. Yeah, you're basically like one of the other guys. Yeah. I, I really, really like this. I loved the mat wrestling at the start. I loved more of the brawling side of thing. Eddie's firing back was absolutely awesome. He's just so, so good. I love it when he tries for the three amigos, but Kurt Angle floats over and immediately starts hitting German suplexes. And Eddie rolls through of that and hits two of the three amigos, but Angle gets out of that and locks in the ankle lock. They have these really nice sequences of counter reversals, doing moves. We're looking to see what your opponent's next move is going to be so you can get ahead of them. I thought there was some really, really smart stuff in this. Yeah, and, and, and the way Eddie eventually gets the one-up on Kurt is by a thumb to the eye. Yeah. Which is a heel move. But not for Eddie Guerrero. It, because what he it lies. is! <laughs> he lies, he cheats, look, he look, steals. I'm not a fan of that style. <laughs> I thought he could... Like, telling a redemption storyline, you probably shouldn't be getting heel heat in your matches. <laughs> well, he's not getting heel heat, though. He's getting baby face heat from me. <laughs> Angle Slam gets reversed into a great DDT and then a frog splash for an amazing near fall, which the crowd totally bought as the finish. Mm, yeah. Really did. Um, That bit they did, but everything beforehand, I wrote in my notes like, ah, oh, this match, because I, I certainly was. It's such a slow, methodical style of match that it's not the sort of... Bouts, you go, ooh, ooh, 
fall to or, and react mm. really loudly. You just sit there like a New Japan match and you're transfixed. Like, I don't pop a lot when I watch Zack Sabre Jr. matches. That doesn't mean I'm not enjoying them. So I thought, oh, OK, the crowd are just transfixed watching this action. But then later on, there was some really good spots. And I thought, and the crowd weren't reacting. And I thought, ah, no, they're still wiped out from Lesnar Goldberg. Yeah. So it it stole the show in a bad way, Lesnar Goldberg, unfortunately. Mm, I'd, I'd certainly agree. Um, Eddie like, teases tapping out um, when the ankle gets the ankle lock in. And then he starts selling his foot and starts untying his boot. And there's this great shot of angle where he's just like, ah. I now smell blood in the water mm. and Eddie starts to freak out about it. Angle goes to get the boot, but the boot comes off and Eddie rolls him up, gets the win. Huge pop. Angle sells it perfectly. Eddie suckered him in. His ankle wasn't hurting whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a thing. It, it, isn't I it, like the finish. It, I really like it's it. It's a good finish. It's a good finish. I would have preferred that. So, like, to have the best of both worlds, Eddie slips the boot off. Kurt's like, oh, my God, knock him down, frog splash. You win with the frog splash mm-hmm. rather than off the cheeky the roll heel up. roll up. It does, it does allow the feud to continue, though. Yeah, well, that's that plays into a bigger thing of don't... WrestleMania should be the culmination of feuds, in my opinion. And you start a new season. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't just be the next chapter. Yeah, or the start in this case. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Figure four, Brian Alvarez would write, It was even greater than I thought, and the fans went crazy. Angle tossed the boot at him afterwards in a great moment. Excellent match, as great as I thought it was. They showed a replay, and it ended up being even greater than great. You see, Eddie not rolled him up super fast, but he did so in such a way that he ended up so close to the ropes to hook him that his... uh, hook them with his feet as well four stars so i'll try and read that again eddie not only rolled him up super fast but he did so in such a way that he ended up close enough to the ropes to hook them with his feet as well four stars yeah it's an excellent match and the finish is really cool i just i i'm not i'm not on board with that he's babyface character when he cheats well maybe you'll be more in line with wade keller then not a classic but a very good match it's not everyone's style due to the slow map based build early but it climaxed well and the crowd was into the near falls in the final minute the finish was really clever too four and a quarter stars he would add they worked slowly for 15 minutes in front of a crowd that was beginning to fatigue but then completely sucked them back into the match emotionally in the final five minutes these two can wrestle six more pay-per-view main event matches and each one can be different and in most cases better than this one a good start to what will hopefully be a future all-time classic feud yeah yeah totally agree with that um i, I would have probably given four and a quarter as well i love the I love that style of match. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, we've got a big one coming up now because Kane is taking on the return of the dead man, The Undertaker. I came here tonight to give a eulogy for my brother, The Undertaker. The man that I buried alive at Survivor Series. My brother and I used to share a common bond. We were monsters, but my brother committed the most unpardonable of all sins. He betrayed himself. He became one of you. This man was not my brother. This man was not a monster. My brother was nothing but a fraud. I buried him alive. Rest in peace. (laughs) 
sending me signs of your return. It's going to take more than this to intimidate me. The Undertaker is dead! 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 At WrestleMania, there's not going to be any resurrection, but ashes to ashes. Dust. To dust. It's over, dead man. I am not afraid of Well, as I said at the kind of top of this episode when we were talking about our general memories of this show, this was one of the matches that brought me into watching this pay-per-view because I was a big Undertaker mark. I loved the Dead Man character. I loved Kane as well. So this really was like a Attitude Era appeal to me of seeing The Undertaker being properly The Undertaker again. Yeah, this is one of those parts of fandom where I kind of just missed it all. I, my Undertaker, really, quite controversially, is American Badass. <laughs> That's the guy. It was weird. Uh, there was a, a video package for Kurt Angle recently on Raw, mm. and it was American Badass sort of hugging him backstage. And I was like, there's my Taker. That's my Taker. That's the one I know. Yeah, because was, I've always been at arm's length with... I love the spectacle of it all, but, you know, it's a bit... It's a bit goofy. It's a bit hokey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very, like, early 90s and then sort of mid-90s. I like how he, you know, re- redefined himself in the mm, late 90s yeah. and into the 2000s. So I was I was a, I was was very excited for this. And I, I popped huge when Undertaker made his big entrance, particularly with the, oh, yeah. So, so I, I very much enjoyed all the spectacle of this return. Well, it, and it was a really well-booked storyline because... Taker isn't around. Mm. He very much did the Brock Lesnar thing. He showed up less than Brock Lesnar because the whole idea is you don't know if Taker really is alive. Yeah, Kane killed him. Yeah. Kane killed him at Survivor Series. And even the match graphics, there's Kane there. He's he's in the motion graphic, but Undertaker is just vacant. Yeah, he's a silhouette. I really I really like that. And of course you've got admittedly it went nowhere but jonathan coachman looking for him earlier in the night yes uh, and 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 kane is almost driven mad by the idea that he has killed him yeah so undertaker can't come back yeah exactly i killed you you're dead you can't be here and i, I like that there is some sort of continuity with the undertaker character in that he was an undertaker and then he stopped being the undertaker so he could be a mm. bike man Great continuity. Well, I mean, like the, the the story is though, is that he was just he was hired to be an Undertaker. He wasn't a zombie. He was just hired to be the Undertaker, and he sort of fell into black magic, uh, and then found his way. Went into the desert for a little bit, became a bike man. It's a gateway gimmick. Yeah, and you start off doing being a janitor or something, and before you know it, you are black magic. Black magic. And then he was killed, and now he's come back as the zombie Undertaker. But it's a it's a combination of the two because he is mm. Zombie Undertaker, 
But he wrestles like the American badass. A, for my money, a much more engaging. Oh yeah. Style of oh, wrestling. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> like you go back and watch like that WrestleMania main event of him versus Psycho Sid, where you've got like lumbering big man Psycho Sid being a big man not being able to move, and the Undertaker's gimmick is he's literally not allowed to move like like he normally would because he is a big man zombie, and you end up with a boring 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 match Vince is kicking back going now this is wrestling oh finally we've nailed it uh, but here I, I think it works so much better because he then comes out to do like the ba, 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 sort of punches that he does um, Shane McMahon tries to do those but oh yeah more like fat 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 <laughs> So uh, Kane comes out uh, for this. Uh, this is an interpromotional match as well. Mm. It should be added because Kane is on Raw, whereas Undertaker is on SmackDown. Um, and I, I don't like this version of Kane. This is not my Kane. Uncle Fester Kane is not my Kane. But I do love the entrance music. No wonder afterward is gone. I love that music. And the way Kane's entrance was built into the the LCD skyline set was really cool mm. because very evocatively, the skyline was on fire. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was a really cool entrance. But Kane here, I know, I know what you mean. Our Kane is cartoon Jack Kirby Red Kane yeah, with the big old mask. Yep. Not the half mask or any no, or none no of this, mask. None of this half mask lark. Full mask. I will go as far to say Vest Kane is like that is like that's the end of where my mm. like, of where Kane is. When he started wrestling in a vest when he was like Brothers of Destruction Kane. But and started talking behind the mask. Yeah. Yeah, Undertaker, you come over here, I've got to save you from Diamond <laughs> Dollars Page. But um I I think it's it's crazy. This happens so often in wrestling that these people who have been behind masks all their life. I'm thinking Sami Zayn, uh, because he used to wrestle under a mask. Not El, not uh, not El Generico. Generico. No, no that's I, a different I, person. I just believe that Sami Zayn started off his wrestling yeah, career yeah. under a mask. Yeah. Um, because he was trained by El Generico. Yeah. It's sort of a lucha tradition. Uh, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, absolutely. Andrade. Andrade. And uh, well, Andrade's facials aren't amazing. I disagree with that. But, one. like, they're not on the level of Del Rio, yeah, Sami yeah. Zayn, and I get to my point here Kane. Yeah. Like, Kane has to build this entire feud by himself because the whole point is Undertaker isn't around. You don't know if he's actually going to rise from the dead. Kane's facials are incredible, and his promo delivery is really good as well. I, oh, hey, is it, though? Hey, it's much, it's really good. Not by Attitude Era standards, because everyone was on fire, but by today's standards, when everyone's yeah. given scripts and they're very stilted, this is this is a good pro. Like he's a good promo. I I didn't like his monster movie villain promos that he did. Like I mean, it's it's fairly bad here, but it gets worse when he's like world champion and like feuding with Rey Mysterio and stuff, and they actually put music underneath his promos, oh, yeah. even when it was like an in-ring segment. That's and bad. It did it just never works. Nev- no, it never works. Just like adding sound effects to Alistair Black's entrance doesn't work. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I this is not my cane, but. Man, when the the lights go, the the pop for the lights just going out is really impressive, and then it's a nice beat of silence. And it was it was built up because Kane's like he's not coming, nothing's yeah. gonna he's happen. Dead. You're dead. He's dead. <sighs> I killed him. Yeah. And, and then yeah. yeah. And then the lights cut out, and everyone knows oh, it's yeah. that it's that magical. As goofy as this is, it's we 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 all believe for a moment, and that's what you know. That's that really is Vince McMahon's greatest strength. Absolutely. It's not my 
if if I was to book a wrestling promotion, I wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do cartoon characters. No, but god damn. Vince McMahon. This is one of it's his biggest success. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah, he has I mean. Yeah, he has this moment and the lights go out and then you do get the big Oh yes! Oh. And the pop from the crowd for Paul Bearer doing his catchphrase. Because was Paul Bearer even mentioned in the build or no, anything? No, this that was a complete surprise. It was a lovely surprise oh. at this point. I think everyone was just expecting The Undertaker to come back as the dead man. But to have him with Paul Bearer, with the urn, at the 20th anniversary or the 20th WrestleMania, it's not the 20th anniversary, mm. but the 20th WrestleMania, I think it's just, it's a lovely little touch to this. And this partnership wouldn't last for very long, really. It's, it's over before the end of the year. Because Undertaker buries him in cement. That's a shame because this is a lovely piece of fan service. Yeah. As much of the booking on this show is with Benoit winning, spoiler, with Guerrero winning. Uh, it, it's really designed, it that it all begins again tagline really plays into this match. Yeah. It, you know, it, Undertaker is back and he's back as the dead man again. Like it, it's very thematically consistent absolutely and uh, the druids come out like with these big flaming torches and paul bearer is sweating I, I think he's cooking like next to all this fire that he's got to walk past he is uh, he's not at his largest he's a re- but no, he is he's he has a very large man here yeah. unhealthily large yeah i would certainly yes. say so yeah um and i did like as well paul bearer keeping up his character storyline when he looked at kenny goes you're no son of mine <laughs> yes paul continuity mate i like it i uh i was taken out of it a bit when the runners with fire extinguishers ran on behind <laughs> them just yeah. a... health and safety yeah, just, just want to, get to that. put out a few bits Absolutely, like, yeah. hey we can go black magic but you know let's be safe about it health and safety yeah. is important and you've got kane just constantly shining in the ring i killed you i killed you i thought kane's selling of this was absolutely yes. awesome yep, and yep, the yep. chance for undertaker were really really great but then the bell had to ring and um <laughs> yeah i liked it do you like the match well it's just like it's an angle. Really, it's an angle. This, this was all about... For me, this was all about the entrance and the spectacle of it. Mm. I, The Undertaker and Kane have always had bad matches, particularly at WrestleManias. Their WrestleMania matches have been bad. That is no secret. And I don't think this was like... This is no exception to the rule. I thought it was a very very boring match you see i was so into the character of kane you know i killed you you're not real and he goes up to like taker is just standing there at the start of the match not moving crowd are going nuts i'm feeling a bit tingly just talking about it and kane's screaming you're not real he edges close to taker with this amazing display of panic on his face and fear and he goes to touch taker and as soon as he touched him, that's when Taker starts unloading. Kane legit looks like he's going to cry. Mm. And it is so intense. And I mean, this is... Taker made his whole first half of his career doing this. He says so much by just standing still. Yeah. No one can stand still better than The Undertaker. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's... And, and Taker, maybe it's also because the the memory of Taker has been somewhat blemished by his matches in recent years. Mm. But, oh, he can move. Oh, can't he just? And Kane as well. Yeah. Like, seeing these two massive guys just hammer away at each other. <laughs> they're like, you know, they're doing the flips. Uh, Kane throws Taker over his back. Um, oh, there was a slight botch there, actually. That was that, that was a botch. But it was old school. Kane catching him in the choke slam. I, I thought... 
I thought it was really good. Yeah. I mean, I've written the word chokeslam like multiple times within my notes because that's what it felt like this was all about. It was building around chokeslams and then Taker finally does chokeslam and does the three the throat slip pose, Tombstone Kane, and he wins. Kept short, which I think was probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, and I think that's a good thing. But to your point that you've made throughout this show, love the variety. There's completely different to Brilliant. the... Uh, Eddie Guerrero cat angle match that preceded it and very different to the triple threat that's going to come after it. You don't need a piss break. No. Nope. You just need to give something different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Pritchard on the, the Something's a Wrestler episode did not like this match. Mm. Um, his wordings, if I remember correctly, are that Kane and Undertaker had their best match when they weren't on, uh, best matches when they weren't on television. Like all their house show yes. matches were really good, mm. but whenever they put them in front of cameras, he thought they were matches were always quite bad. Um, I yeah I this isn't really a match to me. This is the 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 action between the bells is just a continuation of the angle of Undertaker returning. And in that respect, I think it works perfectly. You mm-hmm. tell that story of Kane realizing Taker's real. Taker gets his his comeback, and yeah 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 I I really enjoyed it. But yeah in as in terms of an actual match, it was fine. Mm. But overall, I loved it. Brian Alvarez would say, uh, fans popped bigger for the darkness than they did three quarters of the wrestlers on the show. <laughs> Taker came out to his old music in his gear and the place went bonkers. Once the bell rang, the, pre- the, the heat pretty much died. Ross was pulling a Jim Cornette, trying his damnedest to make this one seem epic. It was what it was. Star and a half. Uh, Wade Keller would say in the Pro Wrestling Torch, nice spectacle match, but I'd say overall a bit of a letdown. Taker just didn't show enough vulnerability, so there wasn't a ton of drama when you, uh, where you never felt he was in jeopardy of losing. His pinfall win didn't get the type of pop you'd expect, given all the build as a result of the inevitable feeling that was there all along. Ross reminded viewers he was undefeated at WrestleMania, two stars. Um, lots and lots of thoughts on this from the Pro Wrestling Torch people. Bruce Mitchell would say, uh, the Undertaker spectacle was exactly what it should have been, except the match was a little long. Uh, Jason, it was like seven minutes. Yeah, right. Jason Powell, who was uh, there with the uh, live crowd. I was there with the live crowd as they cheered, the lights going down, signifying it was time for the dead man to walk again. I was into the moment when Paul Bearer shrieking the words, oh, yes, came out over the sound system, and I was really ready to pop right along with the crowd when Undertaker walked out as the dead man for the first time in years. And then he got in the ring, took off his leather jacket, removed the hat, and, uh, and out popped the love... <laughs> I'll try that again. And out popped the love child of Diesel. Diesel and Waylon Mercy, and the mood was killed. <laughs> Two words for Undertaker, Aww. hair extensions. Uh, Wade Keller would uh, conclude, Undertaker's return was okay, but I too was expecting much more of a makeover. To protect his gimmick, he sacrificed the drama the match could have had. For that to be a better match, he needed to convince the fans he had a chance to lose. He never did, but it worked on a certain level as a spectacle. The intro was good, but his look was too much of a hybrid to be, a throwback, to be the throwback everyone was expecting. It's all about expectations, isn't it? If you go in there thinking Undertaker and Kane are going to put on a great match. It's like the Cruiserweight thing. It's yeah. like all the, the, the feedback to that Cruiserweight match was like, oh, we all think this is going to be the best match on the show. And then it was 10 minutes mm. with 10 people. Yeah. Whereas here is, it's it's a return angle. I, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, if you thought it was going to be a proper match where you bought into Kane winning against The Undertaker on his return. I'll be honest, I didn't when I watched I this in like 2004. I don't know how you could even seriously think that. Yeah, the whole yeah, point of this was Taker to come back and kill Kane. Yeah. 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 Get his revenge. I completely agree with you. Mm. Yes, but that was not the main event of this show, thankfully, because we have something much, much grander. It's a triple threat for the World Heavyweight Championship as the champion Triple H defends against Shawn Michaels and Royal Rumble winner Chris Benoit. The Royal Rumble... 
two men stood in this ring. They scratched, they clawed, they fought for what they believed in. And that is the World Heavyweight Championship. As both men were unable to answer the count of ten, the referee has declared that Triple H is still the World Heavyweight Champion. Shawn Michaels, you wrestled one hell of a match, but you did not win the Royal Rumble. So right now, I'd like the winner of the 2004 Royal Rumble to come out here to this ring. me 62 minutes to be 29 men. Oh, yes! Oh, Benoit! Benoit At WrestleMania, I will fulfill my destiny. I will be the next World Heavyweight Champion. I know this is a huge, huge moment for you. And the last thing I want to do, Benoit, is rain on your parade. You see, the issue with Triple H and myself has been nearly 10 years in the making, and I am this close to finishing it. And I'm going to do it on the biggest stage of them all, WrestleMania 20, for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's just not going to happen at WrestleMania 20. It's going to be me, not you. It turns out Eric Bischoff made a decision regarding the world title at WrestleMania. So for the first time, the World Heavyweight Championship will be decided at WrestleMania in a triple threat match. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus Chris Benoit. So this is the first time ever that a triple threat has main evented WrestleMania. But um, it wasn't going to be the first triple threat to uh, main event WrestleMania. Here's the stats. According to Vince Russo, anyway. The planned Mania main event for 
uh, WrestleMania 15, which ended up being Austin Rock, yeah. was meant to be Austin, Rock, and Mankind. Because Mankind and Rock had been battling over the championship since the Royal Rumble and Halftime Heat and, and um, No Way Out and things like that. So they were going to do the triple threat to end off oh. and kind of conclude, uh, you know, put all these storylines together. And that was the plan. This is, again, all according to Vince Russo. So perhaps you want to take this with a pinch. Most misunderstood man in sports entertainment. Yep. Also the most... Well, let's not get into it. Um, uh, But he said... Just suggested jokes. (laughs) People took his banter for seriousness. But his claim is that Shawn Michaels then got into the ear of Steve Austin Mm. and convinced him that WrestleMania main events should only be one-on-one matches which I'm guessing was a principle he stuck to until it came to the opportunity where he might be <laughs> able to main event WrestleMania and get a big payday. Hey, that hey was this, old. This, is a, this is a change, Sean. It, so- is, it is a change, Sean. That's like blaming the American badass for the dead man's deeds. They're different people. I'm, I'm being different sarcastic. People. I'm being facetious. But yeah, so that's the, the story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Which is why this has ended up being the very first triple threat Mania main event. Uh, you and I have covered Benoit matches previously on Wrestle Ramble Extra, but I feel like it's something we need to talk about each time we do it. Because, I mean, me, I in particular, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be quite praising of Benoit in this match. He's phenomenal. I just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame. And it is. So I think it's almost like you have to try and separate artist from art, particularly um, when looking back at their work. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough line to mm. tread i don't i don't know what to say about it but i think the best way is to just acknowledge that he killed his wife and child and, and, himself. Then, and then himself in a very awful situation um whatever caused him to do those things you know that the various concussion reports and things like that eddie's death it's all it's such an awful situation yeah and we have acknowledged that now and now we are going to go on and talk about this match. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. So this all started at the Royal Rumble, um, where in the main event of the... Well, I say the main event of the Royal Rumble, the championship match, neither Triple H or Shawn Michaels could get to their feet. And Benoit won the Royal Rumble. Mm. So that was to then set up Benoit choosing which he, who he was going to face, either the WWE champion or he was going to face Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. And he jumped from SmackDown to Raw to challenge Triple H for that belt. However, Shawn Michaels felt that he had unfinished <laughs> business in all of this. And uh, yeah, it, it, and some really nice stuff with HBK in all of this. I, actually, I really like HBK's involvement because his mission is to get the belt off of Triple H. And so it almost feels like there's, there's points where, it's, uh, yeah, HBK just wants to beat Triple H, but Benoit also wants to be champion, and Triple H has now got to fight against both of these people that are trying to get the title off of him. So I think there's some, I think there's some nice dichotomy of this. I, I really like HB, like the consistency in Michaels' character, <laughs> in that he kind of gets obsessed with people. Yeah. Like he'll be obsessed with Triple H, and that will take up multiple years. When was it? 2002 SummerSlam, where he came back to face Triple H. Yeah. In a, just a terrific match, and then he would later get obsessed with the Undertaker to the extent where he had to retire. Yeah. So it's uh yeah like how he it sort of not justifies <coughs> but explains why he would do more heelish acts because Chris Benoit was beloved by the crowd mm. and uh and and what's apparently a legally binding move, Michaels super kicked Benoit in the World Championship match contract signing and then signed it himself 
WWE contracts are a very, very weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess they are legally binding within their world. I'm not sure it'd stand up in court, like a real world court. But not if, much if, would. But in wrestlers' court, in wrestlers' court, it'd probably be fine. The Undertaker would just stand there and go like, "I think this is fan." Um, yeah, I uh, also one of the benefits of us recording these over several uh, sessions. Tell me, I get to correct something that I said earlier in the uh, episode. That's always good. Because I said the theme tune to this song was probably done by Saliva. I was wrong. It was done by Drowning Pool. But it sounds like a Saliva song. They're always Drowning Pool. Throw a <laughs> throw a dart. But it was also Saliva for a while. Yeah, so yeah. like it could have been one or t'other. Uh, I went with one, and it was t'other. So overall, this three-way feud is relatively simple watching that video package unless i'm missing a load of weird angles that happened in the build it's just almost a love triangle in hate so a hate triangle yeah benoit very justified won the royal rumble match wants to get the title he's been working 18 years to get to this point triple h is the champion Shawn michaels has taken triple h to the limit multiple times and he has significant personal beef with triple h so he tries to get in on that uh, and that creates tension between him and Benoit. That's it. No suspensions. No arrests. No, here's a random other person in the feud. It all makes sense. And you can just build it on three people wanting to be the best. Yeah. Um, it's it's simple when you think about it. Uh, I, and I thought this had a really big main event feel as well. Unfortunately, the crowd didn't think so. The crowd was still dead. Yeah, a bit tired by this point, yeah. maybe. I think they, they saw their big Undertaker thing. I think they were into this match by the end, but I don't think there were like huge pops for people coming out. Also, as well, it's it's kind of strange to go back to these sorts of periods where some wrestlers just had entrances. Like Triple H just does yeah, yeah. Triple H does the entrance he would have done at the Royal Rumble or any of the other pay-per-views he'd been wrestling with. Same for Michael, same for Benoit. Whereas now Triple H has got his big Skull King lark that he likes to do, his big elaborate WrestleMania entrances. It's a 20-minute cutscene. <laughs> Where yeah, whereas here it's just like yeah, cool. We're all coming down to the ring now because we're going to have a match. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean that's something I I like the big extravagant entrances. Me too. So. Uh, I would happily drop a battle royal or two to get more crazy entrances. No, no, you just need to extend the runtime of the uh, show. That's yeah, the way around yeah. this. Uh, last time HBK was challenging for a title was at Mania 12 against Bret Hart. Um, also, yeah, this they note that Benoit is from Atlanta, Georgia. And I think Jericho said in one of his podcasts or an interview that this was around the time where Vince McMahon didn't want people being announced from Canada. <laughs> If they're baby faces, mm. because he just thought that they wouldn't get baby face reactions that if they're from insane. Canada. Yeah, that's I, I believe it was Jericho that said that because Jericho was also he was criticized as coming from New York as opposed to being from Winnipeg. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Benoit and HBK fight over who can attack Triple H first. And I think like the early part of this match feels like it's a lot of like of Benoit trying to lock in the cross face like he in his mind, needs to finish this match early because he's got two other people he needs to fight against. So the quicker he can get someone into the crossface, the quicker they can tap out, the quicker he'll win. Exactly. And is there's so many ways... Well, it's not so many ways. It's just any punch can be whipped into a crossface. I love the way... He, like, they call him the rabid Wolverine. It's because, like, he feels like he's always tearing at people mm -hmm. with teeth. 
he, just even with limbs. Like instead of teeth, he's got limbs. So he's always the, the force that he drags people's arms down to the mat. Yeah. I'm surprised their shoulders don't pop out the sockets, let alone when they're in the actual submission. And I think Benoit brings out that side to his competitors as well. Like Triple H doesn't feel like he's wrestling a Triple H match in this. Triple mm. H feels like he's much more stiffer, a bit rougher with his chops and his punches. He just feels like he is in a fight as opposed to, I am Triple H in a wrestling match. And I think it's the same with Sean as well. Yeah. I think Benoit brings out the best of these guys. Yeah, I but also I think Triple H is very good yeah. at adapting his style Absolutely, to his wrestling. Yeah. Unfortunately, in recent years, he's forgotten that. And he's just said, no. It's the Triple H match that's the draw. It's the 40-minute Triple yeah, H match. He just has Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, <laughs> Triple H match, uh, rather than you know Mick Foley or just 60-minute Iron Mans with the exactly, Rock. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it does. It's a very WWE uh, early on in that two men will be in the ring while one person will be on the outside. Um, I, I thought they did it really well though. It's hidden much better than it yeah. usually is. Yeah. Like when so, there's a moment when Triple H is outside at the start and you can see him just standing there, and it's not because he's waiting for his spot. Well, it is, but they explain it that oh, he's just why would you want to get in the ring right now? Yeah. Let them beat each other up, and the way they throw one member out and then do something else is is really really well timed and choreographed yeah there's a really nice stuff in here like early on hbk doing a moonsault to the floor mm -hmm. um triple h putting benoit in the tree of woe and then whipping hbk into benoit that got a huge pop yeah oh, i thought it was the biggest pop of the match i thought it was really cool yeah but um man for me benoit uh, chris benoit more like crisp benoit oh, oh god he's crisp with some of these clothesline <laughs> stuff hbk does this nip up benoit charges at him full force to knock him out the mm. ring good lord he flew at him yeah and there's a uh, anytime when benoit is in the ring the crowd are a lot more alive than when it's michaels and hunter absolutely yeah, yeah. i think the crowd doesn't like hunter the most then they don't like Michaels, and then way on the other end of the spectrum, they love Benoit. Absolutely, yeah. And they his... will cheer HBK for his spots, mm -hmm. but other times he'll. They'll... They, they. This crowd wanted Benoit to win. This crowd really, really wanted Benoit to lift up the title at the end. And his German suplexes are very, very lovely, hmm. very, very lovely indeed. Um, the crowd even boo HBK when he does a German to Benoit, but I think it's a great spot. Because then they cheer even louder when Benoit Germans yeah, triple yeah. like, uh, uh, HBK when he gets out of it. And HBK's selling of these German suplexes is amazing. <laughs> it's like reaching out for the ropes to yeah. try and grab onto something to stop the momentum. Ah, oh, love it. Great. And then he sells, his selling goes up a notch because it's blade time. Oh. <laughs> HBK gets... Oh, mate. Yeah, slingshotted into the turnbuckle. But I, I guess the, the idea is he didn't hit the top turnbuckle. He went over and, and hit, hit the, the ring, ring post. And his head is busted open. Oh, dude. The, there's just. so much blood there. And he walk, He turns around. Benoit snaps straight into the crossface. And you're like, oh, my God, he's going to tap. He's so close to the ropes, but he can't reach them. He's going to tap. But then Triple H pops up from nowhere by the apron and holds onto Michaels' hand. I love that spot. To stop him tapping. It's so, And like you, you see that and you're like... That's where the revival That's, yes. and the DIY spots came from Absolutely, with Triple H yeah. maybe agenting those. And I'm just, but the crowd barely reacted. I don't think the crowd saw it. I don't think the crowd saw what he did. It's, There's a big screen at the ramp. 
yeah but like your, your commentators at home are watching the sort of like the commentators at home the commentators at the desk rather i mean they're doing what you're watching at home they're watching it on a smaller screen so i guess they may have they were just watching the the match in ring so they didn't see like the intricacy of that spot but you're right the crowd don't react to it it was really really great yeah, yeah, really. but I, I just don't think the crowd really saw what they were doing and benoit at this point it's just HBK is bleeding an absolute gush. Benoit's covered in it. Yeah, Lawler even says, oh, I think Benoit's bleeding. And JR <laughs> just goes, no, that's HBK's. That's very much HBK's blood. Yeah. Um, Triple H starts taking apart the SmackDown announce table and Benoit slams him into the Spanish announce table. Triple H goes for the pedigree, but Michaels gets involved and they do a double suplex to Benoit through the Spanish announce table. It might have been the SmackDown announce table. I'm not sure which one of the ones it was. But I love that. Triple H and HBK didn't say a word to each other. They just knew what they had to do. And they knew what the other one was thinking. And it was like, well, let's get rid of him. And they just uh, double suplex him over. I think it's a great spot. Yeah, there was like half a second of looking at each other. And then they went into it. Yeah. And it's like, you you get it anyway. But JR's really good at just reaffirming that. Saying they knew what they were going to do. The unspoken bond between these two. And you're like, yeah, they were friends for so long. They were closer than brothers. (laughs) Uh, and then we get down to HBK and Triple H fighting in the ring. Crowd aren't into this bit as much as you say, because I think they just really want to see Benoit win. I and mean, this is a very WWE thing of just like, take out the guy you really, really want to see so that you pop bigger when he gets back in. And you've got JR begging for EMTs to come down and help Benoit. And a cameraman that got taken oh, out. Oh, yeah, didn't he just? <laughs> yeah. Sean loves taking out cameramen in, <laughs> in WrestleMania matches. Sean's hair is matted from the blood. Oh, is, yeah, that's how much gross. it is. Gross. Uh, Triple H has color as well, and he hits the pedigree, but he can't capitalize. A beautiful pedigree. Oh, yeah. With with the arms locked in, the underhook. Yes. Oh, I miss those days. And now he like he takes his hands out and pushes, like helps them down gently. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he manages to get an arm dragged over Triple H, but Benoit dives in to break this up. And it, it's a brilliant spot if you're watching it from home as well, because you've got JR begging for EMTs to come down. So in your mind's mind, he's so out of it, there's no way he's getting back up. Well, as great as a job JR did putting over that, that near fall, the crowd kind of gave it away because they were all looking where Benoit was, yeah. crumpled in the heap in that announcer's table. Then he got up, and they were all pointing at him. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, commentator's job. Commentate on what people see on TV, not what people in the live uh, live arena are saying. It'll be right next to him. <laughs> right there, to his, like, two metres to his right. No, I know. It, it's not a, one of the more ridiculous ones, though. Like, Kevin Nash coming in to beat up CM Punk. That was way more ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, Triple H tries for another pedigree, but Benoit rolls him into a sharpshooter, and Triple H is selling this like an absolute madman. Um, that sharpshooter is great. Oh, and it just yeah, and it just uh, I don't know. I got a I got a parallel with the Montreal screw job just because HBK is there. Chris Benoit, of course, is very close to the Hart family. Um, he trained at the Dungeon and the Stew Hart. So I just yeah, I, th- that felt. And I think the crowd, the the traveling predominantly UK crowd, mm-hmm. very much tapped into that sharpshooter spot. Uh, but also, Triple H is busted open now. <laughs> of course he is. Um, and while he's in this sharpshooter, all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, sweet chin oh music to Benoit just clobbered him right in the face. This is... And it was like, that sharpshooter was on for a while. Triple H is trying to scramble for the ropes, but Benoit drags him away. And, you know, there's all this blood. It feels like a war. And then this kick... Like the Benoit one, I saw it coming. Mm. The kick from HBK just—he flew across the ring. Yeah, it was incredible. It was so desperate. Yeah, oh, it was yeah incredible. And then he he pinned Benoit, but Benoit kicks out. 
that that was that might be my favourite spot of the match. Yeah. One of the best near falls I've ever not near fall because it was a submission, but one of the best. Yeah, sequences. Near finishes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Benoit managed to knock uh, Shawn Michaels out of the ring, and then uh, Triple H goes for the pedigree, but it's cantered into the crossface, and this is the finish of the match. Triple H holds on for as long as he possibly can. He's reaching out for the ropes and fading. He powers up. He tries to roll it through, but Benoit holds on. Mm. And Triple H holds on for as long as he can. But then weakly just taps out with his last bit of strength that he had. He taps out to the crossface. Crowd goes ballistic as Chris Benoit wins the World Heavyweight Championship. Amazing match. Yeah. Genuinely amazing. And and what a finish. They put the right guy over. Uh, they they did something for the fans. Yeah. What what a novelty. And, and we liked it, it. They did it again 30 years, 20, uh, 10 years later even. Um, I think it's one of the best uh, WrestleMania main events ever. It's Yeah, it's definitely top three. Yeah. I would say. I just... um, I, It really made me... There's not many things that do this. But it made me sad I wasn't watching in 2004. Yeah. And that's saying something because... Those were a rough old time. Well, um, on, on Raw it was. Absolutely, least. yeah. But like Benoit bursts into tears. JR's completely lost his voice at this part. Oh, yeah, he's really gone, hasn't he? Yeah, it's really hoarse, just screaming and getting this over. And then all of a sudden, there's Eddie Guerrero in the ring holding his WWE Championship. And they applaud, he applauds him and they hug. Like, what an absolute moment. With everything that they've been through together, this meant so much to the both of them. You've got JR screaming about this is the best WrestleMania of all time. I love that main event. Mm. I thought it was so good. I think the post-match angle is amazing as well. I loved everything. Yeah, it's terrific. Imagine how, as much as I love that No Way Out match, imagine if Eddie had won the title that night too. Yeah. Uh, That would have been something even more special. Uh, And yeah, it's just like seeing those two guys there. there's There's a picture that I had as my wallpaper on my computer for the longest time, and it was CM Punk's last... It was his farewell thing in Ring of Honor, and he was just this is this is gonna this I don't usually go for hokey captioned photographs inspirational yeah. posts but this one got me because I was such a huge CM Punk fan, and Mark. it's CM Punk in the middle of the ring just on his knees covered in streamers covered in streamers and he's he's crying, and it just like the caption someone put at the bottom was just like the thing you do should make you feel like this. Oh. And I was just like, that's and that's what I got. I got a similar kind of emotion when Eddie and Chris Benoit were hugging each other here. Mm. And it's just like, you work so hard to get here. And you, you wouldn't have had a chance. And it's so weird as well, because this was supposed to be, this is where it all begins again. This was meant to usher in a new era of WWE. And really it didn't. Mm. Because by this time next year, these two are in the opening match that was just thrown together at the last minute. And Triple H is champion again. Really, it begins again next year because that's when you get Cena and Batista winning the titles. And that sparks the new era of WWE. This one's almost like a stopgap. It's like Vince going, OK, I'm going to give these these different body shape guys a try. Nah, yeah, I want Cena and Batista. Yeah, I'm yeah, bored no, of this now. I'm much more comfortable with Absolutely, this. yeah. Let's put the belt onto Bradshaw because he's a friend of ours. And let's put the belt back onto Hunter. Um, although I suppose Randy Orton would win the belt and then goes right back to Hunter straight after that. But yeah, so it's it's weird that like I think a lot of fans at this time thought this was going to be the big moment of change, but really it didn't. And it would last for a couple of months, and then it was back to the status quo. 
and then yet yeah, come next year that's when the change will sort of happen a, oh. a new changing of the guard tell me something i haven't heard before <laughs> that is just wwe all over isn't it and it's i don't know if they're new fans or just who haven't been burnt multiple times or just wildly optimistic no matter what fans but when people comment on our videos you're being too cynical or you know that they'll they'll do something this is a put this is time to be positive and like yeah i'm gonna be positive now because this is great like because wwe do so many good things Mm -hmm. but it's the follow-up yeah and within a month ec3 is gonna be doing nothing champa's gonna be out injured i was gonna say what has this new era brought around like, the McMahon standing in the ring and saying, it's a new era of WWE. We're going to listen to the fans. What has that actually brought about? It's brought about nothing. Plans haven't, like, the the Mania main event was more or less set in stone at Survivor Series, and that didn't change. I don't think anything's really changed off the back of this. It's, and it's, you could argue Kofi Kingston, but Kofi was in the Mustafa Ali spot. It would just be Mustafa Ali in that position rather than Kofi Kingston. Mm. That, that was the plan. Yeah. Well, I guess we're getting, you know, it's by all accounts, it looks like we're getting a Becky win. Hopefully we're getting a Seth win. Hopefully we're getting a Kofi win. Yeah. If that happens, I was saying in the office earlier today, I've got a theory that all pay-per-views that are divisible by five, so WrestleMania 20, 25, 30, 35, Vince is more likely to put over multiple baby faces because those feels like a bigger deal. Yeah. A five, doesn't it? Yeah. Five or a zero. Well, you say that, but they're not numbered anymore. Now it's just WrestleMania. That's a good point. It's, we, we call it WrestleMania 35 because we're fans, but <laughs> like they don't want it to be called the numbers anymore. I guess because Vince doesn't want it to feel like it's an old property. That's why he stopped calling it the granddaddy of them all, because he's like, that's too old. It mm. makes it sound like it's an old thing. But I thought overall, uh, I should say, well, let's hear from Brian Alvarez first. Brian Alvarez uh, would say that was one hell of a match right there. And Benoit cried tears of joy as the crowd went insane afterwards. Eddie hit the ring and the two guys shared a hug in what was seriously one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in wrestling. Mm. For the rest of my life, I can never truly mean it if I ever say that I hate wrestling. Uh, Four and a half stars from Brian Alvarez. That's very nicely written. Absolutely. Wade Keller would say, that was a really, really good triple threat match. The finishing sequence was as dramatic as I can remember in any match. The crowd reaction helped take it to five stars, as did Benoit's emotional reaction to the win and Ross's dramatic announcing five stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give it five. Uh, I'll probably be more in line with the four and a half. I'd be in the five mold. Uh, I just think the crowd... If I watched it at the time, <laughs> I would have said five. Mm. I think the crowd being better throughout would have taken it to four and three quarters. But by today's standards, yeah, it's four and a half. Well, that's it for WrestleMania 20. Your final thoughts on this show. This is not your first watch of the show, or, or is it? Uh, first watch all the way through. Yeah. I've watched uh, the majority of the big matches. So your it. first time all the way through, what did you make of it? Long. Too long. Four hours is too long. And it is half of what <laughs> this Sunday's WrestleMania is going to be. Not everyone needs to be on the car. <laughs> you've got so many good moments. Uh, you, you know, the the main event triple threat. Undertaker making his return. The the Kurt versus Eddie match. Those I, tag matches. Yeah. Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> it's just... A, a large part of this feels like an episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. When really there's there's four or five massive main events. The undercard is pretty pretty goddamn weak, bar Christian Jericho. Yeah. And to and, and to an extent, seen a big show because people liked him back then. 
but the but unfortunately the Brock Lesnar Goldberg match <coughs> really kind of ruined the rest of the show. Yeah, it uh, for me it is it rides on a high because I really I like the John Cena Big Show stuff. Although it was very standard affair, I did enjoy it for what it was, and I really really liked Jericho and Christian. But then for me, I just slowly got chipped away with the Evolution match, the Playboy match, the Cruiserweight match, Goldberg Lesnar, the other tag match, Victoria and Molly Holly. I just got chipped away slowly and slowly and slowly to the point where I was like, I am done watching this show. Then I was brought right back up with Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. Undertaker's entrance, I'm only going to say the entrance, and yeah, that amazing triple threat match, which for me was match of the night. Mm. Yeah, not one of the best WrestleManias of all time, not by a long shot, but has some of the best matches. Absolutely, I think we can agree with that. And that is going to wrap us up for WrestleMania 20 again. We are so so sorry that this is out late but i guess that just means april is going to be a double extra month because you'll be getting the april show in a couple of weeks time because we'll need to watch and record yeah, that very yeah, soon good grief. to get out in the middle of the month so it's not like we've got a, a bunch of other wrestling shows to watch no but it's fine that'll be that'll be our week off from watching an old pay-per-view and sitting down and recording <laughs> like a four or five hour show and of course it's april as well which means it might be another wrestlemania make it a short one yeah. <laughs> If you like us, make it a short one. Uh, but that is all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for being one of our pledge hammers on Patreon. We love each and every one of you. Take care. Love you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.